he says, fuck it. So we're starting. Full send. All right. Sitting here today with Jeff. Go ahead and introduce yourself, Jeff. Hi, my name is Jeff. Um, what's up? My name is Jeff Blackwell. First time on a podcast, so bear with me if, bear with me if it's cringe and shit. Any podcast? Any podcast. Damn. All right. Well, you know, uh, I don't know many people that have been on a podcast, so. Honestly, same. You would be the first person that I actually know, like, firsthand. No shit. Mm-hmm. Well, that's uh, it's honestly a badge of honor, because I know a lot of people that, uh, you know, are interested in doing it, and then you go to schedule with them, and they push stuff back, which is fine. Life happens. You know, but uh, it's not always available to everyone, so. Right. I'm going to try and avoid the immediate mistake I made with Zach, and I think with Ryan, too. Turn my ringer off. Good point, right. good point. All right, and then I'll text the old lady, tell her we're, I'm sorry, my beautiful fiance. She doesn't like when I call her the old lady. Yeah. <laughs> no, because she immediately thinks of an old lady. The youngest of ladies. Yeah, the youngest. But, yeah. I mean, it's apostrophe O-L. It's not old, it's old, you know? Yeah. Like good old Opry type stuff, you know? For sure. Well, how was your day at work, Jeff? Normal day, keeling it. Just know? just <laughs> keeling it. Hell keeling yeah. Keeling time. Hell yeah. Yeah, today was a little, little bit of a drag, and I don't know if it's because I was looking forward to the podcast or if it's because there was something in the air, but there, yeah, there was definitely a drag today. Yeah, it had very Monday vibes, it even did. though Monday was yesterday. Yeah, today is Tuesday. What is it, April 18th? Tuesday. Yes, sir. Yep, tomorrow is uh, my oldest daughter's birthday, so. Nice. Yep, there's going to be, uh, she's not going to hear this before that. Hopefully, hopefully, honestly, she's not going to hear it, because that means there's, she's hearing some crazy shit go down <laughs> to that I'm not, not the most proud of, but, you know. For she, educational purposes. <laughs> yeah, but she also does hear me talk, you know. And she knows, you know, the way I talk and kind of the shit I think. I mean, she's my oldest daughter, so she's been around 12 years as of tomorrow, you know. But, uh, you know, there's been some stories told on here and stuff that, you know, I'd rather tell her personally. So if she's got any questions, she's not just hearing it first or second hand. Right, that makes sense. You Give know. some context in there and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and I can actually handle, uh, you know, some of the... Uh, like face to face interactions, you you can get a lot just from facial, you know what I mean, facial uh, communications and stuff. So I can handle some of that too, or at least interpret that or take that in during the conversation. Whereas if you know, I, even if I go on a rant when I'm with her, I can still read her and be like, oh, okay, maybe I need to back off, or maybe I'm going too hard on this. She just hears what I'm talking shit about and, and doesn't realize that I've also listened to that and then maybe been like, I wish I would have worded it different, you know. I mean, that's one of the things this thing has really taught me, dude, is like, it's words are hard. Mm-hmm. Getting your thought out concisely is difficult. And to properly articulate what you mean, too. Yeah, and I think that's kind of what, were we talking about that today on break or was it yesterday where it's like some of these things that go viral are just in a way, I feel like because a lot of people are thinking it, but they don't know how, to, or they haven't been able to put a thought as concise and powerful or short, you know. So, like a lot of these viral memes or videos, people are like, "Hell yeah, this is exactly what I feel." I just didn't know how to express it like this. Right. You know? Right. So. 
yeah. So if she is listening, happy birthday. You'll we're sending her flowers at school tomorrow. Heck yeah. So hopefully that'll make her day. Probably Shout not. out, happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, sir. It's probably not going to be fully bloomed because usually when you send flowers, have you ever sent flowers? No, I've never sent them. I've like went and picked them up and stuff and dropped them off. But what, Which is actually... <sighs> I just like picking them out then you know the ones you get and stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah. I was going to say more meaningful because you're actually putting the hands in the work, but... With the internet now, I mean, I'd, I'd say it's right on par because you can still kind of pick your bouquet and stuff. You're not picking the individual flower. But, yeah, dude, that's huge, especially when you just pick them up off the side of the road. <laughs> For sure. Wildflowers actually are, like, some pretty cool ones out there. Yeah, and you're taking time out of your day, you know. The flowers represent more than just the flowers, you know. Thought and effort and stuff, which most people don't give the time of day to do, makes a difference. Yeah, and effort is also just as tough as words. Because mm-hmm. sometimes action can get interpreted in a different way, even though there's, you know, a meaningful intent behind it. Sometimes it can be uh, construed as not meaningful. Right, <laughs> <You know>? right. <laughs> I mean, we see it at work all the time. Mm-hmm. All the time. Just going through the motions. Yeah. Well, Jeff, uh, tell me a little bit about yourself, man. I'm going to practice some interview questions I got going here with you, but. For sure. Just tell me a little bit, you know, because who is Jeff? um no pressure (laughs) right 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 um i don't know i grew up in st louis um graduated from there missouri no st louis michigan oh Uh, middle of the man that's where i'm at right now i shouldn't know that (laughs) for real (laughs) geographical center um graduated from there um got into welding weld now um how did you get into welding so before I was a welder, I used to work for Dean Transportation and Special Ed. And, like, then COVID hit and everything, so all the schools shut down. And, like, right before then, I was in a car accident, so I was healing up. So, like, I got got all healed up from the car accident, went back to work for, like, two days. Then they shut all the schools down. Oh, and I'm like, all right, what now? What's what's next? Use that stimulus check for the down payment for some student loans for Merrill Tech. Mm-hmm. Merrill Institute, I mean. Fuck but, yeah. Yeah. Shout out Merrill. Definitely shout out Merrill. They've been... uh. They've been in the game a while. Started a lot of careers. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if they're still doing government contract work or not, but they've also helped, literally helped the country firsthand. So that's, shout out to Merrill. Right. Not every place can say that they've supported, not just by like supporting by saying we support, but by like actually doing the stuff and the things. Yeah. Like putting hands on, you know, that's big shit. That's big shit. For sure, makes a difference. So how how do you like welding? Um, I like it. There's definitely pros and cons to it for sure. In the summertime, it gets a little toasty, but it's, <laughs> it's worth what they ask me to do for what they pay me to do. Okay. For a majority of the time. All right, so it's a fair trade. Yes. For, for the sure. most part. It's pretty much you're renting your body to do a task for that amount of time, for an agreed upon amount of time. For a financial exchange. Right. So what's one thing you would change about your job now? Not monetarily. Hmm. If we're going to thank Education out. and training. Okay. Okay. That's huge. For sure. That's huge. That gives you more ability, honestly, you know, um, outside work. Right. But, you know, especially at work, it gives you more capabilities, which will bring you more money eventually. So Right. Like, if, if they have some type of certification programs involved in there, like, that would be game-changing, too, because then you have more competent and capable welders that could better do the task and have a better understanding of how their part implements the whole 
overall job and everything else too. Well, I mean, and then on the market, dude, competition. Yeah. You can say, hey, we have certified welders that are cranking out this product, you know, and I mean, maybe that'll get you some insurance breaks down the road. I mean, I don't really know what all comes with that at that, you know, upper echelon level of higher management, but I'm sure there's got to be some benefits that outweigh the cost of educating and certifying. Right. Even as a recruitment tactic too, like we have A, B, and C programs set up. We do this and that for Mm. safety type thing. That would make people want to go to you for sure and be a leader in that industry of the whole career field. Oh, dude, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I mean, what are we told? We don't want to be the biggest. We want to be the best. Right. And that's to me a strategy that'll, I can vibe with that. I can vibe with that. I'm going to move your arm just a tiny bit here. Hell yeah. Is that comfy? Yep. Awesome. Well, uh, so beyond welding, tell me a little bit about Jeff. A little bit about uh, how you grew up. I know you grew up in the, the area of St. Louis and whatnot, but raised by mom and dad, mom or dad, grandparents. Mom, mom and stepdad, and then a little bit hanging out at my grandma's every weekend. Okay. Know. Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> Get to get out in the woods because she lived outside of town, so dude, that was always nice. That's bomb. That's bomb. Mm-hmm. So what what kind of uh, outdoor habits, or at least uh, hobbies, I should say? Um. Camping and exploring and hiking, mushroom hunting is always fun. Like trying to find what plants you can eat and what plants you can't eat, that's, I feel like, valuable information for sure because everything you need to survive is literally in the woods. Like you can make clothing from animal hide if you know how to. You can make mushroom teas to heal you in certain illnesses and stuff. Like there's so much stuff out there that's like not common knowledge. And it's like, why wouldn't you want to know how like everything's out there for free and you can profit off it even? Dude, that's, I'm glad to hear you're a forager. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, that's, seriously, that's, um. Like, there's a mushroom called chicken of the woods that tastes like chicken, so I put that in a taco. Bro, like, <laughs> bomb, bomb. Bomb, for sure. I mean, maybe we shouldn't be telling everybody about chicken of the woods. Yeah. Because then there won't be chicken of the woods in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> or, like, lion's mane has a lot of benefits to it, too. Oh, yeah, dude, lion's mane. So what's your favorite thing to, uh, to forage? Mm. I'll dig into this a little bit, because... I mean, that, that vibes with me. I'm going to keep going on the right. interview questions. but Probably like lion's mane because it tastes the best and it looks the coolest too. It just sticks right out. It's like little, it's a white mushroom with like little lines coming down from it. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, lion's mane does look pretty cool. You ever bump into the puffer mushrooms? I have. Doesn't it look like a giant beach ball looking thing? Yeah, and then you touch yeah. it and it just poof. Yeah, poof. it's like a green little puff cloud that comes out of <laughs> yeah, it. Dude. It's pretty gnarly. <laughs> If you step on it, it looks like a little smoke grenade just went off. Yeah, right dude, exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my my uh, oldest daughter actually, you know, just talking about her. We uh we love finding those, dude. They're cool. Yep. I uh I one time found a stick that was just covered in them, and dude, for like twenty five minutes, she was just having a blast. And then we literally found one the size of a soccer ball, maybe twenty yards away. I can't remember what we were out. We were just out fucking around. Actually, she just wanted to go for a walk in the woods. She has this fallen tree she likes to go back to and try and climb. And every year it shifts a little bit and degrades, you know. But I think she likes it because, like, um, it, it the first year it fell, I mean, it was prime time climbing. And she might have been, like, eight or nine. Um, and I had actually found it squirrel hunting. So I ended, ended up taking out. We had uh, my fiancé's nephew. He was staying over, and we ended up taking him for a walk out there and um, took Athena, who you met. She's a goat dog. She likes to climb shit. So we ended up <laughs> taking her for a walk. We might have had Daisy, too. 
I can't remember. Usually if we take them out for a big walk like that, we have them both, but I don't remember Daisy being there. Anyway, um, yeah, and I think that she likes that because that's, maybe that's a memory or something that she feels like is tied to her and her freedom and her enjoy, enjoyment of climbing, which I don't know why kids love to climb. I always right. love to climb too. I'm sure you did too. Oh yeah. I still do. Shoot. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. Yeah, I still <laughs> like to climb. Um, I'm not as reckless with it now that I got fucking three kids, but I, st- I still climb shit. <laughs> yeah. It's def- like if you see that perfect little white pine, it's like a ladder just going straight up there. Dude, and there's a, and, and what is it that's like, to me, I see a kid and I'm like, all right, cool. Maybe they're just, you know, trying to see their limits. But like when I'm thinking of climbing shit, I'm thinking, ah, it's a new perspective. You know, mm-hmm. you, I mean, do you need to climb it? You kind of know what's around you, but it's like, you know, m- maybe you can see something that you can't see from the ground. Right. It's not super likely because you get up in there and you're like, I can't see out of this, you know, but <laughs> <laughs> covered in leaves and pine balls and whatever, but. Yeah, you could see a cool bird though. Who knows? That's true. <laughs> that, that's true. You could find a nest of baby birds and have that fucking, that macro photo, you know. Dude, have you ever set up like hammocks inside a tall tree? Like way up in the tree. Oh, no. That's no. so much fun. Like get a like enclosed hammock with like a mosquito net on there. And then like, you can just sleep up there. You wake up, you're like way up in the tree. It's like the coolest spot to wake up. Just wake up, look around. Dude, that does sound bomb. It is pretty legit. Bomb. Like, you know, I've hammocked along the river and shit. And just like some of the best sleep just because the river so all peaceful. night. You know what I mean? It's like just the noise of the river. It's like that white noise that it's on YouTube sometimes people use to sleep with. It's like yeah. the best version of that. Literally <laughs> real life ASMR. <laughs> or what is it? AMSR? Something like that. Something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, dude. So that, that tree is kind of. But yeah, we found this big ass fucking beach ball one, dude, and she went to fucking like she was all excited. She's like, "Can I step on it?" I'm like, "Yeah, go ahead." And uh, it was fucking soaking wet, so it didn't puff out oh, any no. smoke. Dude. She was all <laughs> bummed out. I was like, "But you gotta remember, we just had fun with the stick for like five, ten minutes. Like, come on, that's free entertainment <laughs> right there." <laughs> you know, but I, I was secretly bummed too because it's like, I, dude, I couldn't even. I've never found one that big. So can you imagine like the fucking it literally would have looked like a smoke grenade rolling through the woods, but yeah, like literally two or three days ago, I found one that was like bigger than my whole foot. Like, damn! Huge one. Did you puff it? I mean, I tried to, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude, hell yeah! <laughs> Give it a good old double stomp, like it's a pumpkin. Yeah, <laughs> like it's a pumpkin on November first, <laughs> dude. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> hell yeah, yeah. So uh, you like forage and lions, Maine? That's that's bomb. You ever do like um? Like wild strawberries or anything like that? I haven't, but that would be cool to find out. Like plants kind of are not like they're, they seem harder to me to identify at times. So I don't really want to go and take that risk if I'm not 100% sure. Cause mm-hmm. like there's a one leaf little difference could be like poisonous versus not poisonous. That's wise. Yeah. That's wise. Yeah. And I, I asked because I was going to ask you, uh, strawberry season is coming up. Michigan strawberries. I, dude, I fucking love strawberries. I mean, they're in my top five favorite fruit, but like, um, wild strawberries, dude. That'd be sick to make some wild strawberry jam. Dude. Well, here's what I was going to say. Like, obviously people aren't going to see, but like the knobs, like the white on that knob or the yellow, that's like a average size wild strawberry. Sometimes you'll get one like as big as that input port there, you know, about the size of a quarter. Mm -hmm. That's a big one. But, um. You know, they're usually surrounded by weeds when you start foraging. They're, like, in a grass field or whatever. and You know, they're constantly competing with 
a deeper, heavier root base, plants that are a lot taller, so they're not getting as much sun. Mm-hmm. But, dude, I swear to God, you bite into that little wild strawberry, there's so much fucking flavor. Dude. <laughs> like, nature rewards you for that plant surviving and you finding it. Because, literally, dude, they'll be buried. And, like, hmm. like the flavor in a, in a big strawberry, imagine that, like, times five. That makes sense. Dude, they are fucking bomb. Dude, hmm. bomb. Yep. So do you do any, like, uh, berry foraging? Um, sometimes I get, like, wild raspberries and stuff. Just pick those. Okay, so let's compare that to, like, a store-bought or even, like, a garden-raised raspberry. Mm-hmm. Which would you prefer? Um, I would prefer something I found myself because then I know exactly what's, where it comes from. I know it's not sprayed with a bunch of chemicals. Give me knocks. For sure. <laughs> and, and, like, you don't feel as greedy if you eat the whole thing because you're probably not going to collect that much. You're just going to get as much as you need to eat that one little day. You know? Oh, yeah, dude. And that's, sure. and that's, that's what I was just going to say is, like, if you have a patch, you might be competing with birds and chipmunks and shit like that, but that almost feels better to know that, like, if you grow a garden, you're expecting some sort of outcome, mm-hmm. and then you start having rabbits and deer get in your garden, and it's like, they're a nuisance. Mm-hmm. But when you're foraging shit, it's like, you're you. there's just a different feeling. Like, you're not separated, you're not putting up walls, you know what I mean? You are kind of meshed with your surroundings, you know, mm-hmm. like n- nature, like you feel more part of nature when you go to one of your raspberry bush spots or your black caps or your blackberries, whatever. And then you're like, well, fuck, this was loaded yesterday. You know, I only took, you know, maybe a mason jar full of berries out of here. Cause I wasn't trying to be greedy. You know, they were a little bitter. Give them another couple of days. They'll sweeten up. And then you get back there and one or two bushes is stripped. It's like, ugh. Those fucking deer, dude, they're nocturnal. You know what I mean? They knew I was For at real. the store. The store doesn't close, you know? <laughs> so Sometimes I'll, like, trade stuff. Like, say I'll take something from the woods and leave some cornmeal on the ground. For the birds and stuff. To distract them? No, or no, just, just tra- like Okay, okay, give it back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, that's a hell of a strategy, dude. They'll be like, all right, cornmeal or berries? I can only eat so much. Dude, you can actually train birds. Like, there's this one video that, was, that went viral of this lady that trained crows to, like, bring back money and coins and stuff. Like, she, the weight would be set on this little device, and as soon as the weight of, like, a coin or something goes on it, it gives them out the treats. So they got the crows trained to, like, straight up bring dollar bills and money and stuff. It's to, to be a pickpocket? She trained <laughs> crows <laughs> to pickpocket? Dude, sounds like a witch. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll have to let Brickell know that she's she needs to get deeper into her witchcraft, dude, because there's <laughs> money to be made. <laughs> <laughs> crows are super smart. Like, yeah. if you attack a crow... That crow's going to recognize you, and so will all the other crows. They'll, like, attack you and stuff if you go back to that area. Dude, I've experienced that. I have experienced that. I, um... Got some crow enemies out there? I've got... Yeah. (laughs) I do. I mean, real talk, bro. Like, when I was growing up, my grandpa's, you know, I had... He's got 40 acres, and then there's fucking, like, 3,500 or something like that of state land that butts up to it. That's the best. If not more. And it's, like, the biggest patch of state land... You know, basically north of fucking St. John's, or I'm sorry, you, there's really no patch of state land that big until you get north of St. John's. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's usually really spotted down here. Yeah, and um, so it's probably the biggest patch, the furthest south. It's probably the biggest patch we have. You know what I mean? In the lower half of the state. But anyway, I don't really know how to describe what my thought is. Again, words are hard. 
Words yeah. are hard, dude. <laughs> Wordsmanship. Yeah. So it's it's a pretty big patch, and then it's divided by uh, a little bit of private, and then it continues on east and west. But like the patch I had immediate access to, dude, was phenomenal. And um, dude, there'd be days, you know, you got crows or turkeys or fucking whatever in your yard, pheasants, dude, deer, and uh, I had just got my two hundred four, two hundred four Ruger, right. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had an old cottonwood that died. So we, there's like a 10-acre field, and it was on the, I guess it's the western side of the woods, but it's the eastern side of the field, so it's on that edge, up in this old cottonwood. And there were two of them. And I was like, you don't get to shoot at crows very much, because, they, <laughs> dude, they come around and they You're get like, shot. You're like, now's my chance. <laughs> yeah, dude, they come around and they get shot. And, like, they, I swear to God, they recognize the people, too, because, like, my grandma could be outside. Or, like, the kids could be outside, they'd be fine. But the second my grandpa and I would go go outside, dude, they'd mm. fucking start calling and they'd fly <laughs> off. You know what I mean? They wouldn't hang around and harass you, but they'd at least make their call and leave. Like, and you could hear them all the way across the property. Dude, caw, caw. It's like, <laughs> they're warning everybody. Hmm. Well, anyway, my grandpa had his boat parked on the side of the house, and I was, like, mm. strategizing. I'm like, all right, I can sneak out. I can get behind the boat, use the boat for a rest. So You're I like, did. concealment and cover. Dude, I did. I did. And I pe- peeked up over the fucking boat, used the gunnels, you know? It's probably like a 250-yard shot, dude. And like a couple days before, I had been shooting pot bottles from the yard to the corner of the field, which is a little over 300. And I had a milk milk jug out there full of water. And the first shot I took, I'm like, all right, I'll hold over about six inches. Not even, I mean, looking at the ballistic charge is one thing, but then like in practice, it's another Right, 100%. Shot, shot right over it. I was like, what? Like, <laughs> no fucking drop at three hundo, right? Hardly any. So, like, the next shot, I put on the, the cap, and, dude, I, I hit, like, the top shoulder before it even gets flat on the sides. So may, maybe two, three inches of drop at three hundo. Hmm. So I figured this out. So anyway, I'm like, all right, that crow's about 250, so I just put it on his chest, dude. More like his neck, high chest. And, dude, I squeezed the trigger, and... Those bullets, dude, they're over 4,000 feet. I have a 26-inch barrel, okay? And a lot of the ballistic charge are, like, out of 24-inch barrel, and they're still pushing 4,200 feet a second. So I got two extra inches. Bro. You get that extra spin in there, though. And that, Yeah, and that extra spin. <clears throat> but, you know, you have a little bit more length for it to build pressure and gain speed. I mean, at probably 28, 30 inches, it's going to start actually causing more friction and slowing it down, but it's, like, in that sweet zone. Anyway, dude, I touched the trigger... And before I felt recoil, before the scope even moved, both of his wings blew off, right? Like, I watched him fucking three pieces. Boom. Wings off each side. Fucking dude. <laughs> right? And, dude, it deleted. was... Deleted. Literally <laughs> deleted fucking black confetti floating through the fucking field and shit, dude. It was... It was incredible. But ever since then, dude, I haven't been able to, like, spot a crow in the open on that property. And I don't know what their language is to be like, hey, so... We were good for about four years, <laughs> you know what I mean? But now, anywhere in this little square, maybe it's because they can they have a different perspective from the air, too, mm. so they can kind of see the boundaries that we set out, you know? But, yeah, something happens, dude. Do you think birds have some type of language? I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, I do. I do, because, like... Now's the perfect time of year. You know, you can hear like a chickadee all winter. He's just maybe doing his chickadee dee dee, maybe mm. some tweets. But like come spring, he, you can tell when they're starting to get matey mm-hmm. because they get like this little, 
It's like a... You Dude, I, I mean? I'd hear that same sound in my head. I was just thinking that, yeah. too. Yeah, and then the Cardinals, you know, they'll tweet, tweet, and all that good shit. But then they get their song coming, and, you know, the Robins, all that. And obviously that's tied to mating for the most part. But even, like, just in their communications, like, you'll hear different tones and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So I don't know how deep the language is or how broad. Like, they probably can't describe, like, a white coffee cup. Right. But they can probably de- describe that there's food in this area and then mm-hmm. narrow it down to, you know, maybe they have a word for something that holds seed, like a coffee cup. But, mm-hmm. you know, they probably can't describe <laughs> the color of it. The sh- I mean, I don't know. I think they do. Because, like, if, you, if there's, like, predators in the woods, you hear, like, a little bird call and it'll just go all silent. And that's mm-hmm. how you kind of know, like, something's up. There's not no <laughs> sounds. Yeah. <laughs> and you just happen to be the predator. You're like, <laughs> right, God right. damn it, dude. <laughs> They got me. Darn it, they're good. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. What's so, like, uh, red squirrels are the worst for me, dude. I've described them before as, like, cokeheads. <laughs> Seriously, dude. I see it. I see it. Just the way they run around, they're all twitchy. Just pop up over a tree branch, look at you, pop dude, back down. Dude, and they don't stop moving. <laughs> it's like if they stop moving, it's for two seconds. Mm-hmm. Their tail's up, and then just the way they run, it's kind of like, like they're on a strobe feature. Yeah, you know for, real, I mean? for real, for <laughs> real. But then they also have that big chest where if they see you, they'll stand on a tree and just talk shit. Mm-hmm. Like, doesn't matter if their friends are trying to pull them back. Doesn't matter if those birds are like, dude, he's going to fuck you up. He's like, nah. <laughs> Bro, it's like in that movie Open Season, that animated yes, movie dude, yes, on the fucking dude. tree and shit. <laughs> dude, it's exactly like Open Season. Even the rabbits, they're kind of... I don't want to say they're throwaways, but rabbits are kind of the bitches of the woods, dude. Mm-hmm. It's it's a joke in that movie, but like everything eats them. Yeah, that's sure, what I've, I've ate them. They're good trapping animals for sure. Oh, dude, they're so you delicious. You can spot their little game trails. They're so delicious, mm-hmm. and they fuck so much. It's almost an indicator of where you are on the food train. How often you fuck? Right? <laughs> Deer fuck once a year. I never thought of it like that. You know, hmm. I mean, we fuck whenever. Yeah, we're kind of at the top. We get to choose. <laughs> you know what I mean? But then you look at like a. A rabbit, dude. A mouse. They're fucking constantly, you know? Yeah. And I mean, in a way, they're probably at the top of their little macro food chain, but in the broad broad picture, dude, I mean, everything eats mice and rabbits, you know? Mm -hmm. It's just hard to kind of explain how we only, how we don't have a mating season, but, you know, something like a mouse doesn't either, it doesn't seem. I wonder if chimps and gorillas and, like, big apes do, like, non-human things, you know? I, hmm. I, you know, I almost think that maybe gorillas do. No, no. I don't know. Dude, some of the apes are pretty wild. Like, there's videos of them, like, where they've learned from humans how to spearfish. Oh, yeah, dude. The, uh, the orangutans. Like in the Stone Age. Yep, the orangutans. 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 Fucking, uh, the bonobos fuck like crazy, though. So I don't think they have a, you know, I don't I don't think they do. I don't think they do have a, because the way they take care of their kids and stuff, I mean, they go through all seasons raising their children. Something like a deer, you know what I mean? They drop, and the, but it's easier probably to raise a deer, because they grow so quick. It's probably easier to raise a deer when food's prevalent mm-hmm. in the summer and spring. Well, I guess they drop in the spring, so spring, summer, and then fall. Where you can start the cycle again, mate, gestate over winter where it's harder to find resources. You're relying on a mom that's more, um, 
she's a little bit better at finding food in a scarce, you know. Mm. Plus, all like the the bucks will split off and go in little buck packs when they go in rut. Fuck yeah. And they'll like lose a lot of weight, like hundreds of pounds, if oh, they're dude. getting the right food. Yeah, and that's that's what kills a lot of them. Yeah, dehydration. It's wild because they only got one thing on their mind, and it's not food. It's ass, dude. It's <laughs> ass. It could be food, but they're not, you know. Yeah. And it, it's always kind of amazed me, too. Like, you start looking at, like, the coyotes, for example. They drop pups about the time the deers, the deer drop their fawns, you know. And just the way that that syncs up with mom and dad coyote being able to go pick up a fawn and feed and teach their pups... It's like, how does nature sink that? Because mm-hmm. coyotes, I mean, their gestation period is a lot shorter. They start mating around February, but they're going to drop here any day now. They might already be dropping pups, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like the pups will be just big enough and strong enough to be able to handle eating the fucking... I mean, they're still obviously going to suckle for a little bit, but once they get a little bigger, fawns are going to drop, and then boom, they're eating meat. Well, and, and in numbers, food. too, that makes the difference. They pick the weakest one, and then they're a pack animal. Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah, dude. Mm-hmm. Turkeys are fucking gobbling, strutting. Dude, when I got my deer this year, it got punked out by a turkey, actually. Like, I was sitting up in the hide what? and watching it, and, like, this big old turkey <laughs> comes up, kicks it in the face, and it's like a big old 10-point buck, and he, like, backs all up and stuff. Straight punked no out by shit, a turkey. dude. <laughs> it was pretty wild to see. <laughs> I've never heard of that, dude. Deer just got bitch smacked around the woods, <laughs> and, did, then, and then you arrowed him? No, I shot him. Oh, dude, even better. Even better, <laughs> dude. Even better. Turkey's like, you you a bitch. He's like, excuse me? <laughs> we oh, dropped him, and then the what? turkey just kept, like, eating the food and doing his thing. Dude, that's a dandy. Mm-hmm. Eight-year-old buck. Eight it, years eight old? Eight-year-old. It almost looked like a mule deer because the horns came up and had a big Y in them. It had, like, a really broad shoulders and wideness to it. Yeah, that's a dandy, dude. That's a fucking mm-hmm. dandy. How'd he taste? Uh, I haven't tasted him yet. I still got him in the freezer and stuff. No shit. Mm-hmm. No shit. You got any plans for him? Like a roast or? Some summer cookouts. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. Fire up the smoker. Mm-hmm. Bomb. Yeah, I've never heard of that. Got his ass bitch, it bitch was smacked to by see. a turkey. So it was like three or four little bucks over here and like a, a little herd of turkey and they're coming up. And, like, the bucks are doing their thing, getting some water, and the turkey just walks up, flies up, kicks him in the face like a chicken almost. It was really <laughs> weird. <laughs> he is a chicken. He's just a woods chicken, dude. Yeah. No shit. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you see some interesting stuff in the woods. It's pretty wild. Yeah, that tops it, dude. That that mm-hmm. tops the stories I've heard yet. I'm waiting for Jameson to go out and come back. I, I'd honestly like to have him on before he goes, but... He's coming up on like three weeks before he leaves, so I don't know if I'll be able to schedule him in. But do half and half, like half the podcast is before and then half is after. That's what I. That's what I was wanting to do. Is just even if it's for like an hour, just get him talking about like the plan and all that shit. And then when he comes back, just see if he followed through with the plan and kind of what threw him off the plan and whatnot. So yeah, that'd be a good idea. Maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll save a day on a weekend and see. I'd like to do it after work. That way he doesn't have to drive over here. And all that extra shit, you know. Right. But he said he's been shooting his bone. He's been shooting pretty good. I'd like to see it to confirm it. Mm-hmm. Jameson, if you hear this, I'm not calling you a liar, but I like to see things with my own eyes. He's you know like, I'm, I'm not saying? calling you a truther either. <laughs> I, I haven't seen a picture of these groups yet, you know. And honestly, dude, you can, like back in the day, you could always just sink an arrow fucking, you know, so there's only eight inches of veins sticking out. Dude, nowadays in these targets, 
you can tell if somebody shot or not because that fucking foam is so dense it's just hard mm-hmm. to pull out. It's like you didn't shove that arrow in there by hand. <laughs> I believe it, you know, especially when it sank to the veins. It's like, all right. Yeah, I don't know as much about bow hunting, more about rifles. Tell you what, dude, I miss it. I haven't been out in a few years. Um, I mean, I still like to shoot my bow and shit, just stay tuned up, especially bow fishing. That's that's good to keep the bow muscles and kind of the memory going. Even though, you know, I shoot uh, fingers when I'm bow fishing, it's a little bit different type of shooting. It still kind of keeps you in that form. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, dude, uh, deer hunting, especially bow hunting, I'll put it this way. When I was bow hunting, I didn't gun hunt. Yeah. So why do you prefer bow hunting over gun hunting? <sighs> Fuck, man. <laughs> There's so many reasons. First reason, um, the challenge. And I know that sounds cliche, but let me paint it like this. <clears throat> you can you can see a deer at 50 yards with your shotgun or your rifle, and you already know you're punching a tag. You're just deciding whether or not you want to punch it. You may see a deer at 100 yards and be like, I can still punch that motherfucker, right? At 100 yards... You don't have a chance with a bow. At 50, depending on how good you are, I guess you have a chance. But your chances are slim. So there's always that challenge. Two animal movements. I used to do a lot of trapping. And um, I just love like being able to set myself up in a spot that I know an animal's going to be. Like I can decide I'm going to put his foot here. Or I'm going to make him walk through this path here. You know, mm-hmm. I'm going to make him put his head here. Anything. I want him to smell this fucking stick, whatever. Making little funnel points and stuff. Yeah, and that's huge. Like, um, same with deer, same with bow hunting. To me, you one, you get out a little earlier, so you get to see deer more being deer than in the rut mode, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? So early October and stuff, even though the weather's kind of shitty because it's hot, you got mosquitoes, if you do kill something, you got to get on it quick. There's that caveat of you being able to watch a mom with her fawn still be a mom with her fawn. Or fawns, hopefully. But usually it's one fawn in our area cause so many coyotes. Mm-hmm. But, like, uh, you see a mom with a fawn or two in the woods walking, and you can watch her teach that fawn. Like, dude, there's been times where I've walked, like, played the wind. I got a stand that's perfect, right? And I'll walk, I'll take an extra fucking 20 minutes to get in my stand. Mm-hmm. And I'll be like, all right, I know the deer come from here, so I'm, and I know that they're heading from the swamp to the fucking cornfield or whatever. So I'm going to go on the cornfield side. I'm going to make this big-ass loop. That way they're not crossing my trail coming in. And then all of a sudden you'll fucking, I swear to God, dude, one time I'm up in my stand and I hear, and I'm like, all right, cool, you know, deer's coming, and I'm looking for it. And I'm not expecting it to be, come in the same path I walked in, right? Hmm. Well, it was a mom with her fawns, and she would take a couple steps, she'd smell the leaves, and then she'd start looking up in the trees. Hmm. And I was like, no. Like, I'm, th- this is not happening right now. Dude, and like 60, 80 yards later, she finally fucking spotted me, and she nudges her first fawn, and she's looking up, and that fucker didn't look up, right? I mean, she was kind of like smelling around, and like you could tell like they were on edge. The one fawn's hair was kind of, it's weird because their hair doesn't go up like a cat or a dog, but, mm-hmm. like, it frills out. You know yeah. what I mean? They just have a different color. You can kind of see into them a little bit. And yeah. that one fawn was, like, super stressed, dude. And uh, she finally spotted me, and she stomped a couple times, and I wasn't moving. 
I'm just kind of looking at her. You know what I mean? Like, bitch, how? You know what I mean? Bitch, right. how? Just a fly on a tree. Dude, and she was an old doe. I mean, but when you think about it, you probably look like a 200-pound raccoon up there from their perspective. They're like... She's an old doe for a reason. Yeah. They're like, what? No. <laughs> no. Like, That's a big bird. That hasn't been out here all summer, all spring. And now, you know, now that I'm smelling more people out here in the woods, there just happens to be this 200-pound raccoon up here, you know? Right. But yeah, I got to watch her kind of teach her, her fawns, look up, you know, hmm. and they spooked. I mean, they were probably 60 yards away when they did, but they fucking, they trotted off. But she took time to stomp, make sure she was looking at me, snorting, wheezing, doing all that shit, you know. And then finally she trotted off and then her first fawn was like right on her ass and that other fawn was looking around like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, and I, I've told that story before and I've kind of had the joke that, she died that fall, you know, <laughs> that, that fawn, dude. She didn't make it. That's natural selection at yeah, that point. <laughs> literally, dude, because <laughs> she, she was, like, clueless as hell. But just, like, that type stuff, dude. Come fall. I mean, you know, rut. You're seeing deer, and it's still exciting, dude, to watch bucks chase does and all that shit, but you can't play the game as much, in my opinion, mm-hmm. unless you have a huge deer population. You can actually play, like, deer movements, like, um, I've got stands that would be in staging areas where I know that deer would get to before it gets dark and stage until it got dark to go out in like an open field, like a cut wheat field or something. And I'd have stands in those areas too. And there'd be times where I'm like, that's 45 minutes after dark and these deer are still in the staging area. And I'm like, fuck, do I really want to bust them out of here so I can get home? Right. And it's like, maybe at the very last minute of peak of sunlight coming through. Oh, well, not, yeah, dude. Like literally it's, I can't see my bow. I can't see any of my sights. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I can't see my ladder. Like, I can't see shit. I can just hear deer around me, and it's like... Dude, they're sneaky, too. They they pop up out of nowhere right underneath you and shit. Oh, dude. I, and I love it. I love it. Mm-hmm. So there's that aspect. Um, but then there's also the aspect of, like, it's it's a gamble. Like, again, you see a deer at 100 yards. You can't kill it unless you're going to stalk it. You put a play on that deer. You climb down from your stand. Um, it's a lot easier to stalk cornfields, in my opinion, with a bow than a gun. Which I love to stalk. I love stalk. Like ground hunting, still hunting and stalking is fun. But if you're going to kill that deer at 50, you're thinking, okay, I've been shooting all summer. How good am I? How comfortable am I? And then you might have to decide, okay, I'm going to make a call and try to bring him into 40. Mm -hmm. So you rationalize. You're like, that extra 10 yards? No. But if I can get him to 40, you know, I mean, I'll kill him. And then it's like, you might ground a couple times. Or you might wait till he turns his head and do a fucking bleat or something. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And then you watch his reaction. Sometimes he's like, eh, I hear you, but I don't give a fuck. Sometimes he's like, yeah, I'll check it out. I ain't got anything to do. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. And there's other times where he's just like, I heard that last week. Fucking something went over my back. Not about it. And he just fucking scoots. And it's like, it's, it's the gamble, you mm-hmm. know? What I try to do is like in the off season, like when I'm mushroom hunting and shit, I'll be like seeing deer throughout the woods and try to stalk them then and see how close can I get to these deer before they hear me, smell me, or see me. That's huge. And that's like... There's some fun challenges, for dude, sure. Dude, I, I, I love hearing that. I'm going to give you a tip. Some of the more success I've had with stalking deer in the woods, like, obviously don't straight line it, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? But also don't just worry about hiding behind trees, going tree to tree. If you have access to a down tree, a log, use it. Yep. You get on that fucker, you get off the fucking ground, bro. Because, I mean, how many sticks Smart. are there under leaves? Yeah. That you might you might take a nice soft step, and then about the time you shift all your weight, snap. You're like, ah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can only roll step so much. Yeah. Like, 
Logs have stepped my game up huge, especially for squirrels, dude. Yeah. Especially squirrel hunting. Yeah. Bunnies. Fuck, you could be stepping on them and they don't bust out. Mm-hmm. But then the second you stop moving, mm-hmm. it's like they get nervous. Dude, I can't tell you how many bunnies I've busted. I've been by a pile with a buddy or whatever. You jump on it, you're like, damn, I swore there were bunnies in there. And then you're just talking shit. Maybe go to light a cigarette or take a dip. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Or just take a drink. And then all of a sudden, boom, bunny busts out one way. Your buddy shoots <laughs> at it. And then, boom, bunny busts out another way. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> I was just all up in that brush pile. Right. But, yeah, that's... Bow hunting's fun, man. Um, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't a big gun hunter at the time because it just didn't feel like a challenge. It felt like I wasn't above it. There was a, there was a year where I. That's the, that's the other part of the gamble is like you might have a doe come through, you got a doe tag, or you might have a buck come through that you're like, you know, I'm not all about that rack, but I, I would like some jerky, and then you talk yourself out of it. You're like, ah. I'll, I'll shoot him tomorrow if I see him. And then before you know it, it's three weeks later. It's November 1st. It's like deer are starting to rut, and then you can't pattern them at all. Everybody's in the fucking woods because that's the time of year they want to be in the woods, and you got two weeks to do your harvest before gun season. It's like, mm-hmm. I could have killed a deer almost every night up until October 28th, you know, and here I didn't, and now I'm scrambling. So there's been times where it's like, I'll just go fill the tag so I got food in the freezer, but. That's another gamble. Mm-hmm. You get a chance to let them walk. Or like even you said, you're out foraging. You find some trails. You mark them down. You pick a tree or you pick a couple trees. You're like, cool. Put your stand up there. You watch a deer one night walk just out of range. You decide, do I move my stand? Do I not? With a gun, you don't. You just fucking whack him, you know? Yeah, now's the best time of year to be out there doing it because there's no leaves and stuff. So you can see throughout the most of the woods because just dry, dry standing trees and bushes and stuff and you can see all the little game trails in the mud Bro. there'd be fresh trails dude and uh like, like little highways that's what i was just gonna say dude like little runways yeah for like, real like because they're sunk in because they're so muddy and shit it's like the flatter the trail right now the less it's being used but you at least know they're mm-hmm. using it and you can see like active like very active you find like fur and stuff in the edge of bushes and stuff mm-hmm. let you know it's like real fresh yep and then hearing about another t- two three weeks dude that's gonna be the best Best for, like, finding bedding areas and shit, because once you see that they're shedding in that bed, mm-hmm. you're like, okay, they're comfortable enough to bed down here for a little bit. And then maybe you look into why, you know, maybe you got neighbors that have barking dogs, and they're, like, just on the other side of a wood line, so there's they feel a little more comfortable, but, I mean, maybe they're in a swamp, they're in cattails, and it's like, yeah. why, you know, coyotes, you know, they can hear them coming, trotting through the fucking water, that type shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a big deal. It's interesting, the spots where they leave their fawns. If you're going fawning? Oh, dude, yeah. I got a friend who has a deer ranch. We got to go up there each year and, like, help them tag all the ears and stuff in the fawns. <laughs> That's awesome. You just walk through the woods <laughs> and, like, just pick up a baby deer straight up. There's laying there underneath some bushes. You almost, like, walk over top of them sometimes. Dude, there's been there's been some that, like, I've got a couple pictures of some that were, like, the sun's poking through the leaves just perfect. And, like, even in the picture, you can't see the deer because it's, like, the ground's lit up perfect. And then those spots... And then the ground on the other side is lit up perfect. Just like, how does this bitch? And then there's like, I got a picture of one in my grandma's yard where it's like, it's all green around her. And then there's just this fucking blob of brown. It's like. <laughs> That's straight up out of a painting. Right. Might not be the best mom, though. You know what I mean? Just like, stay here. You'll be all right. Yeah. <laughs> and what is their language that they can just kind of bleat to their fawn and be like, stay here? Mm-hmm. You know? Like, how does that fawn come out of the womb literally knowing that this means stay? 
you know. It's weird because, like, sometimes, like, you'll even be looking at a deer, and if you make eye contact with it, it's like the deer can sense that you're, like, made eye contact with it. Like, you lock eyes, and you're just like, gotcha. Oh, oh yeah, dude. Yeah. It's different. I mean, <clears throat> even, like, stalking, dude. I popped up on a doe one time. I was going to kill it, like, eight yards. I just lean out into this row, and she's bedded down facing the other way, and I was like, fuck. <laughs> now I gotta, because it takes a while to stalk through a cornfield, and I was like, fuck, now I gotta stalk all the way around her, because I can't shoot her in the ass. She's bedded down the row. A lot of times they'll be across the row. She was bedded, like, you know, nose was one way down the row, ass was the other way. So when I popped out, I'm looking at her ass, I'm like, fuck. It'd be hard to spot which row she's in coming around, too, I bet. Oh, dude, yeah, it's tough. Like, literally, you gotta count rows if you're gonna stalk past her. Or count rows coming back, and then you're just guesstimating, dude. So mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, at least I got at least go ten rows back to where I just fucking stalked from, you know. And then I got to take another fucking twenty yards down this way, and then stalk another ten rows back, just so I can put a chest shot on her. It's good for you. It makes you work for the meal. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm sitting there looking at her. Like my head's, dude. I got. I, I remember I got this little leaf of corn in mm-hmm. front of me, and there were, it was gold. You know, it's dry, and it's windy day but it's just kind of flapping and i'm just looking at her i'm like how the fuck am i gonna do this like like i went out that day to kill a deer mm-hmm. like how am i gonna fucking do this dude and then all of a sudden she just turns and looks at me it's like how how did she sense me here and like the second she saw me dude like i was leaning out you know what i mean my face was all painted up mm-hmm. and hidden but and this leaf was moving so i know she didn't make eye contact with me because i saw her but she, like, turned and looked at me, and the second she fucking saw something she didn't like, boom, up and mm-hmm. gone. And it's like, fuck, dude. Wind is blowing in my face, looking into this row. Mm-hmm. You know, she was facing into the wind, and it's like, how? She looked over her shoulder after maybe me looking at her for 30 seconds. That first 29 seconds, she was cool. But then mm-hmm. she was like, something... There's an energy in this air, you know? Sometimes I think it maybe could be on, like, a quantum level because there's certain, like, molecules and atoms and stuff where you look at it, and then it'll straight up change. Like, just from looking at it. Like, that's a true science thing. It's really wild. Dude, that's deep. But it's like, what if, like, when you feel someone's watching you, it's stuff like that. Dude, that's deep. Or maybe you are being watched from an alternate dimension. Mm Mm-hmm. Fuck, dude. That's deep. I mean, light alone is pretty weird. All it is is different different wavelengths and how it reflects off whatever object and how the light comes back to you and perceived in your head. Like a bee's going to see a flower different than you see a flower. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Have you ever seen like the uh, like the coral reefs and shit with UV light? That would be, not with UV light, but. Dude, that's something you're going to have to look up is like. Are you talking about like with black light in a tank and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but like they'll they'll take like a picture of a reef with like this black floodlight and there'll be fish swimming by. It's like they all see something totally different. Like we think, "Hey, that's a bright beautiful fish." Then you see it with like UV. Mm-hmm. It's like is that how they're seeing shit because like UV like fishing lures and shit are huge now. And to me, I've used them and to me, they almost seem <laughs> like they're actually more successful, dude. Like, fish are seeing something better in that, you know. And I know they don't have black lights down there. Right. Maybe it's the way the water filters light. I don't know, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's something to it. Something with how it bounces back to them is going to give them a different signal. It is wild. Yeah, it's, dude, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's Dude, quantum mechanics that. is wild to look into. <laughs> yeah, dude, I don't <laughs> understand 
any of it, dude. I mean, like, like the split. What is that? The two slit where they can get a particle to go through one slit or the other slit, or where you have like. Oh, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, where they send out a burst of particles, and then like certain particles will send through a little tiny space. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How? Or or like where there's like um. Is it string theory where something's connected? So the string theory is like where there's different particles like dark matter, light matter, and they, the particles bounce up and down. So when it comes into our view of perspective, we only see it as it's passing up and down, something like that. Okay. I'm not a physicist. I'm a welder. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's something Merrill did not teach. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what what is it where I'm... Th- there's something where like one particle is directly tied to another particle. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's... Like, quantum computing uses that type of stuff, too. We're, that's what the stuff we're all talking about, where when you view it, it literally, like, has an effect from just you seeing it, and it can change. So, like, you can have a particle over here where you have one side that you can manipulate, and then across the world, that same particle, the other half of it, is going to react to you messing with this one over here. <laughs> it's wild, like... <laughs> like, what the like, that's, and deer out there using that to survive, dude. We're just like, look at these stupid fucks. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, well, no, they'll never know. Yeah, they'll never know. How would they know? Yeah, man. That's, we're not, we'll never talk to them. We'll never tell them, you know. They they have an inside joke on us. <laughs> dude, did you ever hear that uh, story that Joe Rogan told about, like, the beehives talking and stuff? No. So, like, he was on a set one time, and they had, like, some bees for it. So they brought in a beekeeper and a whole hive, right? And, like... The local bees, like, flew up, and then the bees that they brought with them flew up in the air, and they're like, the beekeeper's like, it's okay. They just got to talk for a second. They'll figure it out. And somehow the bees communicate that, oh, we're just here for a show. We'll be here for a little bit and leave. And then, then like, local beehive was just left. <laughs> Didn't bother them. It's wild. What? Yeah. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> bees are smart, too. Bro, bees are something else, man. They know geometry. I, that's I, that's what I was gonna say, dude. Bees are something else. Like they have an an understanding of mathematics that, like, because even when they when they translate like where they found nectar or whatever, it's like a series of steps and dances. Mm-hmm. But it's like that all comes. That's all got to be like tied to patterns, mm-hmm. and then they can fucking repeat that and fly seven miles to one fucking patch of tulips or something to the individual flower right. in that middle of the field. How? Right. How, oh, dude? Like, that'd be hard to communicate to someone even with normal words. Yeah, with roads. Right. Be like, all right, you take this road north to this road, take that west, you know? They're out here giving eight-digit coordinates and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're they're operating in something beyond longitude and latitude, you know? Mm. They're also operating in altitude, so it's like, fly at this altitude, otherwise the wind is going to fucking sweep you out, you know? It's, Isn't that like 40? I think so. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I guess that would be f- huh? three. Uh, that's technically truly three-dimensional. Yeah. Because like a road, I think, would be considered like two-dimensional travel because it's flat. You're only going forward or back, left or right, you know. Hmm. A helicopter would be 3D because you're going anywhere Yeah, yeah it'd be the same as that. Though. Yeah. Hmm. Crazy. Definitely. Yeah, well, we went on a little ramble. I was going <laughs> to ask you if you've ever had um, May apples. May apples. I haven't even heard of that actually. Okay. That's that'll be a good one for you to look up to forage, man. They um he says, uh notepad? Pen? You need a pen? pen. Oh you yes, got sir. a pen. I do not. Oh, okay. I got one right here for you. 
It's green if that's cool. Yeah. I'm going to leave all this in. <laughs> <laughs> May apples. It's, um, so have you ever seen umbrellas? Like the umbrella plants that pop up out in the woods? Mm-hmm. Okay. You'll find a May apple on an umbrella. So you'll see them start to flower. And then once the flower's pollinated, they make something called a May apple. It's a fruit. That's kind of how the umbrella spread. Mm-hmm. It tastes very similar to a strawberry. Hmm. And you find a patch of umbrellas, bro, you could fill up a fucking five-gallon pail with them bitches. I haven't done anything beyond just, like, washing them and snacking on them. But I've thought about, like, trying to make a pie or something. I mean, their texture is a little different, so it, I'm sure it can be done, though, because you can make pies with, like, raspberries. Rebarb and stuff. Right, right. So, we yeah, May apples. We're coming up on that time. And, like, dude, there's been days I've been out morale hunting, and it's like you find, like, four or five. And then you're like, well, while I'm out here, I know, like, three patches of umbrellas. I'll go fill my pockets, or I'll fill my fucking <laughs> onion bag. You <laughs> for know sure, I mean? for sure. So, yeah, that's, that, that's a good one. That's a good one for you. Yeah. So, uh, you ever bump into any, uh, like, psychedelic shrooms? Psilocybin's out in the woods? Not out in the woods. Pastures? That would be pretty wild to find legit, though. There is a lot, like, multiple different strains that grow, but not normally in Michigan. It's usually hotter climates, so they grow naturally like that, if mm-hmm. I do remember right. Yeah, yep. Sometimes, though, during, uh, like, hot summers, you'll find them popping up, like, August, like, late mm-hmm. July, early August. Yeah. Just keep, just keep your eye out if you're going to be out because I know late summer foraging is not as big of a thing unless you're doing like I'm, chicken I'm of the woods or the whatever. Woods. Yeah, mm-hmm. so just keep your eye out because like uh, especially if you got a spot where like deer are staging and they're pooping a lot, you know, if they're if they're having a heavy grass diet. Mm-hmm. I mean, those spores are out there, dude. They just you know they might Definitely. not pop every year, but they pop when the climate, as you know, is a mushroom. When the climate's right, conditions are right, humidity, heat. Mushrooms are just the fruit of a giant mycelium network. So, like, the networks span miles sometimes. They're huge underground little networks. Even the trees can share different, like, proteins and nutrients through the mushroom mycelium networks. It's like little spider webs underneath the ground. Dude, and that that is mind-blowing because just plant communication outside of the fungi, Mm -hmm. just plant communication, how, like, plants will talk to each other. Like a mother tree can give nutrients to like a sapling tree. Yeah. Stuff like that. It's like ridiculous. <laughs> if we could tap into the plant's knowledge, it'd be like an internet pretty much for the whole world. Like some avatar shit. Dude, for real. For mm-hmm. real. Literally some avatar shit. Like, um, I know you've probably seen the, uh, where there'll be like, uh, actually, while my mind's on the mycelium network, I think we have one of, if not the largest mushroom. I think it's growing in the UP. I think it's like a 30-mile square hmm. mycelium. Yeah, the largest living organism on Earth is a mushroom, actually. Yeah. That might be it. 30-mile square. <laughs> That's, That's huge. That's pretty gnarly to think. Like, everything in that 30-mile square, that mushroom can sense from those little tiny hairs, and it's bringing all the information in. Yeah. Like, what, if, what if it's like a sleeper agent? One day you just fuck up, take a nap outside, and it's like, yeah, we could use those nutrients. There's a, there, there's a show or something like that where, like, the mushrooms do that thing that they do to ants where they, like, take control of the ant, make it go to a high point, have yeah. a mushroom grow out of it, and then send the spores out. Yeah. So it's already a thing, just that, not for humans. That's true. Dude, that's a good point. And then did you know that those ants have learned to sense 
when another ant's infected with it, so they'll yeah. carry it like a long way away from the colony and shit. The guards will like sacrifice themselves. Yeah, this wild nuts, dude. Fucking nuts. Nature is just mushrooms are super intelligent too. Like they can like make trees die in one spot in the woods, make a whole field, so like the grass can get more heat to it, which makes more nitrogen, which helps the trees around it more, so the mushrooms can grow on the trees. And then once they get to a certain point, the mushrooms kill the tree, eat the tree, and then just spread on out. Yeah, which is very strategic in a long-term plan, for sure. Like, I don't know if you've listened to me talk about China and their fucking 500-year business plans. Mm -hmm. That's a long-term business plan, bro. For sure. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they're an ancient culture. Yeah. They don't don't deal with the every four years different election thing, too. Right, yeah. Well, I was talking about the mushrooms. Like, that whole plan, killing grass, or killing trees... Boosting the nitrogen in an area, you know, feeding trees, then eventually killing a tree to eat it. Like, that's that's a long-term plan, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, the last riding on that. But, yeah, dude, China itself, they are they might be the oldest civilization that's currently ongoing. I would not doubt it. I haven't, haven't really looked into it because I'm kind of... It's like they've been around a long time. I, they've been a dynasty. They've been a fucking imperial system, and now they're... You know. They're very secretive, too. Like, we don't even know. Like, they've just discovered pyramids and they'll casually release. Like, yeah, we just got some pyramids here, you know? Re- not recently. I guess kind of recently. Four or five years ago, there was one they found. And uh, they think it it's a pyramid that has some certain emperor in it or whatever. And they <clears> think <throat> that there's, like, a river of mercury or something in there. I've, I've heard of that. You're talking about the Anunnaki thing? Yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden... They're getting satellite images where those motherfuckers are planting trees on the pyramid. Hmm. And it's like, what? why are you hiding this? What are you hiding? Like, that's literally humanity, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, that's not just you. I mean, it might be a Chinese person or a person of Chinese origin, but that's humanity knowledge. And I kind of get it if it's strategy not to let the rest of humanity grow. You have the best technology, the best access to resources. You kind of control access. That's how you're going to be number one. So maybe if, from their perspective, you don't want that out there. But at the same time, it's like, it would almost be, in my opinion, smarter to leak that shit and mm-hmm. then be like, see, we're we're on your side, you know. Right. But once you do that, it's hard to shut the faucet off, you know. 100%. And people start looking and digging in on every single different aspect of it. Yeah. I mean, that's just like management, dude. Just... It's easier to be a dick that's nice occasionally than a guy that's nice and has to be a dick occasionally because it seems like there's more resentment, at least from my experience, it seems like there's more resentment when you're in a leadership position, when you're always nice, and then you got to tell somebody they can't do this or they got to stop doing that. Whereas if you're just an asshole all the time and you're just like, don't do this, don't do that, they expect that. Mm. But then when you're nice, it's like, oh, hey, cool, he's being cool, you know? Mm. Like, so. just asking someone, hey, can you not do that, versus telling them, don't do that, Yeah, get yeah. your laugh far- further. Yeah. And, I mean, it's all about the approach, too. If you're mm-hmm. having a shitty day, you got to remember, like, your interactions are going to be more important for you to think about. You know, if you're having a great day, every interaction you have, more than likely, is going to be, you know, kind of giddy. You're going to have a better energy. But if you're having a shit day, just you just got to... Going consciously knowing that yeah, I'm in a shit mood. I'm probably going to come across short or, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to 
in some sort of way affect this with my energy I'm bringing to it. Even though I can't necessarily help my energy right now. I can't just flip the switch and be like, I'm ecstatic. You know, I've, I can at least manage and mitigate the energy that I put into this negatively. You know? And that takes a certain level of emotional intelligence, too, to understand about yourself. Like, why do you feel that way? Oh, it's just whatever BS you got going on. You can kind of get past it a lot faster. Even just the awareness, honestly. Mm-hmm. Just being aware of the fact that you might be in a mental state that's not best for closing a business deal. For sure. You know what I mean? <laughs> Get all mad, be like, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna buy this truck or something like that." You yeah, know? for real. Oh, you want me to pay thirty five grand for it? I offered thirty six. You know, <laughs> it's like, where where are you fucking me? Where are you fucking me? What's wrong with it? What's going on with the frame? What's going on? With it? It's like, dude, I'm just like yesterday. You were cool. I was gonna give you a thousand dollars off. Now I'm gonna charge you forty grand. Well, fuck you. You know what I mean? <laughs> you're gonna right. charge me more money. It's like, how are you gonna make? If you can't be happy, and that's a shitty example, but if you're not gonna be happy to begin with maybe go in knowing that you know well that's just anything dude you go to walmart myers like the grocery store for example those that don't have a walmart or Meyer, well everybody's got a walmart in the u.s i guess those that don't have a Meyer, because that's more midwestern but fuck you go to pump gas you know what i mean if you're at a gas station where somebody pumps your gas for you you're naturally going to be happier about that but if all of a sudden you're in a shitty mood you pull up and you just give this dude money and roll your window up like even though you didn't say anything He's picking up on the fact that, you know... Your silence says a lot alone. Right. And then that may not affect him because you said something to him, but just your energy that you put into that, you know, you're not worth my time type shit, so... Mm-hmm. It's always something that you can pass on, just like genetics, which I, you know, you can't always pass on genetics. Let me recant that immediately. Some people are incapable, and I'm sorry for those people, but... Mm-hmm. Until we start, eh, eh, no, eh, I'm going to recant the recant because we do clone. We yeah, can I clone. Like, I say science is kind of <laughs> getting there. It's pretty wild. If yeah. you could edit your your DNA in any way, how would you do it? Like, what what would you edit or change? Dude, that's a good question. Oh, man. Uh, immediately, I would say um, just selfishly, my capacity for memory. That's a smart one. My capacity for memory. Because I think that it would allow me, tied to that, just thinking in extremes, that would allow me to retain more, I mean, obviously it would come with training and shit, but I I would be able to retain a larger vocabulary in multiple languages, which would then allow me to learn more, which is going to compound because I have a greater capacity for memory. So, you know, if you read something that's... um translated for example something is always lost in translation right Mm -hmm. nothing is directly well not nothing not many things are directly translated from one language to another well like for instance you could have ai translate something for you and the word it means could yes i mean mean that word but everyone who says it and that speaks that language is going to spit in a different word right or even the tone that comes across with Mm -hmm. it like if you were to listen in on a conversation um let's say in Latin, right? And you had an understanding for Latin. It's one thing to understand Latin. Or, you know, let's say German. Because German is a perfect example a lot of people could vibe with. What's the joke about the German language? I'm not sure. They're angry. I mean, I see it. Even when they say I love you. You know what I mean? It, it sounds angry. Have you ever seen Star Wars in German? 
No. I've I seen this video. <laughs> no, like, dude, that's great. <laughs> it changes the whole vibe of the movie. <laughs> dude, I bet. For sure. I bet. Probably every scene seems like a fist fight's going to break out. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean, dude? <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, you'd be on edge the whole time watching it in German mm-hmm. from an English perspective or an American perspective speaking English because you'd probably think like, oh, shit's getting real. <laughs> Not again. <laughs> Not again. <laughs> When's that saber coming? Oh, okay. No, they're just going to fly to Tatooine. That's, that's, that's cool. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's the thing. Is like If you pick up on a language and you understand it, it's one thing to understand the words, but then the tone. Like when you're hearing people talk to each other, like um, a couple friends bullshitting, you know? They might be being a dick in quotes to their friends, but it's out of love, you know? And then the words, if you just take the words out of context, put them on paper and read them with a monotone or a tone you put on them, especially the emotional state you're in, fuck, dude, it could hurt your feelings just hearing what they say. You could be like, wow, I can't believe somebody would actually say that. But then, you know, you put it in the context of friends joking and they're saying it out of love. They're saying it to toughen each other, you know, but at the same time, they're kind of enjoying it. You know what I mean? They're kind of getting some sort of release out of it. And the tone just from that is like something that you lose in the translation. So That's weird sometimes when people get offended by like, say it's two friends talking, right? And the friend gets it, knows your context and stuff, but then someone outside overhears it and they get all offended. It makes it a big thing that it's not. (laughs) Yeah, dude, yeah. (laughs) That's like half a cancel culture type stuff. It's most a cancel culture. You get taken upstairs. It's like, fuck, dude. Now, here we go. Now I got to explain that I was calling you a fucking pussy <laughs> because I love you. Like, like how, how is this? And then you got to come up with, you got to literally scan your entire vocabulary to find words and then match it to a tone so you can convey your thought. And it's like, if that person's never been in that position, how are they going to even understand that? You know, dude, I grew up with four brothers. Oh, okay. You know, that, that says it right mm-hmm. there. You know, you got your ass picked on a lot. You're the youngest of four. That says even more, but, I mean, usually if they're picking on you, it means they like you. If, if they're completely like, yes, sir, no, sir, with you, like, to a T, they're probably, like, not as much comfortable <laughs> yeah. around you. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that's something I, I, I think I'm going to address on the uh, next three brothers. I don't know if you listened to this last one, but um, <laughs> we were calling women bitches a lot. Like, and that's out of love because, I like. I thought your description was pretty funny. Huh? Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Give me knocks. Yeah, because when we, um. The thing I wrote down to address is talking different because we we kind of brought it up in a previous Three Brothers, but we were talking about like somebody that's maybe gets around a black family at a barbecue. They might talk with a little more slang or a little different cadence or a little accent. You know, it's like virtue signaling. Like I'm part of the part of the group. You know, right? <laughs> but then I've had my fiance call me out because like when I'm with my cousins or my brothers or even. A lot of my close friends, like, she's like, you act different. It's like, listen, I can't, there's a certain tone and way that I can talk to you. And there's a certain way and a tone I can talk to them. Now, I'm with you all the time, so I need to have a good relationship. I can't just be, like, calling you a bitch and stuff. You know what I mean? I can't just be like, bitch, hush, because she'll take it. (laughs) Personal. That usually doesn't end well. <laughs> no, yeah. even though I say it out of love and play, it's playful, she'll take it personal. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, I do talk different, but I've got a little bit different boundaries with you than I do with, like, my cousin Sam. Like, every other word's nigga this, nigga. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, bitch. You know, so it's like, but I'm still me. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I just have a different tone. And sometimes it's a release, too, because it's like, God, dude, I haven't seen you in six months. So you just have, like, 20 minutes of bashing on somebody or each other. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, I can't believe this bitch. And it's like, that's your mom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, dude, this bitch, you know, she picked me up from the airport and it's, or whatever. And it's like, it's like, he doesn't think she's a bitch. I don't think she's a bitch. That's just, you know, and, and again, I, I jotted it down to, to bring up because listening back to it at work, dude, I was like. You're like, I could see where this could be taken out of context. <laughs> yeah, dude, I was like, okay, it's not something I, I'm necessarily going to commit to changing immediately. But over time, I'd, I should probably work on it, especially with this going public. Mm-hmm. They should probably work on it, especially. Now, Greg doesn't call his wife a bitch. You know, he doesn't call his daughter a bitch, but like sometimes he'll be like, can you believe this little bitch did this or that? And it's like, it's, it's, I don't know. It just kind of brings humor, mm-hmm. but yeah. So talking different. I mean, I feel that like when I, I have certain friends we're hanging out with and it just seems like as soon as we're together, we drop like 10 IQ points. Yeah. dude, <laughs> retarded. hundred <laughs> percent. But that's the fun in it too. Mm-hmm. That's the fun in it. Or just like somebody asks you something completely off the wall and you know, they're serious. But instead of everybody else taking them serious, they're just like, it's like, now you're the center of our fucking... Oh, it's the best sometimes. <laughs> yeah, dude. Now we're going to fuck with you hard. Dude, sometimes, like, new people, like, hey, can you get that board stretcher or, like, the keel stretcher <laughs> or something? <laughs> Tell them it's in the basement, no basement at all type thing. It's like, it's like you're working outside. It's like, you know what? Hey, if you're going to go in for a beer, can you grab me that rope-handled shovel, too? While you're in there? <laughs> it's like, what do you mean? It's like, oh, you're going in the garage? Uh... There should be a left-handed crescent wrench hanging up. (laughs) (laughs) The second they walk away, dude, you're just snickering. You know, it's hilarious. There's always an inside joke, you know? Mm -hmm. Always an inside joke. For sure. (laughs) I mean, it's interesting to tell us sometimes about the people, like, how they take it. Like, they're going to have a sense of humor and be fun about it and stuff. I'm like, all right, you know, you got me. Yeah, dude. They get all mad sometimes. (laughs) My favorite is, like, (laughs) and it's, it's shitty. It's shitty, but my favorite is, like, when someone's a good sport, but they don't know how to fuck with you back, mm-hmm. so they just take it, but they're like, ha, that was funny, you know, but then they don't, they're, maybe they're too timid, or they don't know exactly how to say something back to you to get, like, back on your same level, you know? So then you almost got to kind of take a knee and be like, yeah, I, sometimes, sometimes I'm a dumb bitch. You know, it's like, oh, I'm glad you said it, because I didn't know how to, and then you open them up, you know, and then they're like, now that you said it. And then it's like, no, 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 now you got to stop, because you got to damn the river, motherfucker. Like, you're, we don't know each other that well, so you're going a little overboard, but I am having fun, you know, so that's, but what would you change with CRISPR? Um. Or gene editing? Hmm. I don't know, honestly, I don't know. (laughs) Because, like, if I was short, I'd probably want to be tall, but, like, I'm already tall and stuff. Like, Yeah, dude, that's, that's kind of where I went. I went to physical features, and I'm like, you know what? I don't really give two or three fucks. I guess if I could be, like, naturally buff without having to do, like, an extreme workout. I do feel like some people are like that, just naturally, like, jacked. Yeah, dude, and they are. Mm-hmm. Fucking meatheads. Nuggets, mm-hmm. dude. <laughs> but But then you got people, like... Twig man. Yeah, then you got people <laughs> on either end of the opposite, dude. They're extremely fucking skinny or they're extremely obese. And it's, you know, some of it's lifestyle and whatnot. But, yeah, it's just, if you could change one thing, though. I guess I would want to, like, be able to retain more genetic memory. 
like memory of like kind of what different parts of my DNA has went through through the genetic lines, like of migrating or however you know they got to where they are and stuff. Okay. Now, okay. So here's a question: Do you think? Let me think how to word this. It's going to sound dumb the first time I word it, probably, so I might have to reword it. But do you think that you've ever had an experience where it's like a genetic memory is released? Like maybe, I'll give you one. Not so much now because I don't hang around a ton of people, but there's probably some people I could defer to where I could be like, confirm this, where something is thrown at me. Or maybe I'm taking a bite of something and something drops, and I just immediately, no thought, the fastest reaction I ever have is catching that crumb or whatever breaks off. Mm-hmm. Or a couple years ago, somebody threw a snowball, wasn't even looking. I had like, I think it was actually Zach, I had like .1 second, it was in my vision, and I caught it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And I, f- I feel like that's kind of a genetic memory. Not necessarily a trait, I feel like it's kind of a genetic memory as in like, Throughout all of our history, we've had these close calls with things falling or being shot or thrown at you, mm-hmm. and that's just something that's passed down. Is and now we're in this safe little ish, safe-ish day and age where like that doesn't happen as much. Yeah, I've like literally, I rarely have it happen, but when it does, it's like I don't have training. Mm-hmm. You know, like obviously, the more you train on something, the better reaction time and you For know sure. all the stuff you have. I don't. My only training is like in the field where. You're taking a bite of an Oreo and it breaks in half, and you catch <laughs> before it's even like past your belt line. You're like, you know I am I mean? an X Men. Yeah, dude, it's like, <laughs> how the fuck? How the fuck? Did I stop time? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> For real. So, yeah, do you think there's like genetic? Have you ever experienced like a, a genetic memory release? I mean, not like direct where it's like a flash of imagery, but I sometimes get like that when like foraging or in the woods or something, like stuff like that. It's like when you think about it, humans have been doing this same thing collecting these same type of mushrooms for thousands of years. Like, there's certain tree conks that grow off, like, birch trees. That's, like, how humans traveled because that's what they keep their sparks and embers in. Yeah. Yeah, how they keep fire going. Right, stuff like that. And just being able to identify, like, you're looking for the same mushroom that, like, your ancestors looked for thousands of years before. And it's just, how do you find it? Going through stuff like that. Here's another one that I'm sure you've probably felt. Um can't remember if it was you I was talking to or not about like the spectrum change of light and like how my grandpa one day was like springs here and I was like you know it's kind of felt like that and he was like and it's outside we're looking outside it's snowy as fuck it's cold Mm -hmm. and he's like springs here and I kind of asked him like you know what makes you what's the difference you know and he's like the sun the sun hit that white spectrum and it's like within a couple days even though it slowly fades from gold to white back to gold there's like a line mm-hmm. and it's like, you just, he's been around fucking 79 years, you know? So he's had 79 years. Uh, let's say 79 s- times around the sun, right? Let's say 76 <laughs> times sentient sentient from like two or three years old, 77 years where he's been in the sun and experienced that. And it's just kind of genetically or naturally bored its way into his mind that this is a new season. This is a new season. And it's like, you know, like there was one day last August, I was like, fuck, fall's right around the corner. And it's like, why am I thinking that? And then it's like, I go outside on break. It's like, doesn't it look a little more yellow than normal? It's like, holy shit. I wonder if stuff like that can be genetic memory, like where you just kind of know stuff like that. Because like, if you're not looking for it, and you're not thinking about it, how would you like, 
I didn't notice it until I heard it on your podcast from your grandpa talking about it. And I looked outside and I was like, you know what? That is true. <laughs> yes. I remember that being a lot more golden color coming in. It's white as fuck outside. Yeah. It's bright as shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's that's kind of what I was going to say is like, like you've probably felt like come fall without even the light spectrum. Like you just have this feeling that you need to maybe go out and forage more. Lack or, of vitamin D. Yeah. Like <laughs> you have this feeling that I need to intake like... Like, the natural nutrient cravings that your body has are crazy. But even just, like, the feeling, like, come August, September, for a while I thought it was because of my lifestyle, where I would be, like, fishing for salmon in the fall, hunting for deer, squirrels, rabbits, all this shit that I could put in my freezer, start trapping, all that stuff. I thought maybe that was just tied to, like, my yearly habitual things, you know, activities. But then, since I got away from it a little bit, life got busy... I still have like that feeling that, oh, man, I just gotta go kill a squirrel. It's or like I an just urge or calling to you. Yeah, and it's like I don't know if it's because my body knows winter's coming, or if that sun spectrum says, "Hey, dude, like you only have X amount of time before you're not gonna be able to get these certain forage goods," you know, or mm-hmm. or what it is. But right, yeah. So I was just kind of wondering if if you kind of felt the same, like here in a week or two, um, like the thorn apples. Usually once they start spitting white flowers, that's prime time for morels. For sure. You know? There's like a certain level of peace that comes to it too. You're just walking through the woods, you hear the birds chirping, nice and warm out, see all the nice levels in different shades of green, you know. And then you're just like, you feel like one with the woods as you're eating the stuff from the woods. Because like your food can literally affect your DNA. Like it's wild because you are a product of what you eat. If your cells recreate every six months... And that whole six months of you eat healthy, you're nothing but healthy products of food. Fuck yeah. It's, it's what really weird to think about. You know what? If if we know each other for seven years, this podcast we're doing today, we will literally be completely different people in seven years. Because all of your cells will have reproduced and shed, and you will literally be a physically different Jeff, even though you'll still be Jeff. Mm-hmm. And I'll be a different Jarrell, even though I'll still be Jarrell, like physically, mm-hmm. molecularly, you know? crazy to think about every seven years your body is literally a different body or even quicker depending on your metabolism or diet or whatever so i got a question so say if you have a wooden ship right mm-hmm. and every year you replace a one piece on that wooden ship and you save each piece then when you completely re- redo the entire ship is that the original ship because you keep the same name on or is all these pieces over here and you put them back together is that the original ship hmm I would say, okay, so let's say as you take a board off, you're storing it. You're not putting it back together. I would say that the original wood was the original ship, even if it's in a pile. Because just like, I almost think of that like, again, extremes. It's just where my mind goes, like plastic surgery. Mm -hmm. If you were to get a new nose or, you know, a facelift. You remove some of that skin, or you reshape your nose. It's still your nose, but it might be altered with some plastic or whatever the fuck they put in it. I really don't know. They call it plastic surgery, so I'm assuming it's plastic, but it could just right. be because it's giving plasticity to your... I don't know. But, like, if they, <coughs> if they shave a centimeter off your forehead and lift everything, that centimeter that's removed is still your original forehead, you know? Even though you still <coughs> technically have your forehead... It's new, but it's still your forehead. So I guess 
if they were to rebuild your face with somebody else, like a cadaver face, mm-hmm. but it looked exactly like you, I think that your old face would still be your original face. You know what I mean? If that makes sense. That like, is trippy. Like, just trying to think in the extremes, mm-hmm. you could kick that pile of wood and be like, Mayflower, huh? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so this is the original Mayflower. Yeah, yeah, yeah yes, sir. <laughs> well, this wouldn't cross the sea. <laughs> uh, no, sir. That's why you see the Mayflower outside is because, you know, we repaired it. Even though it's still the Mayflower. The now, Navy has an active tall ship still. USS Constitution has been in service ever since that's, then. That's right, dude. That's right. I actually... It's the only active U.S. Navy warship that's sunk enemy ships. I was just going to say, dude, I think I saw something about it needing a, a new deck. They mm-hmm. were replacing the deck last fall or something like that. Mm-hmm. Fucking crazy to think about, dude. Like For real. Like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> yeah. That shit. That's a good question, though. That's a good question. Well, I kind of got off on the, uh, stepped away from the interview questions a little bit. So, uh, let me just pull these up really quick. Oh, shit, we're an hour 20. Want to wanna get to an hour 30 and go pour a drink? How you doing on coffee? Sure. Golden. Golden. All right. What's that mean? Good? I Gone? mean, it's about halfway. Gone? Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, you don't need to rush it if you don't want to. I barely got anything. I've been kind of saving it just to keep my whistle wet. Because, <laughs> dude, I've, I've learned that talking, honestly, uh. It's not that it takes a lot of energy out of you, but, like, you're constantly breathing out more vapor, mm-hmm. you know? So it kind of it kind of seems to, like, dehydrate you quicker. For sure. Uh, so here's a fun one. Outside of, like, uh, foraging and whatnot, what kind of recreational habits or hobbies? Why do I keep saying habits? <laughs> Jesus. Hobbies do you have? Um. So I'm learning mandolin right now. What? Yeah, mandolin. It's like a... a Eight string instrument, so there's two strings at each thing, so it's it's like four strings, but each string is doubled. So that's super fun to play. Are they the same string? That is this just doubled? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then I'm learning to play a guitar at the same time and piano. I'm just trying to pretty much learn all three, and now like I started all three around the same time, knowing nothing on it. So I just like play with each each instrument, all three at the same time. So is that strategy of learning all three, so you don't get bored of one? You can kind of be like, all right, now I'm bored of this guitar learning these licks, so I'm going to step over to the mandolin. It's similar, but it's different, or, or I'll just change it completely with the piano? Well, I feel like it would give me a, a more broad understanding of music theory. So, like, if you start to understand the notes and, like, how to... Because mm. there's, like, a certain way where the notes work together and flow together where it goes up and down like a wave pattern almost. Okay. So if I can understand, like, how to do that on different instruments or even, like, learn the same song on each instrument because then, like, you have the fullest understanding of that song, I feel like. Dude, that's... That's deep. That's another language, honestly. Like Shady Grove, that's a really good song that you can do on a bunch of different instruments, and it's like super precise, fast notes you got to do. like On all of them? Yes. Yeah. That's... Sure. God damn. All right. That's... uh. That probably takes up a lot of time, too, doesn't it? It does. I usually <laughs> yeah, take like an hour or two when I mess with them all. At least try to do it once or twice a week and yep. stay at it. Because like... I mean, it's a good hobby. You benefit from it. It's better than just, like, sitting there on TikTok, scrolling away, wasting time. No, yeah. You know? Literally burning time, dude. Right. So what? I'll do, like, 5Ks and stuff outside of work. 5Ks? Yeah, I'm doing one in June. No shit. Down in, uh, I think it's 
Grand Rapids? Yeah. No shit. How often do you run? Um, so I haven't been running the last couple of weeks, but normally I try to run two to three times a week. How but, far? Um, it depends on the day. I usually go a minimum of like, so I, I don't go by distance. I go by time. So okay. I have my seven minute warm up, and then I'll see how far I can run in 15 minutes out and then 15 minutes back. And I'll try to beat myself back when I'm more tired on the way oh, back. Oh, no shit. And then like the seven minutes, that's how I know like, because you can tell where your peak performance is by your heartbeats. So if you get past your like your warm up level where your heartbeat's pretty steady, then you know that that's a good pace to like work out your times and stuff. Dude, that's intense. Wow. All right. And then I'll try to mix it in with like going to the gym and stuff and doing like deadlifts, curls, um, squats, mixing it with like the main stuff. That's that's dude. That's good to hear. I personally need to get back into. Uh, I'd like to get back into the gym honestly but i just need to start a regimen at home uh yeah fiance and i have been talking about it because i've been kind of not kind of i've been lacking like it comes in waves for hard. me like it happens for sure it's just keep going back in there and trying you know getting the consistency yeah and it's like you know i got two babies two under two so that that takes up a lot of time they don't get to bed till well the littlest doesn't really have fucking schedule still you know she sleeps a lot of the night but she still gets up throughout the night so there's that and i can't i can't give my fiance enough praise dude because she she's up with her when she needs to be and i mean she puts in work you know but it's just that that makes it hard it's like i could go to the gym but then that's more time that she's here with them when i'm already gone all day you know so yeah, the then, work schedule makes it hard. Well, and then this, like we're doing this right now. Mm-hmm. You know, she's not here right now, but fucking she's usually here when I'm doing these. So that's another two, three, four hours. <clears throat> you know, if we take a break and, uh, you know, when I did the podcast with Ryan, I made pulled pork. So we took a break. It was like an hour, hour and a half break, just hanging out, talking shit. You know, we were still upstairs with the kids, helped out a little bit. But it's like when I'm doing this, dude, she's... It's like I'm at work, you know, she's still mm. the sole provider, caretaker, so that's huge. But yeah, there's, and that's not me making an excuse, it's just the reality of the situation that right. I could go upstairs, knock out some push-ups, sit-ups, come outside, do some pull-ups, whatever, but then that's still a time that I'm not, you know. And honestly, I'd like to see her kind of do that while I'm here with the kids, kind of let her go to the gym or her do her own physical regimen, mm-hmm. and then, you know go from there but yeah so i've kind of set the goal that once they're both in school there's literally no excuse hopefully this shit takes off and then i have a lot more time throughout the day but i've given myself until they're in school to be steady doing this get the grind in get the grind going and then maybe by that time this will be big enough this will be my job mm-hmm even if I dedicate five hours to this a day, hopefully I can bring on a producer so I can cut down on the fucking editing time and all that shit. But, right. And then that'll obviously give more time for stuff like that. The gym, fucking dinners, just the little shit, you know? So yeah, the, uh, the physical regimen, dude, that's huge. How long have you been running? Oh, I've been running since like eighth grade. Eighth Damn. grade year I did cross country <laughs> and football in the same year and like, doubled that shit. Jeff's like, nigga, I ain't stopped running. <laughs> For real. Dude, I fell out the womb running. <laughs> <laughs> I actually did the uh, the Ancestry.com thing, 
And like in the DNA, I have like a sprinter DNA trait. Like no shit, that's pretty wild. No shit. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to dig in my twenty three and me. I can't remember what it's. I'm more geared toward the. I think it's muscle building side. I'll I'll have to look at it. My brothers were talking shit. They were like, "Nigga, no, you." It's like, it's hard to do both because if you do one, it weakens the other. Like if you're a runner, it takes away from your muscle mass, and if you're like a bulky, like you look like the Rock, it's gonna suck to run because you're super heavy. Yeah, and your stamina's down. You can't swim even. You can't float. You know. But yeah, they were talking shit because it's like it said something about like my muscles built for power or something. They were like. Bitch, <laughs> like you a bitch. How how's it built for power when you're such a bitch? But yeah, dude, that's huge. So how'd you get into the music? Um, I did music in high school, but I didn't really take it that serious. Like high school <laughs> band and shit and jazz band. I played trumpet and baritone. Oh shit! But um, my stepdad had a band and stuff for a long time, and so he's always had guitars and like so I've been around it. Yeah, and like I've always just had an interest in it. I just like lack the dedication to actually commit to doing it every time like consistently so i'm like this time i'm like all right i'm finally gonna get this shit down do it consistently (laughs) so what got you like what got you in that mindset that all right this now is the time well i mean i guess i just listen to music every day at work so like that helps that that changes it when you listen to music every single day all day with headphones in and then once you start getting an understanding of music, it probably mm-hmm. changes the music. Again, like you listen, let's say you know German. You listen into a German conversation for somebody that doesn't know German. They might get a different perspective just from the tones, whereas you're taking the words of the music and the tones and being like, oh, wow, mm-hmm. now I understand that conversation that's going on between the guitar and the fucking bass. You know, It's like an artwork. It is. Formal. Yeah, it I agree. Is. I agree. <laughs> yeah, it is an art. And it's like the more you learn on the instruments, the like you have a whole different appreciation for like that artist as a whole. Yeah, dude, I can't even imagine like I played bongos in second grade. Hell it's yeah! The, so if, you got rhythm. <laughs> if the fiance hears this, she's gonna laugh because like when we first got together, that was like my pun every day. I made a couple puns. I love her butt, so I'd, <laughs> I'd like smack her butt or something, or just start a rhythm, and I'd be like. Did I, have I ever told you I played bongos in second grade? She'd be like, shut up. No, you didn't. And then one day she asked my grandma. My grandma's like, yeah. She's like, no, he didn't. <laughs> you know what I mean? So there's that. But I've never gone anything. I tried guitar for a little bit. Learned a little bit of uh, some Guns N' Roses. Like, just little riffs, you know. Like, uh, probably my favorite, as stupid as it sounds, was like, um, god damn it. My cousin and I were just talking about it. I want to say Don't Damn Me. It wasn't Don't Damn Me. There's definitely some cool ones from them for sure. There's some good ones. Yeah. Uh, God damn it. I put myself on the spot. I hate doing that. <laughs> I hate doing that, especially after you've been up, you know, all day. Mm-hmm. Um, It's so easy. Yeah. That was a good one. Yep. And then, like, some off-the-wall shit. Just some random. The main re- The main motivation behind me doing that, though, was, like, like I said, I had my first daughter, and I wanted to play her nursery rhymes on the guitar. So, like, Twinkle, nice. Twinkle, Little Star, that was a pretty easy one to learn. Like, the little, uh, that little sound effect that's fucking kind of tied with Chinese. The, yeah. you know what I mean? I learned that. That was pretty fun. Dude, on mandolin, the opening song to Pirates of the Caribbean is on mandolin. That's a no, good, that was dude. the first thing I learned on mandolin. Bomb, dude. <laughs> Bomb. <laughs> 
I'm going to have to have you on and play it. <laughs> That'd be cool. <laughs> that's no pressure. No pressure. High stakes, no pressure. Yeah, dude, that's legit. Yeah. So, yeah, dude, the uh, the whole music thing is pretty intriguing. I know you said you've been around it and stuff, so that definitely helps. But Yeah, and, like, looking into, like, sound stuff, like studying a bunch of frequency stuff, that got me a lot interested in music, too, like harmonics and stuff. And, just like, there's this thing called free resonant sympathetic frequency resonancy where like say if you have two pitchforks of the same like pitch you can hit this one over here and it's going to make this pitchfork over here vibrate oh yeah 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 Yeah. what's that um tesla built a device like that Mm -hmm. where he could just kind of had a dial or whatever allegedly and he could tune it and like uh he put it on the wall of his building and then it people ran outside because they thought there was like an earthquake going but he just found the resonant frequency of like the walls mm-hmm. it's fucking nuts i think actually mythbusters did something like that where they built a device they put on a bridge like an active bridge cars were driving and shit and they were like picking up the vibrations like on the opposite side they put it in the middle and they were picking them up on one end where it's like if they would have left it long enough it probably would have fucking got the bridge bouncing but mm-hmm. that's how like when opera singers break glass and stuff They'll yeah. get the same frequency. That's why they tap the glass first, so they can hear that pitch of the glass, and then they hit the same pitch, bro. and that's how that, yeah, <laughs> shatters the glass. Bro, that's that's amazing. That's amazing. Have you ever seen the guy from Nitro do that? No. Bro. I'll have to show you a video on break if I can find it. He he puts, like, a straw in a wine glass, and he's just in front of it fucking... Actually, that might have been on Mythbusters 2 now that I think about it. Tesla has a bunch of frequency stuff like that, too, where, like... How you can wirelessly charge your phone, that's a Tesla patent, too. Yeah. Like, Tesla coils and stuff. Bro. The electric coil engine is a Tesla patent. He has, like, a whole book and autobiography that has all his patents in it. It's really worth checking out. He might have been autistic, too. Mm-hmm. Which is, I mean, be, just because, like, some of his, his traits, like, he liked to eat alone. And he'd only eat certain things, like... In certain numbers, too. Like, in numbers, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, he had something with his silverware. Yeah, just like... Dude, he has some wild stories growing up. Like, he got trapped underneath a dock one time, and, like, he couldn't see because it was all pitch dark, and he tried to come up above, and, like, kept hitting the dock. And then he said, like, in his head, he could, like, visually see where the dock ended and, like, swim underneath. It was, like, in flashes, and then pop up where he needed to pop out at. What? Yeah. Like, multiple times were, like, some weird, like, in-his-head visions where he got out of a life-or-death situation. Holy shit, dude. <laughs> He grew up in, like, Yugoslavia. Yeah, yeah, that's, that alone, dude, the the conditions, like, when people come to America, you know, from, I think my grandpa and I talked about this on a podcast, which is going to be crazy, just, as long as I keep doing this, it's going to be crazy to be like, was that on a podcast, or did, did we just talk about it in conversation? But, like, we were talking about how some of the most patriotic people we're not born here. They come from a place where they saw it a better life and they came here. They have something to compare it to, you know? Right. And now they're like, <clears throat> I can't believe that you hate this country as an American. It's like, well, I don't, I don't hate the country. Like not me personally, but it's like, you know, if they're talking to someone that's like, Oh, you know, fuck the flag or fuck this, you know, I can't believe that we're doing this or that. It's like, it could be worse. 100 percent like especially people come from like communist countries and stuff yes or like oppressive governments bro um okay so 
in in New York, I believe it was New York, about about 99.9% positive it was New York. They just made two arrests. Are you talking about that Chinese police station? Yes. Mm -hmm. Dude, they've popped up everywhere. Ten people got indicted of the ten Chinese officials from there. Yeah. And can you, (laughs) in America, where we're trying to, so that just makes me think, like, I know I've talked about it, and I don't, it's so hard not to sound racist. It's just precautionary, right? Just the way that they indoctrinate. Like, we've talked about their business plans and how they're hundreds of years. They're so sophisticated. They've been doing it forever. They're a civilization that's been around forever. It just makes me think that it's a, they have a lot more data on how to do something like that than we do. Like, when you look at a spy that America sends overseas somewhere, they have, like, a five-year plan, dude. Get all this information you can and then get out. Mm-hmm. Dude, they're, they're sending people over here for a lifetime. They're like, all right, you know, you're going to be raised as an American child. You're going to go to college. You're going to do all these things. And then, you know, when you're 50, 60, we'll bring you back. And they're never going to know because you're going to literally have the backstory that you were a kid because you were. You're going to have all these fucking... All these things line up in your life that is going to put you on the side of not a spy. If somebody does start to think that maybe you are, they're going to lean toward not. Because, oh, yeah, no, he's he did this in college. He did this in high school. That's why he's at MIT now or whatever. Now, mm-hmm. that's why he's working for fucking whatever big corporation, you name it. And even though he's got access to sensitive information, he's more than likely trustful because, I mean, you can literally look at his life. Grew up in the U.S., natural-born citizen. Right, dude. Mm. And then, boom, 50, retirement hits. He's getting retirement checks, but now he's giving all the information to motherland China, you know. Right. Or it'll be like pilots and stuff where they'll have them go through the whole pilot program, and then they'll be training foreign fighter pilots, all the different tactics and techniques. Yes, dude. And I get it. If you're in NATO, I get where we would want to maybe train, train our allies and some of the tactics we know, but it's like, and even like, <clears throat> maybe give them some technology just to maintain a relationship. <clears throat> and I'm not saying that other countries aren't as important as ours, right? But you got to take care of what's within your walls first. And then you got to take care of what's in your community second. And then you got to take care of what's in your state third. And then you got to take care of what's in your country fourth. Well, when you're the government, all of that is within your walls. Like, for me, I got to take care of my kids and fiance, and then I can start looking around at my immediate community of friends. You know, if somebody, one of my neighbors needs help, right? I, I got to do that. It's not politics, but if I can help, I need to help. because it's like that a can moral be recipro- obligation. Right, and it can be reciprocated, you know. I don't want to be living next to someone that can't afford to pay their their mortgage or put food in their kids' mouths because, you know, my kids may interact with them. Or I may interact with them, and if they move, you know what I mean? It's like, that's kind of on me. It's not necessarily all their decisions are not on me, but that ability to help is an option. But then it's like, when you multiply that by, like, a city, like, look at Detroit, right? Perfect example. What type of sanctions could we have put on those businesses so they weren't incentivized to send their machines and personnel overseas or down to Mexico? Where, because I've heard the argument <clears throat> that if you want a cell phone like an iPhone made in America, you're going to pay ten grand. Why, dude? Why? 
and I've thought about it. And it comes down to greed because now you've got to, let's say you're making the iPhone. You know, pick a Chinese name. Dude's over there making an iPhone. He gets paid like $20 a week or whatever. We don't know how much they're paid, but let's say an equivalent of nothing. Okay. You, you might be making $30 an hour. You might be in a union, maybe making 40 You know, on paper, you might be making 60 but only seeing like 30 of it with all the union shit, insurance, and everything that comes out that they have to provide. <clears throat> then by the time it gets through the whole line, maybe that cell phone costs $1,000 to manufacture, plus, you know, on top of labor, the materials. All the technology that they're buying to put into it, to program it, all the shit. All that's time, and time is money. So in order to make the same profit margin off that cell phone, they want ten grand. It's like you don't need to make $10,000 off this to maintain your profit margin. Because if I'm buying it for two grand, I've got to assume you're making it for a hundred mm. or 200 tops, you know. And then you're paying to have it shipped over. Let's say that averages another $20 a cell phone. So for $220, you are getting this cell phone you're selling me for two grand. Whereas if you want to keep that same profit margin, now you're putting $2,000 into a cell phone, you want that two grand back. Now you gotta sell it for four thousand, five thousand. Like, why? And if you find a better way to do it, then you would have like the economic advantage, being able to produce it faster. Yes. And be the number one player in that instead of being having to rely on this person and logistics and make sure all them logistic pathways are flowing, like the Suez Canal when that got blocked and stuff. Oh, dude! Like, I'll just eliminate that as a whole. Yeah. And do it all in, like internally. And then the insurance. I mean, what if a carrier sinks? Everything on that ship is insured. All the fucking shipping crates, everything's insured. You know, mm. people are still going to get their money. But it's like, let's bring it back mm. to America. If you're making it in Michigan, you're making this iPhone, you're making $30 an hour. And you got 500 other people in your immediate plant that are making the same. That money's put into that economy. People are buying houses in that area. People are fucking going out to eat in that area. So restaurants are going to bloom. People are sending their dis kids to daycare or schools. So their schools are going to bloom. If you don't have the education that you want in that area, you have the opportunity to go to a board and say, hey, what is it going to take to get teachers in here that want to, you know, do what we want to do? Okay, a little more money. Well, right, like, you know, half the teachers, they got to buy almost a lot, all their, like, extra supplies to do a bunch of the cool stuff that actually get their students to engage and be interested in it. Dude, right. And it makes the difference when they do that extra stuff, but they don't always have the funding to do it. And that's <clears throat> that's another rabbit hole we could jump down. But it's like, if you're putting money into a local area where this plan is, that money's being kind of spread around. People want their property values to increase, so you're going to bring in landscapers, and other people are going to start fucking... High schoolers are going to start summer jobs, and they're going to have lawns to mow, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, fuck. And then you multiply it to, like, an automaker who's making hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars quarterly, you you spread that money out locally, you take care of this area, and it's not going to be a ghetto, or the ghetto's not going to be the entire area. It might be a little patch, mm -hmm. you know. I, but, think, you I know. think, like, when people realize their economic power as an individual and where they spend their money at, like, if you support the small companies or farmers markets versus, like, the superstores like Walmart and Dollar General... That can make a difference, too, because who's more likely to reinvest in your local economy and area and stuff? Probably the guy that has the restaurant downtown yes. where he's going to benefit from the town looking better, 
because it's going to bring him more company. Yeah. And, dude, and here's the other thing. Like like I was saying in the neighbor example, your neighbor needs a little bit of money. To, their lawn's getting long. You're comfortable enough to go say, hey, do you need me to mow your lawn? Or your lawnmower is broke. Hey, what's it going to charge? I got a guy coming to mow my lawn. An extra 20 bucks, I can have him mow your lawn. Fuck, dude, 20 bucks, you pay that so his lawn looks better. Then he feels better. You know what? He doesn't feel like a piece of shit or whatever. That that alone is huge. But then, like you said, the local value, somebody drives through your town that just happens to be looking for a home. They're like, oh, you know, I live in fucking an hour away, Saginaw, Midland, Bay City, wherever. And now I'm driving through St. Louis every day. I've been thinking about moving closer to work because I'm actually starting a career here. Because they're going to take care of me in the long term. They're showing me that. The job's here. The opportunity's here. The money's there. This actually looks like a nice city to live in. You know, I'm driving through the city. I'm seeing fucking flowers out front. People are taking care of their property. Looks like they're taking care of their neighbor. You know, mm-hmm. you're not seeing rundown cars in a driveway. You're like, this money, ha- or this area has a little bit of money. And then you start looking around locally. You're saying, okay, even if my job doesn't work here, I have opportunity at this factory or this fucking office you know well that doesn't happen without one major decision to not maximize profits in a way that's greedy you know Mm -hmm. like even where we work man like i know a lot of it a lot of it like the bonuses they're great dude i'm 100 percent appreciative of that without a doubt i just feel like the board wants to see that number climb Every year. They're not happy with making a steady amount of money, right? They're not happy knowing that next week I'm going to make this much, just like you and I are. Mm. If I put in this much amount of time, I'm going to get this much money. I they, mean, I see both sides because, like, if, if I'm part of the company, I'm going to want the company to do better than the year it did before. Like, Yeah, because then you end up doing better. Right, right. But without the conversation of the with the employees, that's where the disconnect is, is there's no conversation saying, hey, we're thinking about doing this. What's the feasibility of it from your end? Mm-hmm. They just look at the, the numbers. They say, okay, there's three minutes here. There's seven minutes there. That's 10 minutes. We can run one extra part in 10 minutes. So we're going to fill that 10 minutes with a part. Instead of saying that, okay, well, you know, we have to allow a little bit of time for general downtime, whether it's machine issues, uh, material issues, whether it's waiting on somebody to come approve something. We have to have a slot of time and right now we don't have a slot of time you know and that's what i was talking about about the more education and training like if you had like an actual little class that taught you how to do like general maintenance and stuff on your welder and you had a time in that day to do it like say like just five or ten minutes at the beginning of the day just to do a preventative maintenance check like all look it down all that type of stuff and know what Huge. to look for or what to look at like look inside your gun see if it has good connection and stuff and your drive roll and all that like, just to know, to look at that, that could help you prevent accidents or work pieces getting messed up further down the road as your machine malfunctions. It's going to save from having to have an outside company rebuild your stuff as long mm-hmm. as they just bring you the parts, which is going to save you money, okay? Take because care of your equipment, and your equipment will take care of you. Exactly. Now you're not having somebody else rebuild your stuff because your people, not all of them, but your people in general don't know how to do it or don't have the time. So you're going to take that time, which is already a loss on the production side and then amplify that times the money it takes to have somebody else do that job of fixing a gun or whatever Mm -hmm. sourcing materials you know but then if something does happen and you don't like let's say 
something happens with your machine. You don't know how to fix it. Now you've got to go find somebody that does, and they're taken away from a task, which means either production is not getting done or there's an issue down the line that's not going to get solved, or something sneaks by because somebody's pulled away, you know. That all amplifies, and it literally starts with education, you know. Like, I feel bad because I don't have the time to go help a lot of people now that are having machine issues or I'm seeing quality issues, and I don't have the time to walk over and be like, hey, let me tweak this, let me tweak that, stand there, see if... The way I would fix it works for them. Right. Because, I mean, something even just like TIG welding, if you can adjust, like on the Dynasty, if you can adjust your frequency, I weld at a lower frequency and a higher heat, you know, but I also have a little different cadence. Some people, they dip really quick, so they might need a higher frequency, you know. Hmm. But if I can't be like, try this, stand there and wait to see how it works for them, maybe help them with the quality, give them a couple tips, then walk away. You're going to have the same issues all day. Right, and if you only learned how to weld, not how to do the different settings and what, what affects what. Because you, like, you, if you just know how to TIG weld, from like you can walk up to a machine and just weld it, you're not, like, not fully operating the machine per se because you can't adjust it at all in any way, shape, or form. Right. So if you know how to adjust it, that would definitely make you a lot better. Dude, and there's, I'm not trying to dog on anybody, but there's so many times that like, especially when we had more time, Somebody would get hired in, and then they'd be put to work with me on TIG welding. And I feel like I would just bombard them with information, because even a simple question like, do you know what your balance does? They'd be like, hear that, Cardinal? They'd be like, (laughs) no. And then it's like, so now i got to explain what balance does. And it's like, all right, you're welding with AC. You know, that's an alternating current. Your balance basically adjusts what side is positive and negative. So 75%, it's going to be 75% negative, 25% positive. And then your positive is your cleaning side, you know? It's like, what does that mean? It's like, okay, so the way your art goes, you know, negative is from electrode to base, your base metal, positive is from your base metal to your electrode, and every time it goes from base to your electrode, it's cleaning, it's pulling contaminants out. So if you have something super dirty, you gotta you gotta actually drop your balance so you have more cleaning time. You have something not dirty, brand new, it's clean material, or time to brush it, you get a nice you get rid of that oxide coating. You can turn your balance right up to fucking 80, 85 and just run that shit. See, and that's like tips of the trade I feel like is in, like, that's the stuff that if we had a class on that would be cool to know because like, I didn't know, I didn't know all of that for sure. Oh, oh, well, I just just assumed, (laughs) I just assumed. And see, I just assumed because that's something I would assume Merrill would, like, and here's one thing that bugs me. We can take a break here in a minute and pour a drink. You want to want to make it to two? I didn't realize sure. we were... And and they very well could have taught us that. I could have just forgot it, which is a lack on my part of keeping up with the knowledge. But, I mean... But also, dude, you got to think. If you're learning something in like a six-week or six-month time frame, you're putting a lot of information into somebody in six weeks or six months. And I can rant on this forever because I've literally been welding about 16 years now. Not every day, not 40 hours a week, but consistently for fucking 16 years, you know? So I've... From the field, just my experience, I've gained a lot. Dude, I went to school. I didn't finish. I was working third shift. No, these aren't excuses. I'm explaining kind of my scenario. Shit happened, that's for sure. Right. I was working third shift. Okay, I had my daughter. She was about four at the time. My my oldest daughter. And dude, for I was going to school full time too, working third shift full time. And I was literally taking naps for three years. <laughs> or the better part of two, almost three years, where I'd literally go to class after work, come home, nap, wake up, do homework, go to work, you know? And there'd be times I'd nap in the Jeep, 
at school because I had like half an hour between classes. And it's like, I, I could at least get a little bit ahead on this paper, a little bit ahead on this homework, but I need a nap right now. And then it, after fucking about three years, do that shit caught up with me. And I just, I literally had to drop out. Like I was keeping grades. I was keeping in school because if you're, if I think it was a th- two seven, if your GPA dropped below a two seven, you were booted, right? So I was, I was keeping up. I think it was like a three zero when I just dropped, but it's like, it's not like I didn't learn anything. And that was, mm-hmm. that wasn't even going to school for welding. Like I've got welding education outside of that. Like that was a little bit for business because again, entrepreneurship is something I've always kind of been into, but like also materials engineering and shit like that. Like I was learning a lot about stuff that's not welding. Like I think we were talking on break earlier about perlite, austenite, all that shit, like crystalline form. Mm. And dude, there's some things that you weld that are like steel or whatever, where you get done welding it. Usually welding's a finished process. Mm-hmm. Where welding is not the finished process. The finished process is like annealing it. You heat treat it where you might put it in a furnace that's gonna heat it, bring it up or down to six hundred degrees, hold it there for eight hours so austenite forms or whatever, and then it's gonna slowly cool it because as you know, you put a weld down, you have a heat affected zone, it's right. not gonna break on the weld, it's gonna break on that toe. How do you get rid of that? You anneal it. You hmm. get rid of that heat affected zone. You realign the crystalline structure, and then that weld is stronger than it's not even the weld that's stronger. It's the heat affected zone is a lot stronger around the weld, you know? So, like, as the granular structure of the metal breaks down and melts, that realigns it? Yeah. That's pretty cool, too. I, I, I never knew that. It's cool. Yeah. it's And, dude, that's... It blew my mind. Like, I was so engaged in school. Like I said, I, I, I was still in. I just had to drop out. But it's like I was so... In, I didn't have to drop out. I did drop out. But I was just so engaged in it because, like... That shit... That shit is intriguing to me, you know? And, dude, I'm a nerd. Like, I am. Once I start getting in on something, if I have interest in it, dude, I go deep. Same. Like, deep as fuck, you know? (laughs) So, like, I'd be... Dude, there'd be times I'd be, like, literally looking up something for homework or for, like, a a paper. And the next thing I know is two hours later and I'm way off in left field. And it's like, this... I can't use any of this for the paper, but I at least learned something, you know? And that's kind of the point, I think, of higher education is, like... But, again... The rant direction I was trying to take it is you get out of school, you may have learned something, but until you can apply it in the field, you don't have any field experience. So you have theory, you may have some science, but until you go apply it, you don't know how to apply that theory or that science. And it's one thing to know what balance does on a machine or how frequency affects your arc or whatever. You, you, you pick a setting. It's another thing to apply it, you know. I mean, I've definitely seen in other trades in construction where it's like, in theory, you would do it this way, but in actuality, this is how we do it. Right. Like, you would think that, you know, you should go through one, two, three, but really you have to do two, one, three. Mm-hmm. You know, well, why are you doing this first? Well, because if we don't, it's going to affect this down this 12 foot board. It's like, oh, so you don't start at the end, you start in the middle and go out. That Why? So you flatten it as you go. Whatever. You know, just mm. little shit. But yeah, dude, that's. And again, man, that's all, that's that's kind of my gripe with it is like somebody can have a degree at our place of employment and they're immediately held on a tier above you. Or they can have a certificate and I'm not trying to boast, I've got certificates. I've got certificates in A3 problem solving, you know, 
that doesn't seem to matter as much as some other people's certificates, or they'll pay for somebody to go and get training, but that person they go to have trained isn't training everybody around them. And right. I, I almost feel like there's, maybe they feel their job's in jeopardy if they do that or whatever. You know, it's kind of a, maybe they're intimidated to, to bring somebody else up to the same education level they are. And the way I look at it, it's like, I want everybody around me to be better because that makes me better. 100%. You know what I mean? And if I if I teach you something, I'm not intimidated that now you know what I know. I mean, to an extent, I'm not going to say every time that's not how it is, but there are the majority of the times I'm like, I'm glad he knows this because now it's going to save me time. It's going to eventually save this company money, just like talking about it in a work mm -hmm. sense. It's going to make his day go by easier. He's going to feel better about a problem that he can solve himself. And then at the end of the day, when it comes down to somebody giving him praise for, hey, thank you for not taking up this time or thank you for fixing this on your own. I hope that you would be like, well, don't just thank me. Thank this person that educated me or right. this person that helped me a while ago to get me to this point. You know, I feel like we should all generally just try to be a student of life, like every day, try to learn something new. That's wise. Over like over time, that if you learn a new thing every single day of a year, three hundred and sixty-five new things add up to a lot. Yeah, compounds over time. I know I've said it before around you, but dude, baby steps, baby steps equal a mile. Mm -hmm. It just takes a little bit longer taking baby steps. And what happens if you know you come across a snake on your path and you got to take a couple steps back and then go around it? You're still further than you were when you started, even though there was an obstacle. Mm -hmm. You know. You wouldn't have encountered that snake if you hadn't started your journey, you know? Or, like, if you try to make something and it fails, then you know how not to make that thing that you're trying to make. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, at the very least, you know to do it in a different order or to mm -hmm. try a different process, you know? You still make the same thing, but just try it with something different. Like, there's all these options. Like, you might, like, welding, for example, you might know that you can build this box out of this thin of material, but you can't weld this hot. You can still build the box with the same process. You just have to do it a little colder. Maybe give it more cooling time so there's not as much warp. Just little shit, you know? Maybe mm -hmm. tack it in certain areas. Just little shit. For sure. It's like everything you do, there's always room for improvement. And if you look at how, that can get, like, I feel like that can be a good way to look at it stuff. Because, like, your perspective is your reality. So you can change your whole reality of, like, being complacent and stagnant. If you're just like, all right, I know how to do it. It'll be all right. That's it. You don't want to <laughs> learn more. Or you can be like, all right, so I can weld it together and it'll hold. But how can I make it look like a better weld? Like, I'm so glad you said that, man, because like, what really got me into welding was the artistry of it. And again, I'm a nerd. So like, a weld that'll hold, through my whole career I've heard, it'll hold, dude, it's fine, send it, right? <laughs> I welded, it held it. It held it, exactly. <laughs> you send it. It's like if you have to fix it in three years, like farming implements. It's like, it doesn't have to look good. I'm going to be dragging it through a field. The only person that's going to see it is you if I have to fix it. It's like, that's fine. But I have the quality of the hold down. Mm -hmm. I know that it's going to do its job, but now I want it to look good. That's a different level, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, okay, yeah, you can go put together a skyscraper and then put walls on the beams and you're never going to see my welds, but don't take away my ability, the fun that I have in it, what makes me want to do it, because I don't want to just make stuff stick together. 
Like, mm-hmm. I enjoy putting art on something. And if somebody finds it in 500 years, I want them to be like, they, this dude welded this 500 years ago when the technology was literally garbage. <laughs> and he real. was a master at his art. He, he had a skilled trade. Like, have you ever seen, like, back in the 30s and stuff, when they were welding with diesel generators, like, that's all they had? Have you ever mm-hmm. seen, like, some of the pictures of the old welds? Or, like, do you know anything about the evolution of, like, stick welding? Um, very briefly. Dude. Le- heavy spatter, for sure. Dude, heavy spatter. Let me let me touch on this, and then we'll take a break and get a drink. I kind of got to pee. What blew my mind, because, again, just going down some of these rabbit holes, I found some pictures, and then it, it ended up leading to a link that took me to, like, some pictures of stick rod, and then it took me to another link that was, like, Basically, the evolution of stick welding and, like, the fluxes and things they tried. Dude, they would take just a piece of iron, right? It wasn't even rods. A lot of them were flat. And they would wrap them with, like, wool, cotton, whatever they could. Because they knew that that arc and all the fucking atmosphere around it was contaminating the weld. And they were like, okay, we got to do something to shield this weld puddle, this molten metal puddle, until it can solidify. So they would literally be just putting shit on their rod to try and get, like, cellulose. A lot of what they use now is, like, a cellulose. But they would just be putting, like, like fucking plants on it. They'd, like, hollow a stick out and put a fucking piece of metal in a stick. You know what I mean? I've seen where they, like, set a stick rod on the weld and they put a board on top of it. Yeah. That sounds really similar. Yeah. And, I mean, the, usually the sticks now will have a flux on it. But just imagine, like, you just take a piece of flat iron with nothing on it. And you're like, I'm going to get this to stick to that. It'll happen, but it's going to be it's gonna be so filled with porosity. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You're not going to want to bet your life on it. But that's how they were doing shit. And then eventually <laughs> they found out that, okay, we can take the cellulose compound, dip a stick in it, and then, you know, it's, it's shielding the puddle from oxygen and nitrogen and whatever else. And then their wells start coming out looking better. And just from the visual aspect, they're like, hey, that's a better well. And then you put it in, in the field for tests, and it's like, dude, these these train plows, they're not falling off when they hit a cow anymore. No, it'll break around the weld. Right. And they're <laughs> like, okay, now we got to figure out this next step of the process. And then, yeah, they start putting them in big furnaces and finding out that, yeah, now we heated it too high, so this fucking, let's use a train plow, for example. Now this tra- train plow is bending, but the weld's not breaking. Well, that's a step in the right direction, but we can't have the train plow just crumple. You know what I mean? Right. So we got to figure out that process. And then you do localized fucking annealing or whatever. And But yeah, dude, they literally started with like pieces, pieces of flat metal like wrapped in wool. <laughs> I did not know that. That's pretty cool. It's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> but they knew that it took something they had to put around like um, Jim Peacock. Shout out Jim Peacock. He uh, He was one of my instructors. Can't remember if it was high school. No, yeah, I guess it was. It was when I was going to, to college for it. He, um, I ended up taking a welding class while I was taking some of my other shit, just like to fuck around in the shop. You know what I mean? Because that's kind of where I felt comfortable. And uh, he, his backstory is he, he was a welder in the Navy. And dude, he was telling me some of the stories of like. Shit was so decompartmentalized, there'd be guys coming into, like, he was telling me of a pipe that broke in his barracks or something. And this was before he was a welder. And, uh, 
guy comes in, or group of guys come in, they prep, they prep this pipe. Another guy comes in, he's like, no. Walks out, right? <laughs> so they re-prep the pipe, he comes in, he's like, okay, I can weld that. <laughs> and he's got one of his helpers holding a mirror, and he reaches, and it's like 45 degree pipe. He reaches around the back, like, what is it, 6G, okay? Reaches around the back, starts with the mirror. <laughs> brings it around, switches hands, and does it in one pass. That's pretty wild. And he said he saw that, and he was like, that's what I want to do. Well, then he was telling me about a story where uh, it was like... S- they were s- simulating something out in the field, and they had to try and get a vehicle started. And do some welding on a vehicle. It was like some combat engineer shit. <laughs> and he, he was so proud. He's like... We actually got our vehicle to run, and we got out of the zone, danger zone, whatever the fuck he was calling it. But (laughs) he said they had acetylene, a 12-volt battery, and some other shit. And they needed to weld something together to, like, plug a head or something. So they did it with a 12-volt. And I was like, what would you use for shielding? Because he was like, we used the antenna. I'm like, what would you use for shielding? He's like, great question. (laughs) Fire extinguisher. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah. I would not have thought of that. I would think it would probably not help the world. <laughs> no, I didn't either, dude. He's like, he's like, I was running this fire extinguisher, take a deep breath. You know, he had just goggles at the time. He's like, I'd take a deep breath, and I would just tell the dude, gas me. And he was like, <laughs> he was welding blind. You know, you got all this fucking CO2 or whatever's in the fire extinguisher. But he's like, it's shielded. And he's like, welded perfect. I just couldn't see what I was doing. <laughs> so he welded whatever he had to do. And then they plugged this head, had a leak, so they had to take, like, rip a, a patch or something off. Like, I think it said they used a sock. Put it on the head, then they used their acetylene. Got the engine running. Just feeding acetylene into it. They cracked the valve on it. They got hmm. that fucker to turn. It's like, what? How did you even piece that together, your plan in your head? Like, that's pretty wild. Combat engineer, dude, yeah. literally blew my mind. He told me that story, and I was like, huh. Well, actually, he told me that story because he wanted me to try and weld in a mirror. Like, with a stick. That'd be cool. And, like, you know, I TIG all positions, dude. I've TIGged in mirrors and shit. I'm not saying it's easy, but I've done it. And he was like, try it with the stick. And I was like, all right. I couldn't do it for shit. And it's just a stick, dude. You know what I mean? The hardest thing was, like... Even getting it to strike at that weird of an angle and getting it to keep that. Yeah, dude. And then, as you know, as the stick burns, you got to close the, you know, mm-hmm. keep your arc gap consistent. So, as it's burning, like, that was my hardest thing. I'm looking in the mirror and I'm pulling it away and my arc's opening up and going mm-hmm. out. And he was like, watch this. And he just fucking propped up in the mirror <laughs> and welded vertical down. Like, mirror's here. He's welding the piece here. Perfect, dude. Fucking slag was pulling up, peeling up behind him. I'm like, what? I'm like, goddamn, dude, respect. Like, mad respect. And then he's like, well, you know, I can't TIG like you can TIG, but I know some tricks. I was like, dude, <laughs> respect. And then he told me those stories, and I was like, god damn, dude. Like, that sounds... Dude, I bet he has some gnarly burns. (laughs) Oh, dude, I cannot imagine. I cannot imagine. I remember for, like, my overhead stick weld, like, my test at welding school, it got stuck right in my elbow. Oh, dude, yes. You didn't have one of those big-ass overhead hoods with, like, the flat, you know, it looks like a dinner plate. The pancake one? Yeah. No? No. (laughs) No. I had my Just using your infinity? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. Full send. (laughs) Yeah, dude, send it. Send it. What'd you use for rod? Still have the fucking scar, dude. God <laughs> yeah. damn. What'd you use for rod? Seventy eighteen at the time, I think it was. Seventy eighteen? Because we did like the sm- 
I don't, it's been long enough to where I don't remember the exact specifics of which thing we use for which. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, because I was going to say 7018 and 7024, I'm pretty sure, like, flat only. I would have which to would look explain back the at my notes <laughs> and refer to them. Yeah. But. Dude, I got some 70, uh, 7014. I was building a trailer for one of my old bow fishing boats. I got some 7014. Dude, I felt like an American, all-American badass, dude. That bitch, they, it shoots so much sparks, dude, but it welds so clean. But it's like 4th of July. Every time you strike an arc, you're just like, fuck. I have the <laughs> ultimate sparkler. For real, dude. For real. And the arc force on that 7014 is something else. But mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to assume like 6010 or 6011. You know what I mean? I mean, that sounds a lot more familiar. I don't know why I said the other. <laughs> <laughs> dude, it, it happens. It happens. All right, man. Well, I'm going to hit pause on this and then uh, go take a piss, maybe pour us some drinks. We'll be back. All right, we're back. Howdy ho. Actually, I, I should have let you bring us back. <laughs> you said we'll be back. I should have let you bring us back. Welcome back. <laughs> there it is. Hell yeah. <laughs> All right, so <clears throat> it's not like we didn't talk when we weren't recording, so we're not going to try and rehash the conversation, but I do. I would like you to bring up what you were just telling me about... Uh, Vibration and smell, because that definitely piqued my interest. And then I'll transition to com- something completely random. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I watched this one um, documentary on YouTube, and it's something all about quantum mechanics, right? So how your nose works is the little particles that come into your nose vibrate. So each particle, everything is made of matter and atoms, and there's, like, the little space between them, and that's them vibrating and stuff. So yep. they each have a frequency. So the frequency of the different, like parts of what it is that you're smelling is different vibrations that nose hair sense that's how you determine smell through quantum mechanics and you were saying that they know this because they because they tested it on like um they had some different particles that they made at the same frequency of i don't remember specifically what it was but i believe it might have been like pumpkin or something and then they like tested it like pumpkin spice right they tested it, it on a white bitch <laughs> <laughs> and In then the they, fall. Made, they made the smell match based off the frequency <laughs> to test it nothing against White women, I just <laughs> lovingly refer to them as, in this case, bitches. <laughs> no, that's that's fascinating, especially if you could like create something that you could waft through the air in the fall and then see how many people reacted. Like you know how you see those the old cartoons where there's like a pie on a windowsill mm-hmm. and then this like a scent wave looks like smoke and then it goes up in someone's nose and it just kind of floats them to the windowsill. You know. Mm-hmm. There could definitely be a lot of implications of something that could do that. Um, but then what, <clears throat> thinking in extremes, what would uh, what power would that give somebody over you to be like, tap into your memories through smell, you know what I mean? Or manipulate the way you're reacting in a certain situation that's stressful because they're putting in like, like you ever hear that if you want to sell a home, bake cookies in it before somebody walks through it? I've never heard that, but that... As a strategy, um, if you know you're going to have an open house, you bake cookies or something that feels homey in it. Homey, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> because it, it, it'll it it'll give, psych, psychologically, it'll give the person the sense of home. You, know, you like, could cook cookies here too. Right. <laughs> like you walk into a, a house where somebody's making cookies, you're not, even if you're mad, like just that, that smell, you're mm-hmm. like, okay, you know, it's cookies. Okay, so squirrels. You've heard a squirrel chew on a nut, right? Zip, 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 mm. zip, 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 That's kind of one of those things we were talking about earlier, like the birds in the woods that make a cheep and everything goes away. 
That sound is something that brings comfort to creatures around it because squirrels, you know, they're elevated. They can see shit. They're really wiry. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> but, if they're calm and happy, then that's generally a good sign. Yeah. And they're not going to be eating if they're stressed, you know, if, if they see something that might be a predator. So kind of the same thing, you know, you smell those cookies and it's just relaxing. What happens if you're in a situation where you're being manipulated where, I don't know, maybe uh, SEAL Team 6 or the ATF is going to raid your house because they suspect you of building bombs or something. But before they do that, they tap into your fucking air conditioning system and waft it with something that just, like, puts you to sleep because it's so I'm, calming. You know I mean, <laughs> in that case, you're fucked either way. Well, well, right. You just wake up in jail. You're like, I was sleeping in my bed. Right. <laughs> Man, I was, I was watching Family Guy, and I just fucking... <laughs> I don't know. I just started smelling lavender and uh, went to sleep. But yeah, I was just thinking, like, what are the implications that somebody could use that against you, you know? I think that would be a type of chemical or biological warfare, wouldn't it? If it's something that's affected, mm. like, through smell. I mean... I don't know. It'd definitely be <laughs> yeah, an unconventional warfare device. That, that's a good one, because I was going to ask, like, does mechanical or biological warfare have to do damage? Or can it be something that just renders you neutral? Is that what is that the definition of it? Because if it's something that literally cradles you to sleep but doesn't... I mean, that's some Art of War stuff. Fight your enemy without having to fight him. Yeah, it is. Sun Tzu, man. Mm-hmm. Wow. All right. Well, completely random transition, Jeff. <laughs> uh, aliens. Weird, weird, weird occurrences. Something you can't explain. Unexplained experiences. You had any? Hmm... I've seen weird lights move around in the sky most recently. So, like, I'll go to sleep, right, and put on the International Space Station and just fall asleep to that. Damn. And, like, I'll be watching that, and it should be, it says it's live, right? And you'll see, like, a dot come from around the globe and pop up. And then as soon as it pops up, it says, oop, interruption feed. And then it switches around to a different camera. And it's generally around the same spots of the Earth where it happens. And it's really weird because, like, you'll see them on there switching the cameras back and forth sometimes. Like, I don't know if the tech guy on there is lacking or what, or but well, you'll see it switch back and forth, and the dot will move, like, up and down sometimes, and, like, laterally back and forth. So, like, if it's just space trash, you would think it'd get, it would continue in the momentum of the direction it's going. Oh, yeah. But sometimes it breaks the direction of that. And then it's weird, because if it's just a normal occurrence, why would they just, like, instantly hit the switch button? So it's like someone else is watching and seeing, like, oh, they shouldn't see that. Oop. That's a good question. Maybe because, um... Right now, it's extremely sensitive to be littering the planet. And then what happens if it gets out that we're littering space? Maybe that's why the aliens don't <laughs> mess with us. They're like, look at their planet. It's surrounded by space it's trash. It's fucking trash. Dude. I can't even get in. Right. Man. It's like trying to go in your room as a teen. Doors have <laughs> popped open all the time because you can't close it and you can't open it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, dude. Um completely random thought uh one of my buddies and i were talking about actually ryan you uh uh, you might not know him ryan denman i listened to the podcast okay well you know him through the podcast so that works we we um we were talking one day i can't remember what i was ranting about that was weird (laughs) i'm pretty sure i picked that up we were ranting about um kind of like the way that the world is neglecting certain areas, right? Like, what do you mean? Like, 
like, well, not just continents, like, because I'm going to say Africa, but, like, like certain areas, trash like... Trash or climate change type thing, or...? All of it, yeah. Like, we're neglecting um, the ocean. You know, you 100%. Got, you got Trash Island out there, the garbage patch. We're neglecting our own society, you know, uh, certain areas of it, uh, like Detroit. Really, I know I'm only saying Detroit because we said it earlier, but, like... All the homeless, especially when you go out in California, right? And you're on, like, a skid row. Excuse me. And I've never seen it personally, but, like, I just know that's the thing. But then Africa, which is kind of what got me off on a tangent, is... <clears throat> have you ever seen the mountains of trash in Africa? I, I think I have, actually. There's some YouTube documentaries on it where they go around and talk to the people from there. It's wild. They have, like, whole tire burn fits and everything. Bro, there's... <clears throat> Okay, there's so much going on over there, and I don't know about a lot of it, but just a little bit of education I know. A lot of these countries, major countries, are shipping, like America, we ship electronics and a bunch of electronic garbage to China because it's not it's not that we can't recycle it, but the cost to recycle it or to you know get copper back off strip circuit boards or whatever isn't worth it to us. Because it costs too much for what we're going to get out of it. But we can send it somewhere like China, and they can recycle it, and then we can get the copper back. Which It's, it's weird how they can do that at cost, but we can't, right? Mm -hmm. Well, it is different, though, because all their companies are owned by a communist government to where the government can say, well, you're going to do this type yeah. thing. Instead of like, hey, guys, you know, you want to work for me, and I'll pay you money. this wage. Yeah. yeah, they're not saying it's about the money. They're saying it's about... The connection we're going to make so that in 50 years, you know, we're reputable enough that we can backdoor them on this. Of course, we're going to take a loss on this, but what's more valuable, the relationship or the money that comes out of it, you know? But like the Africa thing, a lot of places are sending their trash to Africa, right? Like um, a good example would be like uh, Super Bowl, okay? You pick two teams. Let's say Detroit Lions because Detroit's on my mind, and then uh, Denver Broncos, right? Denver Broncos wins. And then the next day you go to the store and you buy a Denver Broncos Champions 2023 shirt. Mm -hmm. They didn't print that the night before. Yeah, their shirt's got to go somewhere. Their shit was printed, <laughs> right? So the Lions wins 2023. Those are not valuable because that's not a historical fact. That's not something that happened. But they're valuable. They're not monetarily valuable to this country, but they're valuable to somebody who doesn't have a shirt. Doesn't matter what it fucking says, even if it's a different language. You know? So where does it go? Africa, right? So that might be a tax write off as a donation. But there's also a bunch of other shit like plastic, trash, a lot of old clothing that can't be sold. A lot of things just get sent there. Like we were talking tires. Right? And it's like plastic fibers like nylon and stuff too. Right, right. And if if you start looking and you see these piles of trash, it's not that it's all accumulated or originated there. A lot of it's sent there because their disposal prices are fucking cheap and they need income because they don't have an economy, right? It's all fucking gang. It's fucking basically a cartel, but there's two cartels over there, you know? And they're always warring. <clears throat> and something I was thinking is like the SpaceX shit. Elon's sending shit to space. 
He's a fucking pioneer. He's a genius. I don't know if he's a genius. I haven't seen his IQ or his ACTs, right? <laughs> but he's... It all depends on what you base intelligence off of. Right. And he's a civil genius, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Is that helping with the heat, honey? Yeah, for sure. Okay, cool. Yeah, he's not a civil genius. Or, I'm sorry, he is a civil genius. But what I was thinking is if you're going to try and plot somebody's next move like that, they have access to space now. You know what the easiest way to solve some of the problems like trash mitigation or trash disposal on Earth would be? Hmm. In my opinion? To space, bro. Exactly. <laughs> he just did the three-point, the uh, free throw motion. Swish. <laughs> yeah, swish. Bitch, you pack a motherfucking spaceship full of trash, you charge a country to get rid of it, you say, okay, all I need is enough to cover the fuel, the vessel, and then a small fee. You pack it full of trash. Now, eventually, we can build them big enough that you can literally send, like, a, like those carrier ships to space. What if you just launch it at the sun? It's like a giant burn pit, but without having the toxic chemicals. That's exactly what I was going to say, dude. That's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. When when people think of sending shit to space, they might think of, where is it going to go? Out into infinity? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Who cares if it's muddy and wet? It's not going to rot out in space. So you're not really... All you're doing is putting elements that already originated from space back into space. Eventually, it's going to get sucked into a black hole or a star. We don't know if we send it into our star. Or some alien spaceship pick it up. You never know. Yeah, or you, exactly. You never know. Somebody finds a sign of life through the trash that you put out there, which could be a beacon right. to say, hey, we're here. Because how is that any different than the giant satellite we sent out like in the 80s or whatever, just going into space randomly with that disc on it of information oh, and stuff? exactly, dude, yeah. Or the Hubble Space Telescope, dude. Or James Webb. Yeah. yeah. Or now James Webb, yeah. Hubble is fucking screaming out there, dude. I yeah. can't remember how far away it, it was last time it was, last time I checked, but it's out there, bro. Mm-hmm. It's out there. Do you know they used to have like intelligence satellites that were like the same as Hubble Telescope, just faced at Earth? What? Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that. I mean, I believe it because, like, you can pick up extremely high resolution. I mean, you can get on your phone and get on Google Earth, and you can pick up high resolution. Or you can see a guy mowing his lawn. Yeah, <laughs> like 100%. You can spy on somebody by the pool. Be like, I know what bathing suit you were wearing this day. Dude's like, what? <laughs> How? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, oh, I noticed you re-landscaped your backyard. You've never been back there. You got a new grill. Looks like a Traeger. You right. know? But if, you, if you're if you sending shit out into space, a lot of people are going to think, wow, you know, you're sending it out into space. What's going to happen? Well, the inevitable. Black hole or A star, somewhere it's going to get sucked into a planet. Some sort of gravity is going to bring it in or fucking meteorite's going to hit it. It's going to spread it out, right? But if you send it into our sun, that's the biggest trash burner we have. Why are we, <laughs> bur- why are we burning shit here on the planet that's going to affect the atmosphere when you can send it? Right into the sun. I think about that with space trash sometimes. Because, like, we have a bunch of space trash around Earth. And eventually it's going to get to the point where stuff's going to collide with each other. And then, like, little, like a grain of sand can dent a whole side of a spaceship going at however many thousands of miles. Oh, yeah, dude. So, like, if they start getting magnets and, like, launch stuff like that towards the sun to clear up the space junk. Dude, even if you could build, like, the James Webb telescope, right? But... You merge that with, like, a net and the International Space Station. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you have five or six modules that link together to build a big giant net. And then you actually 
somehow thrust it in the opposite direction. Everything else is spinning. So it's kind of combing particles, kind of like a pool nut. You we know? should start that in the oceans. Like, start with Earth and then move to space trash. Dude, you know what would be amazing is if we could get, like, two big-ass carrier ships. Mm-hmm. And they just have a big trawling nut. Something that only goes five foot deep. And then as it's going, you know, maybe they're a mile apart. I mean, that's a big vessel with a lot of weight, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe they're a mile apart. One's going through the trash patch, one's right on the edge of it. And as it's moving and it's pulling all that plastic, they're, well, as they're moving, kind of like bulldozers taking out fucking brush, dude. You ever seen where there's two bulldozers, mm-hmm. maybe 100 yards apart or 10 yards apart, they got a big chain and they're just driving through trees, same direction, just mowing shit. Same thing, except with a net. And now you can maybe take this and, I don't know, if you want to dig a bay or whatever that would process it, right? Right. You take it into this area. You kind of guide this trash into this area, even if it's offshore. Just like mowing the lawn, just keep doing passes. Yeah, you just keep doing passes. And then you start getting funding from all the countries in the world that are fucking donating to the trash patch. China probably might not get on board, and they're probably the worst, honestly. When you think about it, we're having everything that we have made there damn near. So we're mm-hmm. even though we're like a very low percentage of our trash <laughs> physically that we have here is getting into that patch, a lot of the byproduct of it being made is getting into that patch from the mm-hmm. origin factory you know and you'd think and for like the nation state level it would have strategic and military applications to be like have that trash taken care of because like what if there's they find a way to make a fake looking trash ship and then it's just this trash island floating around but really there's a whole sub there carrying like missiles and shit and you don't even know but like it's probably already there bro they're just taking like some old tide they're bottles. They're like taking and, notes and shit. Yeah. <laughs> they're taking some old tide bottles and fucking root beer bottles and just gluing them to the outside <laughs> of the submarine, dude. They'll never know. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, hey, hey, honey, you'd never believe what I did for 20 years in the fucking <laughs> Navy. What'd you do? I just decorated subs. <laughs> <laughs> decorated? Dudes are out there singing, stringing fucking <laughs> shit all up and down them. Right. See this periscope fucking pop up the ground. That's the thing, dude. Like, I mean, we're just two guys drinking in a basement, bro, in an old grill room. Like, and we have these ideas, right? I mean, I just try to like be the change you want to see, you know, type shit. Give me like, knocks. Pick up trash, common sense type stuff. Like, for instance, I rode my bike here. Like, I could have drove, but it benefits me by exercising, less on the environment, and it's a small change by me, one person. But if it's like a bunch of people do it over a small little decisions to benefit the earth that adds up for sure and let me let me add a little bit to that too maybe somebody seeing you biking <clears throat> is let me think of how to word this only way i can do it is in extremes dude i gotta i gotta figure out a way to get away from it because i feel like it's gonna start annoying people being like well another extreme extreme <laughs> right no oh, that's what i should do is get a button <laughs> extreme <laughs> but if if i think of it on a far end of the spectrum i think okay you go over to like the netherlands or something where people are known for riding their bikes through the country land mackinac the, island mackinac right Oh, no, no, okay, not not quite Mackinac. Well, yeah, Mackinac would fit into this example I'm going to go to. Mackinac's a good one. 
Um, what's another place in the U.S. you can ride your bike a lot? Not on bike trails, but like in the city. Mm, rails to trails? Maybe um, downtown Austin, right? Maybe if somebody sees you on a bike, subconsciously they know that this area is safe enough that this guy can bike. And then maybe it's even motivation that when they get home, they're like, I haven't taken a bike ride in a while. So maybe you're not just influencing somebody passively to be more active, which is then going to save the planet a little bit at a time. But again, if somebody's driving through the town and they're like, dude, I can't even ride a bike where I live right now because it's not safe. I'll get mugged. I, I can ride it three blocks to the party store. But if I'm coming back with a bag, I might not make it home with that bag. You know, maybe they're like, this seems like a nice town because this guy's on his bike. He's safe, right? He's He looks comfy. He looks happy. He doesn't look like he's riding away from anything. He's not pedaling <laughs> super fast, trying to outrun, you know, like. I don't really know how to word it, but maybe it just seems safer because you're more exposed, you know. You're like, yeah, it's cool, I can bike through here. You see people walking all over New York, but you know how New York is. Stay strapped. You know what I mean? Shit's not Always safe. Always packing, never lacking. Shit's not safe right now, but I don't think that's a byproduct of the safety. I think it's a byproduct of the city. Buildings on buildings on buildings on buildings. Traffic's not realistic because the population is too dense. It's actually quicker to move around on foot, so you're kind of forced on foot, you know. And subways and stuff. Right. But then when you see somebody that has, like you said, the option. I could have drove, but I didn't. I took the bike. It's like, there's no traffic around here where I'm driving, and I pass a guy on a bike. It's like, wow. And, like, it's a good way to maximize your time. Because if you're going to have that travel time anyways, you might as well benefit from working out and getting there. It builds builds up on you, so you have more endurance and stuff to do whatever you want. You're tying in fitness. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's huge. That's big, dude. So, yeah, uh, I'll thank you for that. I mean, like I told you, I would have picked you up. I mean, fuck, I'll take you home. But that's the thing is, like, I respect your decision to be like, no, I would rather I rode this bike here because I'm trying to avoid exactly what you're offering, you know, even though I'm driving the HH car for banger. Not like there's anything wrong with driving cars and stuff. Just, like, if you have the option to and have the time, why not? Yeah, why not? Why not? Yeah, and that's, um, fuck, did I say what I was going to about the trash thing? And it saves you money on gas, wear and tear on your vehicle, <laughs> like, just in general, all around positives. Oh, <laughs> dude, 100%. 100%. Now, somebody could always make the assumption that, okay, he lost his license, fucking this, Have an active or, license. Right, well, I'm just saying, like, he could be like, you know, somebody could be like, well, you know, maybe he's, maybe he stole that bike, or they could always think, but usually that's tied to, like, their overall mindset of negativity being Mm -hmm. like well he's only biking because he probably doesn't have his license yeah you you get people that ask like do you have a dui or something type questions and it's like no i'm just trying to stay in shape and stuff you know i'm trying to make this normal right (laughs) be the change you want to see sorry (laughs) (laughs) now if you catch me out here in the rain i totally understand that question unless it's like only been raining five minutes and you caught me out here like if it's been raining all day and you catch me out here biking a long distance then i understand the question but those are good days to go for a run oh dude yeah that's like primo days when it's the worst weather out that's where you build the most mental calluses in your brain from like doing the exact thing that you don't want to do yes sometimes are the best things for you to do yeah just just forcing yourself to go out and do it which and tell me if i'm wrong but it's even kind of a form of meditation Mm -hmm. you know you get to be like well 
you know, I, I'm learning a little bit about myself. And then once you get through that, you just get in the rhythm. Like, let's say you're running. You get in the rhythm of right step or right foot, left foot, right foot, mm-hmm. left foot. And then that becomes like a pattern that you're meditating to. And then your heartbeat is sinking up. You know, your breaths, they're sinking up. And then Definitely. your mind is out of it. You're just running. And you can just focus solely on like, you can go really intense into focusing on breath work and stuff and step and rhythm and stuff like that too. There's like whole strategies and books on that with running. Like, I don't know it that intensely, but I know people that do that's told me about it. But <laughs> He says, admittedly, I'm not fully aware, but I'm aware. It's you a know, thing. It's out, it's out there. Yeah. It's out there. Damn, man. Yeah, so what... Other than the space station, like watching the space... Which, that, that alone is intriguing. I could, I could go into a little bit on that, but just... just so, like... For instance, I've, like, gone out and drove up to one of the wind turbines around where we live. And, like, that's open cornfields all the way around, away from the city, so you don't have that much light pollution. And, like, I've seen, like, just little bright lights coming in and moving around and stuff. And then I pull up the flight tracker app where you can see all the airplanes in your sky that are registered with the FCC. Mm-hmm. And you'd be like, there's nothing around at all. And then like, you can do the same thing with satellites online, look up where they're all at and stuff. And you don't see nothing. And it'll move in irregular patterns. And, like, just zoot off, like really bright or like one time i seen like a tear in the sky almost type thing it was like a bright flash like lightning and it was like almost like when you look at an arc or a really bright light where you see that little outline of it you see like this tear looking yeah, thing yeah, 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 yeah. and like the whole sky flashed bright no sound at all super weird stayed for a couple of seconds me and my girlfriend seen it in my in our backyard it stayed open for a couple of seconds yeah because like a bright flash and I looked over and then you still seen the shape for a second it was really weird the whole sky lit up middle of the night and, like, those meteors going and stuff, like a couple little tiny shooting stars, but Bro. never seen nothing like that. That Bro. was super weird. <laughs> it's like, was there some Back to the Futures type stuff going on? Or, like, is it a weird meteor? Or? And that's kind of why I'm, like, that's kind of why I've gone into asking these questions, dude. Is because, like, that's another rabbit hole we can go in is, like, my interest. I know you've heard me talk about the bag of sugar argument, right? What do you think? Go over it again, just so I okay. like. I don't want to like. <laughs> no, no, you're fine. Okay, okay. People are gonna get tired of hearing it, but that's fine. I'll just get better at explaining it, which is the positive, right? Like I remember part of it where you have the bag of sugar, you set it down, and then it spreads out. Yeah. So, like, let's say, imagine a basketball court. Pick a five-pound bag of sugar, put it at half court, and then pick your kicker to come from one baseline. And just punt that motherfucker as hard as it as hard as he can, right? Imagine how that sugar is going to spread out. No matter what way it's going to spread out, the closer to that three or I'm sorry, closer to the uh, center court, the more dense the sugar is going to be, right? Now there might be a spot immediately around the blast where there's actually so dense of matter of sugar that you can't see distance between them, right? There might be like a pile. But as you're getting away from it, you're going to start seeing the grains getting thinner and thinner. There's just like a water splatter. You drop I was it. thinking of that exact thing, like ripple effect type thing. Yeah. There's a lot with that with sound too, like in frequencies and stuff. So this motherfucker kicks the bag of sugar. You, you pick the kicker, he kicks the bag. Mm-hmm. Boom. Now think of that as like the Big Bang. Right. There might be a little bit of matter that goes behind him, but not much. I mean, any explosion. But if it's a directional explosion, most of it's like a claymore. Most of it's in a direction, right? You might have that little bit of vortex or turbulence above and below where it's just creating like a cyclone or whatever. 
But anyway, so like imagine where we are in space is pretty thin. And imagine that is underneath the basketball hoop. Mm-hmm. So he kicks it from the midcourt to the north. And then underneath that northern basketball hoop is where we are in space. You start looking around, you're going to start finding sugar. But it's not a very dense area, right? I kind of think of that as like where we are in space. So when somebody says, are aliens, do aliens exist? I think like, well, we exist and we're in a very thin area of space. The closer you get to the half court line, the more dense matter is. And if we're matter, even though we're carbon based, who says something can't be like, you know, silicon based or whatever, manganese based, you name it, right? Mm -hmm. Aluminum based even. Gold-based, you know? Who says... I think it'll be a different type of life form than we understand or perceive it as. Right. Like, will we even be able to recognize? Exactly. And then, and, But then I take it a little deeper. I say, okay, our planet's been around, what, a couple billion years? Something like that. Let's say that... What's the average of the Big Bang? Like 13 billion years, if you believe in that theory? Oh, I'm not... Not sure on the specifics, but yeah, something like that. I think it was like 13 billion years. Well, let's just say for this example, it's 13 billion years. So if we've been around, we're in an area of space that we say is 3 billion years old. Really, all of our matter was created 13 billion years ago. And it took all that time away from the Big Bang. It's traveled this far, and then everything found each other, and then created what we see today. Whether it's the Earth, the Sun, Mars, right, you name it the solar system. The closer you get toward the half-court line, the more matter. So there's probably more things, more elements that we don't know about, more than likely, right? There's probably life forms that, like you said, we wouldn't recognize. But what I'm getting at is, you look at that distance as time, the closer you get to the Big Bang, you have more matter and more time by the time you get to us. So if something... Do you think time would be, like, condensed there? Like, move faster or slower? I do. I do. I think that there's got to be some sort... Because especially when you start looking at the amount of of matter that would be there, even though we don't understand gravity, whatever it is, it's got to affect time in a way, right? Mm. Or the space around it. So especially, like, black holes, you know, you start looking at some of that, it's kind of sketchy. But the more matter there is, I feel like there's more of a chaotic cadence of time and space well and the more matter would probably mean more mass so that'd be more gravity right right that's that's a very good point but then you start looking at like our solar system right okay we're like oh we're in the milky way that's cool but then you look around us we got to go this far to get to another solar system if you take the time if you look back 10 billion years and you say okay big bang happened 13 billion years ago 10 billion years out you getting hot I was moving a little bit, get some airflow. Oh, okay. Say, I, can, I can turn it off if you want. I can turn it right down to nothing. Like 13 billion years ago is when the Big Bang happened. If we look back to 10 billion years, if we're at 3 billion years, we look 7 billion years previous to us, who says that life didn't form with all that matter condensed in one area? Probably Things probably happened a lot quicker. And who says, like, we're the first life forms to form, too? Like Right, right. But I'm just thinking things probably happened a lot quicker. Right. And if... If civilization, as we know, life forming into civilization is a thing, okay, maybe it's something we don't recognize as far as like the way they run their civilization or whatever, but maybe they were advanced enough or have tools because of the elements 
and the matter in their area that we'll never understand that would allow them to warp the space or time around them. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're seeing interactions between the space, the matter, and the time around them where they found a way to manipulate it, and now they can travel to 13 billion years, where we are. Do you think gravity affects time? That's tough. I, I do think it does. But this is just based off complete speculation because, like, for example, if they say, I think it's Jupiter, you're like, you weigh 19 times what, something like that, right? Mm-hmm. An extreme amount of more mass, if you were to take a scale from here to there, you would weigh a lot more. Same on the moon. And this is just my simple brain. But if you jump on the moon, it takes you three seconds to land. So that affects time. Right, mm-hmm. it's affecting the time you're suspended before you return. Jupiter, you might not even get off the ground, but if you did get off the ground, let's say it's a <laughs> millimeter, and then you immediately return because the force is so strong. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's affecting time, even though it's affecting you personally. T- think of you as like the vessel that's that's kind of uh, the medium, the meter of time. Mm-hmm. You know, don't think of you as Jeff. Think of you as like a rock. If if a rock just jumped up and then fell on the moon, it'd take longer for it to land. So in a way, it does affect time. Does it affect it directly? I feel like that's the perfect example because if it has the same mass across a broad spectrum, let's not say on Earth, like a rock isn't going to be heavier just because it's in a certain area. Like in space, it's weightless. But the second you get toward a certain size body or whatever, it gains more and more mass. But then that also affects the time it takes or the force it takes to accelerate. And then if you're going to take force into consideration, how long does it take to apply that force to accelerate said object? You know. Mm-hmm. So I think it does affect it, but that's just my simple brain looking at it. Like if I jump here, I know how long I'm going to land. If I go to the moon, I might fumble. You know what I mean? I might break right. an ankle. Something stupid. Because, like, I look at it like a magnetic field, right? Has, like, a cone shape to it, like the shape of an apple, right? So the center of the apple is going to be your magnet, your, where your magnet's at. Mm-hmm. Your poles north and south is, like, the core of the apple. So, like, maybe if you have the certain type of magnetic that can affect the area around it, which could possibly affect a light particle or something, that could affect gravity. So maybe, like, oh, yeah. as you go around it, like a magnet slingshots you around it like say if you slingshot around the moon maybe that could be speed you up in time in doing that oh dude 100 percent, 100 percent. well you you know the theory that if you travel at the speed of light for five years and you return to earth you won't look like you've aged today but the people on earth will look like they've aged five years and then if you do that over a lifetime you may still only be jeff that's you know let's say 30 over life, life, uh, Earth lifetime, where you return and people that you personally know are dead from old age, but you still look like Jeff of current, you know, Jeff of 30, Jeff of, you pick an age, you know what I mean? 19-year-old Jeff graduates high school and leaves, flies around at the speed of light, returns, and nobody he knows or knew exists because it might have been three lifetimes, you know? Uh, that could be time travel, just speed through space. Mm-hmm. You know, True. I don't know. I don't. I don't understand the concept of how it works, but I understand kind of the baseline that you know. What I think about in time travel movies is like when they time travel, like 
how are they going to be at the same spot that the Earth is at? And not like that's a good point where where the Earth was at in space. If you want, you go ahead and answer that. But yeah, keep it running. And we're back. Phone call from the mom. Just checking in. See how it went. Always got to pick up for your mom. Hundred <laughs> percent. Hopefully that'll lead to motivation. You know. Hopefully she'll keep on you. Mm-hmm. My grandma was a big big factor in me getting this going. So, you know, hopefully your mom will. You know, the days, I think we talked about this at work too, like the days that you're not feeling it are the days that are most important. Mm-hmm. You know, and hopefully those days when you need a little motivation, you can call her and be like, hey, so I'm thinking about doing this, right? You know, I'm having a hard time getting over this. She can be like, well, just remember, you know, and I give you caveats that nobody else in your life has because she's fucking been there your whole life. You know, when mm-hmm. you were nine, you did this and you didn't think you could do it. So this ain't shit, you know. For sure. You know, come through too much stuff to quit now. Right. Remember when you broke your leg and you thought you'd never walk again or you'd never be able to bend your knee Literally when you got your cast Literally bend in off? that position. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't bend your knee when your cast was off. Oh, bro, I had a whole metal, got a whole metal bar in my leg. Like my leg was like snapped in half, like L shape. Tell me about it. Okay. So like <laughs> when you go really fast on a dirt road, there's chatter bumps, right? And on a bike or a car? In a car. Okay. And that can tend you to lose control and like... I already lost control and I was trying to brake and I was young and didn't know to just like hold the brake to, to not do that right. Mm-hmm. And like, there was like an eight foot ditch on the right side and like a field with spotted trees on the left. I'm like, all right, I can totally clear these trees and make it to that field. <laughs> and that is not what happened. <laughs> Let me tell you what, even if it's a small tree, it will definitely stop your car. Like 10 out of 10 would not recommend. <laughs> broke like my leg in half, got broke all my hips in half, like my left and right what? and tailbone. So I got screws in both my <sighs> hips and like a metal bar down to my leg and stuff. And it's wild because you, like, I could have just stayed in the car and, like, chilled there as a car caught on fire. Like, you can get out of the situation and help yourself. And, like, that's what I did, obviously, you know. Yeah, because you're stuff. here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it yeah, definitely bro, changes your perspective on a lot of things. Yeah, I never, uh, well, it also kind of degrades it on others. Like, you, you think this one thing's important? <sighs> bro. Like a heartbreak, for example, you'd be like, all right, I really did love that girl or damn, I really did love this toy that just broke. But then you're like, is it life or death? You know, if I got through literal life or death, I can get through emotional, you know, like for instance, when you asked like, what keeps me running and stuff, I've been at the point where I, they told me I might not be able to run again type thing or like where I was in a wheelchair and couldn't run. And that was like right after high school where I was running all the time. Like, I was two weeks away from shipping out to the Army on a contract with a 20K signing bonus and, like, screwed myself on that. Yeah. (laughs) So that that sucked. But just to be in the position of someone telling you you might not be able to do this again and then that be your motivator being like, nah, screw that. I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to run still and beat my times from high school. Find a way to make that happen. Yeah, dude. If if I listen to you, then no, I won't. But Right. Or you could just use it as a crutch and as an excuse to, like, not go and do the things that you know you should do. And then you have the perfect excuse of, oh, no, I'd be all right, you know? No, oh, dude, 100%. Uh, it, what do you mean it's going to be all right, dude? Shouldn't you be doing this? No, <laughs> no, doctor says. Or like, oh, it hurts to do that, but that pain is good for you. It's going to hurt either way. Yeah. It hurts a lot less to go through the physical therapy and working out than to just sit there and not heal it. And, I mean, that's physical, dude. Think of emotional. Pain is growth, regardless, mm-hmm. you know? If you have, like, again, a heartbreak. Next relationship, I mean, you might take some little nuances away but next relationship dude if it ends you might not hurt as much you might hurt more 
but at least you have familiarity with it. So you're like, all right, this pain is survivable. This pain made me stronger because after she left, you know, I got back in touch with some friends. Now I have new hobbies that are actually healthy hobbies, you mm-hmm. know. I'm not sitting at home fucking sad playing PlayStation all day type shit, you know. Losing yourself to a toxic relationship. Right. Cutting all your social ties, having no free time. Been in a situation like that, it sucks. Yeah, dude. And, it, and again, this is just, you know, I mean, it's just random conversation, but right. that's that's one of those <laughs> things that, dude, like, I didn't know that about you. So that explains a lot because it's like you're a very positive person. Like your outlook, you're always like, ah, oh, you know, yeah, it broke, but I learned how how not to do that. You know, mm-hmm. it's like well, that makes sense now. Well, not that it didn't before, but that adds some caveat to why you're like that. You know what I mean? So I feel like your mindset can change a lot, and it like like for instance, you can go into work with a shitty mindset and be like, oh, it sucks. I don't want to be here today. And like you see some people do that, and then it spreads like to the people around them they're oh, working yeah. with, or someone will just be all pissed off and mad. And then you see that spread where you can do the same thing, but the opposite. You come in there, make a few people laugh and have fun with it and like, you know, go really fast and be hype about it. Then people are gonna be like, yeah, like getting all hype, you know, and want to go faster and stuff. It's infectious, man. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if you notice, like when I go through the shop, I toss up knuckles, mm-hmm. you know, or especially if I'm in a good mood, I'm always, yeah, hell yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. or you just yell, whatever, you know, do a little, Woo-hoo! yeah, dude, <laughs> whatever. But it's like. Lately, dude, I've been having those days, and it's it's been a, a mental struggle to get over to be like, because the thing that brings me down is just like, I've been doing over this over half my life, and I'm here. I'm running full production. I don't get to do quality. I don't get to make something look good. And then I get talked to about, I put 500, 600 welds down the last two days, minimum, and then I get talked to about one or two welds that aren't good. It's like, not that they're not good, but. Maybe there was an issue, like a leak or a burn through. It's like, dude. Like one fan that got turned wrong right at you or something. Right. It's like, dude, 500 of these fucking welds and you're going to bitch about less than 1% of them? What more, do you, what more do you want from me? What more do you want? I'm not a robot, but I'm doing the job of a robot. You want X amount of production, which means I'm, the quality is going to be. And that's the biggest thing that kind of gets to me about work that puts me in that mindset. It's just like, you want all this, but you're not being open-minded that. The more you do, the lower your quality is going to be. So don't come to me about scratches or dents or burn throughs right. or this or that because we don't have space. The all, all the carts we use are shitty. There's a dichotomy to it, a balance for sure. <laughs> yeah, dude. And it's like the more I was explaining this the other day. If I take, if I know a part's going to take me four minutes to make, and you give me five minutes, I have an extra minute to put quality into it. But that means I'm still running at a high pace because if I put five minutes into it. I'm grabbing the next one, putting five minutes into it. If it takes me four minutes to make a part and you give me six minutes, I can put an extra minute worth of quality into it, attention, and then I have a minute where I can transition into the next stage of production. Fuck, if you give me ten minutes, that's going to be the highest quality part and there is no excuse for issues. I can fix an issue right there in my zone. Right. And it doesn't escape. But I don't have that time. Right. And I, I like see it. Like, if it gets out of the work cell area, like, out of the tube of welding, like, the tube's department, yeah. it makes it all the way down to the line, and it's about to ship out, and they see some issue, that I totally get. But if we catch it in our work cell area, and it's just one mistake, like, I see you letting someone know, obviously, that's a good idea, so it does continue to occur. You bring awareness. Right. You know, but don't expect that... It's the way that you go about it, for sure. Yeah. And again, dude, less than 1% issues, I don't care where you're operating, you need to be happy with... You need to have some sort of tolerance. Even if you're mm-hmm. expecting 90% efficiency and 97% quality, 
there's a 10% efficiency tolerance and a 3% quality tolerance. But if you're expecting 100 and 100, you better hire motherfucking robots, dude. <laughs> Everyone has off days. Yeah. Yeah, so it's not just the off day, dude. It's conditions. Like, if it's more humid, a lot of people don't realize because, again, they don't have, you know, training or experience in the field. Moisture gets in the lines. Dude, well, not just the lines. Like, your weld will act different because, like, if you have a day it's super humid in the air, like in the summer days it rains and that humidity comes up and people are like, my machine's fucking up. It's like, you got to change your parameters. You got to shorten your arc length a little bit because you're actually vaporizing that humidity around your weld. If you're keeping your arc length long, you're kind of creating a vortex that's going to put humidity into your weld. And that water brings what? Hydrogen, oxygen, and oxygen is a contaminant, you know? See, like, just understanding how to weld versus understanding what welding is and how it happens would be a game changer if, like, all the lower-level people coming in kind of had an introductory class on that and then a continual, like, yearly or monthly just quick little hour or something to grow. Yes. That's like investing yeah. in your company, investing in yourself. Yeah. Yeah, dude. You you educate your personnel decentralized command dude exactly. i know you know what decentralized is so a good leader works themselves out of a job yes like well, you, your unit should be able to operate perfectly without you there if you're doing your job right 100%. not that i know from experience but just from reading books and stuff it seems to be a reoccurring trend that has, has to happen for success yeah and even from experience dude if you have days without a team lead or the plant or department manager is gone shit still runs yeah for sure you know so you have that experience but it's like for example, I don't want to rant on work too much, but it's it's because again, it's I'm just talking about that mindset. Like I go in there some days, especially lately, and it's like all this experience, all this quality I can do. Right now, I'm not doing visible welds, and it's like that's kind of my art. You know what I mean? I like something to look good. I'm not allowed to really put the quality into it, and then I get talked to about occasionally the quality that's subpar or something that they don't appreciate, and it's like. You know I'm more than capable to do this, but you're not, you're coming to me with this issue, but you're not understanding the conditions of it. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, this wouldn't be an issue if we weren't pressed. And then you multiply that by every area. You take my experience out of it. You remove me from the situation. I'm not the only one. You know what I mean? But the less experience, the less education somebody has, the more time, like training, the more time you have to work with somebody. And if you don't have somebody that really can explain the nuances of welding, let alone the process of how to do the job, there's going to be problems that come up that neither of them know how to solve. And if you become, like, have the reputation of the company that invests in its employees and does that, you're going to attract the people that are thirsty for knowledge and want to grow and learn more instead of just someone that's, like, not as motivated, just wants to get the pay that, that, that they're paying at and doesn't really want to work hard. They'll just show up every day. What about career? Exactly. You know, you... You want career guys because if I hire in and I'm only in 90 days, I don't have experience with your product or your process. I may have experience in the field, but after 20 years, I've seen all the iterations that you've gone through the last 20 years from the changes that happen, from the process changes versus the product changes versus whatever. I've seen it all. I can explain to a new guy, we used to do it this way. This is why we don't. This is what this machine does, or this is what that product does, you know? Whereas you have a turnover rate of five years average. Somebody gets five years deep, and it's like you need to investigate that because maybe you're just pushing too much production, or maybe your expectations of whatever are too high, or maybe your pay's too low. It doesn't matter. You need to investigate it 
because those are the people you want to be putting in 25, 30 years. Right, and ask those people, like, where's your morale at? Like, are you, like, I don't know how to how someone would ask them that and kind of see engage where they're at, but what their attitude is towards the company or what improvements could be made type thing because they're going to be the ones that's been around and have experience. I think it would start with a series of questions and it would have to evolve over time. You know, you'd probably start with something like, how do you like your job? And then it would be a follow-up, no, seriously. Don't talk to me like I'm somebody in a leadership position. Be like no repercussions involved, no like backfire on you for telling the truth type thing. Literally. Like literally, if you want to, if you want me to put this in writing, I'll sign it. You sign it. Whatever you say is confidential. If you want it confidential, as far as like your name, but I need your thought. It doesn't need to be tied to you. I just need to know what you're thinking. Well, you know, I don't really have any time to do this because this much is expected over this amount of time, which means that now I can't go to the restroom if I have to or I'm falling behind which means efficiency drops and then production and then I've got to make that up with speed on the back end so then your quality drops or you know this machine is kind of messing up or we had this machine built but nobody came and asked me what I would do to change it so now the new machine is shittier because I can't reach my controls or this table's too far away or whatever the fuck you know what I mean so or I don't have the options for customizable customizability if that's the word you know what i mean i can't make it work for me i have to work for it and then now i'm here 50 hours a week i get a day off and i'm burned out because i've been fighting this machine or i'm i've been working at this high pace for 50 hours for 50 weeks and that's why getting in the working out routine is so hard to do too it's just so draining because like won't you sit down once after work good luck getting back up dude seriously (laughs) and but then there's also the aspect of like how much you making are you covering your bills? Do you have any extra money where you can take your fiance out to dinner? You can take your kids out to dinner. You can get them something nice for their birthday. You can get them something nice just because. Do they need shoes? Can you get them? What about your car? Is it falling apart in the parking lot? Because I don't want that. I don't want the reason you're not here making me money to be that you can't get here to make me money. Mm-hmm. You know? Do you have expendable income, ultimately? No, sir. And then you start, you get a fucking broad spectrum. People are like, well, you know, my wife works this, my wife works that, so I have expendable income. But what assets do you have? What liabilities do you have? What investments have you made? How is your money going to make you money? Right. What am I going to be able to do to keep you here long term? Because eventually if you're just here for the money and then you fall behind in bills or you're only keeping up on bills now and you hate your job, that's not going to make you stay here long term. Because eventually when you pay off your student loan, or you pay off the vehicle that you're into, or your your house is more than half paid off. You can refinance. You see that $30,000, and you're like, I can afford to not work for two months while I find a job that I don't like as much. Right. Or that I like more than I'm not making as much. Or I don't like as much, I'm making more. You know what I mean? You can make that change, but if you're only coming to work tomorrow because you have to to pay your bills, because you are living check to check, that's not good for me or my business. It's like a mouse stuck under a mouse trap, just reaching for that cheese. What are you going to work for, that cheddar? Yeah, dude, for <laughs> real. And then how many times are you going to get caught and break out of that trap? Because mm-hmm. you see some people that just get stuck in there and they're in that dead-end job forever. And then they wake up and it's been like 20 years that go by. Yeah. And it's like you had so many different ideas and motivations and stuff. And then just a vision without action is merely a dream. So you got to have the action to follow through with it. Right. And I, I Like said, you creating this podcast alone. That's you having a vision and a dream, still having to do work and stuff, but still making it happen. Yeah, and honestly, dude, this is, I appreciate it, but this is like, um, it's not a last 
last resort because my boy Ryan, business partner, best friend, we had other plans, you know, and with his work schedule, with my work schedule, now with the distance because he, he moved for a job, it's like, it's not going to work. And then I don't have enough expendable income to be able to go put into a shop all my machines and stuff that I need to make the product I really want to make. So much money, even material costs, even the electric bill. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> dude. Exactly. The land, the mm-hmm. fucking facility. And then now, now while I'm doing what I'm doing for someone else, I'm burning up my body, right? My body's slowly degrading. I'm 31, right? People say it's young. It's like I, I'm putting in a year and a half worth of work almost every year. You work 2,000 hours a year. I work 27, 2,800 hours a year. And that's without taking extra overtime or coming in early. That's just my schedule. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? 2,700 hours. Like, literally, I'm almost working an extra six months compared to most people physically. Well, you too. But I'm just saying, like, from my perspective. Right. And then, dude, after 20 years, I've worked 30 years of hard labor. And that's, that's taken away from me being able to do what I want physically, not just recreationally, but also, like, for a career. Like, I'd like to work for myself. That's why I started this. It's like I don't have much time outside of work to really be putting in. It, let's put it this way. The return on investment or input that I put into doing things outside of work isn't covering the cost that I need to put into my own capital. So this was the back solution, dude. I love talking to people. You find a passion, right? I love talking to people. I can afford to get some equipment. I made a plan. I was like, okay, in a year I want to be here. I'd like to have merch after 50 episodes. That's adoptable. But I just started somewhere. And then as it goes, I'm adjusting plans. And I appreciate you recognizing it. But again, it's like, this wasn't the primary. I wanted to build mini jets. You know what I mean? I'd like to build mini jets and airboats because that's what I love. I love just scooting around on the water like on that a jet sick. like on a jet ski, but you have a mini jet where you can put your kids in the back, your wife or fiance right next to you, and you just shoot up a creek where no other boat's gonna go. Or an airboat. You drive that bitch across the fucking land like I was telling you, dude. You get in front yards, you drive over docks, you do whatever the yeah. fuck you want, you know what I mean? Through through cattails. <laughs> and it's like That's my passion. But so was talking to people. And that's that at one point was a downfall because I'd have a schedule, have to do something, and then I get talking to someone because they're interesting and I have questions. I'm a nerd. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I want to know more about this or that. And it's like, why not just do it for fun and then find a way to turn that into a job, find a way to monetize it, find a way to grow it, find a way to maybe make this my job, and then maybe I could just make mini jets or airboats on the side, or maybe I could buy into a company or start a company that does that I can get an income from. And then still have access to those products because that's my passion, you know. Right, and they usually say that's the most successful people is people doing stuff they love to do because then it's not working a day in your life. Exactly, just doing what you want to do. <laughs> Dude, it took me a long time. Like if I would have, I've thought about this a lot. Like if I would have stuck with my original plan when I was eighteen, gone through college, got my master's, I wouldn't be where I am now. I wouldn't be doing a podcast. I might be in a different state, different country. I might be working for a larger corporation, helping engineer a product or design welding processes or whatever you name it and there's days where i'm like fuck i should have done it but then i I look around with what i have my friend base my family it's like i'm glad i didn't because i love what i have now it's not that i wouldn't love what i had then but i'm still proud and happy to have what i have now 
even though, so along those lines, even though career is a big part of it, it's like you still have to make the best of what you have around you wherever you are, you right. know? It is wild how stuff works out in ways you didn't think it would, but sometimes it turns out better. Yeah. And, and like you said, just doing this, this is a perfect example because I didn't expect like the simplest thing like audio quality to be as decent as it is. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything. I'm still learning. I still don't know anything about audio. I'll admit that. I still don't know shit about audio. When I'm editing, I'm constantly on hey, the... It looks literally a pretty legit setup. Thank you. Thank you. You guys should see a picture of it afterwards. We'll take one. Yeah. Fuck yeah. I mean, we could take one while we're doing it if you want. I'll leave it in. I don't give a fuck. But, I mean, this is my podcast. I, I'm the boss, bro. Yeah, let me get over your shoulder. Oh, I hit the wrong thing. But yeah, that's. I mean, that's literally the. Um, that's literally the point of this, man. It's like, hold up, pause. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Let me let me get one with uh, the Jack and Coke in there because you can't drink at work unless you're with me, bro. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> But no, man, like, this just happens to be a product, and ultimately I want this to be a platform for people like you and everyone else I enjoy talking to to come on and plug their business, their hard work, you know, whatever it is they want to do. If they just want to share a thought, I just want them to be able to come on and be like, hey, I thought about this the other day, you know, I'd like I'd like to get my thought out to a larger group of people, you know, I'd like to educate the public on this, I did a little bit of work about that, oh, dude, that's awesome. Fuck yeah. yeah. Thank you, bro. Thank you. And it's, it's that type of thing, dude. Like, eventually, yeah, it might be good for me, but I still want to be able to give back. Like, if I was building mini jets and airboats, I'd be giving a product to people who wanted it. But it'd really only be people that could afford a big expense, a luxury expense. Something like this, even if I started asking for, like, Patreon, it's only going to be donations. If you can't afford it, you can't afford it. If I have to monetize it through ads, that's still free to you. You just got to put up through an ad or w- with an ad or fast forward through it, you know? Mm-hmm. And even for the people listening like right now, like if it's something that gets you through the day and it's entertaining and you learn something, one, like that's something you want to continue to happen. That's where you show your support for stuff like that. Oh, hundred percent. And for sure. and really that's, I want to entertain people, dude. Like whether they learn something, whether they change their perspective on something or at least hear an alternate perspective that they're like, yeah, I never considered that. Whatever it is, even if I just make you chuckle because I just keep saying bitches, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Exa- like that, dude. Whatever it <laughs> it's is, like Beavis and Butthead over here, <laughs> right, dude? If if you're if you're having a bad day at work and you're like, let me put on Whistlepig, mm-hmm. that's huge, dude. That's huge, and that's ultimately why I'm doing it. You know, I enjoy it, but again, the fact that I enjoy it, I I hope translates, and then that purity gets picked up because intent has a smell. One hundred percent. If you're doing it just to try and do it and make money, that's huge. If you oh, enjoy what you're, thank you. Hell yeah. If if you enjoy what you're doing, bro, you never work a day in your life. And if you can make money just doing what you enjoy, great. But if you can help people while you're doing it, even better. And if you never ask yourself, like, what do you enjoy? Like, that's a good thing to ask yourself because then you can kind of find out the things that you enjoy that can also make you money. Because then, like, yeah, that's the best type of hobby to have where you can make money from it. Like, <laughs> shoot. Like, think of, think of those guys that just love love to paint or love to draw you know somebody that loves tattoos and they're a tattoo artist cops dude Dude, that like describe my girlfriend she's super good at art and then she's got a whole tattoo gun she's about to start a tattoo business no shit in the future dude that's fucking awesome for real that's fucking awesome dude when when that shit gets up and running 
bring around. I got three mics. Hopefully by then I'll have four. For sure. Plug it. Talk <laughs> shit. Plug it. You know what I mean? <laughs> For real. Just come on, talk shit. Plug it. Full <laughs> <laughs> sense. Be like, yeah, I, I know how we were calling women bitches and how we were ref- referring to all men as assholes, but come and get your tattoo. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> Hit me up on Facebook at, you know, <laughs> that type shit, dude. And again, I don't want to keep repeating myself, but that's what I do when I ramble. Ultimately, people like you I enjoy talking to. Everybody that I've talked to I enjoy talking to. My grandpa doesn't have a career, but he's got a story, and I want people to hear a story. If you're going to start something, dude, you know, whether it's a podcast, whether it's a tattoo shop, whether it's an auto body (coughs) shop, you just be like, hey, man, I want to come and talk some shit. And is there any way I can plug my shit? It's always a yes. You know what I mean? Right. If you say, hey, dude, I have this thing that's really affecting me, come on and talk about it. Vent. And then hopefully it'll help somebody else out there that's having that. Right. Because you never know what issue that you are like the first one to speak up on. That someone else could be dealing with in silence and that you know, helps them start the conversation. A hundred percent, dude. Like, like suicide, for example. If somebody's suicidal and they want to come on and talk, or has been suicidal, even if they currently are, and they want to come on and talk about like what they're dealing with, kind of hash it out live, not live, but to another person. Mm-hmm. I want that process. I hope somebody's bold enough first off, but I want that process to be shared that way how however many people are out there from now or into the future that will have access to this i hope they find it and they're like wow not only am i not alone but here's a process that they're going through that's helping them let me try that because right now i don't have any other option in my mind you know 100 percent. mental health is so underrated yeah again just laughing Mm -hmm. you hear me say something stupid (laughs) or you say something hilarious or puns you got some puns throw them you know dad jokes That'll make somebody's day go by quicker. You know, a smile when you're down can turn your day around. Put that on a shirt. (laughs) Right. For real. For real. Yeah, man. So, yeah. uh, Any other unexplained, like, ghost experiences or Sasquatch sightings? Hmm. Chupacabras? I haven't seen Bigfoot, Chupacabra. I've heard some stories about the dog, man. Um not nothing too wild, though, just third-person stories. But um, I have seen some ghost stuff happen before. Oh. That's pretty wild. Oh. Let's. So one time, <coughs> I was hanging out with my one friend. I won't mention his name, but shout out to him. He knows who he is. First name? <laughs> um, what? First name? Well, I ain't going to mention his name on the podcast. Oh, okay, but, okay, okay. But shout out to him. Okay. <laughs> but anyways, we were chilling over at his house like we normally do on a weekend and stuff, and just hanging out and like... It was him and his wife, and we were all hanging out in the backyard, like, looking up at the sky and stuff, because there was a bunch of, like, meteors and cool stars and stuff, and, like, it was a super windy night, and, like, out of nowhere, the wind chimes in the neighbor's yard just start going wild, like, ringing back and forth, like, out of nowhere, and it's like, that's a pretty weird thing. It's probably, Random. we're, we're going to go inside, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to play this one safe and just remove myself. <laughs> right, right. So we go inside, and, like... We're all just hanging out. We got the TV on, watching TV, playing on our phones, you know, whatever. And, like, his wife is in the bathroom on the other side of the house, and, like, there's some cats around. And, like, you, they're all just laying out on the couch, all visible and stuff. And, like, <laughs> we're just hanging out, all playing on our phone. And, like, out of nowhere, the chair starts to get, like, a like a tapping sound on it. Like, and it started off all quiet. And then as we, like, kind of acknowledged it, it kind of got, like even louder and like i could like feel it like a nail or something like tapping right in the chair and like 
I gave context to where everything was at because I could see it all to like, there ain't nothing else that should be in the chair. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. And like, as we like look up and made eye contact, then it started getting even louder. And I like, as soon as we like acknowledged it more and it got even louder, like shot up out of the chair, like super fast. I was like, what was that type thing? You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> why is it underneath me? You know? Oh, it was underneath you? Yeah, the chair I was sitting in. It was like a tiny little recliner chair, you know, like a lazy boy type thing. It was like, I could feel the wood in the chair, like, tapping like it was a nail or something or something like dense and hard. Fuck. It was really, really pretty wild. Bro. Yeah. That's intense. And it wasn't a cat. Cat's tail no. wasn't fucking. Seeing all the cats, they were all across the room. She was over there and he was right there. And then when I got up, it stopped. What? Yeah. That was pretty wild. Bro. <laughs> Holy fuck. That is wild, bro. <laughs> like literally, hey. Hey, okay, yeah, you do hear me? Right. You do see me? Right. You feel me? <laughs> wow, dude. What do you think that was? I have no clue. Some type of entity. And I feel like it followed us from whatever it was outside. Like, as it was pulling up, he's, like, ringing the bell, like, howdy ho, I'm here, you know, type thing. Dude, that's interesting. Like, you yeah. think maybe the wind chimes were a way of it getting your attention, and then because you ignored it, it's like, now I got to get personal. I gotta feel touch like his acknowledgement ass. gives things power. So, like, if you believe in something, whether it be believing in yourself to achieve something, mm. or believe in, like, an entity or whatever, it could empower it. Manifestation? So, right, type stuff. So, like... By acknowledging it was there, and then it got louder. Bro, but. that's, I'm not going to lie. I love that story. <laughs> I love that story. So what were you guys, like, what was the conversation around it? I mean, he was a lot more calmer than me, because he's seen a bunch of other wild ghost stuff, but. What? Yeah. I was, what? <laughs> I was not as cool, not as chill. You can't say that so casual. Like, he's seen a, <laughs> he's seen a lot of other ghost shit, so he was, he was, he, he was all right. <laughs> like, like what like Ouija boards and stuff like that oh yeah dude yeah I got some Ouija board stories there's there's a couple good oh, ones let's hear one one of my exes actually had a Ouija board that would spark really like spark like spark like, that's fucking, pretty gnarly fucking nuts dude wood Ouija board spark dang yep that's one of the ones where you throw it away and you find it in your cupboard again yeah literally <laughs> like you turn all the lights on and then you're like alright we're done and then the lights go out and you're like no, <laughs> but you can see the lights out in the other room through the door underneath the door. It's like, stop. You know what I mean? Like you, you go right. to the light switch. It's already on. You turn it off, turn it back on. It comes on. It's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now we need to get that fucking board back out and apologize. You know, <laughs> always say goodbye. Yeah, dude. My, um, <laughs> couple, couple little experiences. I'll throw two at you. One, I've got a witness. Well, both I have a witness to, actually. Um, one night, because I grew up with my grandparents. And uh, for the most part, I lived there most of my life. And uh, the power went out one night, right? And my ba- my room was in the basement. And, uh, well, actually, I'll, I'll tell you three quick ones. So have you ever had, like, uh, sleep paralysis? Where you, like, you wake up and can't feel your body type thing? Yeah, like you can't move. I have not have it, but I'm familiar with the term. The closest thing I can ex- describe this to or explain it away as is sleep paralysis. The first one I'll tell you. And I I had a water bed with like a headboard. And in the headboard I had lights, right? A little fucking switch. High, off, low, right? Depending on which way you want. 
and I would read almost every night. Well, I just got done reading. It was actually Pendragon. I don't know if you ever read Pendragon. Shout out fucking DJ McHale. <laughs> I read, uh, I was reading, I think it was like the third or fourth Pendragon. And um, actually, it was the reality bug. It was the reality bug. Okay, it's, it's a good one. I'd recommend it. It's one where it's, it's a series of books, but the reality bug is like uh, kind of where we're going now. Like there's this pyramid where people go in for their entire life and they get put in simulations they choose and they kind of live their entire life in a simulation. They get fed this shit called Gloid, which is like all the nutrients and shit they need. Anyway, uh, I was reading that and the last thing I remember is waking up. Well, going to sleep, I remember putting my book up, shut the light off. Last thing I remember is waking up to like someone on my chest choking me. (laughs) Like I couldn't breathe. And I was awake. And the only difference with the sleep paralysis thing is like I was kicking my legs and I was trying to move my arms. And it's like somebody was literally sitting. I slept on my back most of the time. It's like somebody was sitting on my hands where I couldn't move my hands. But the rest of my body, I was like wiggling around and shit, you know, squirming. That's pretty gnarly. And I remember trying to scream and I couldn't scream. <laughs> like, like, and every time I tried, like my throat got a little tighter, like I let a little air out, you know. And, uh. Dude, I was just wiggling my hands, and finally my left hand broke free. And I'm not super ambidextrous, you know what I mean? I'm ambidextrous, but not super. So I'm fumbling around for my light, because usually when I shut my light off, I didn't even have to look. I could just reach up, click it off, you know? So I'm fumbling around for the light, find the switch, and, like, I'm about to pass out. The second I turn that light on, dude, could breathe. Everything was gone, right? And That sounds terrifying. Dude, I didn't go to sleep. (laughs) I did not go to sleep. I had school the next morning. That's some Freddy Cougar shit. Dude, I told my grandma about it, and she was like, you need to put a Bible under your bed. I was like, okay. And I did. It's still under there. still under there at my grandparents' house. Never had an incident after. That was the only incident I had other than what I'm going to tell you, which actually happened previous. Power went out. I might have been like, I want to say like 10 or 11. And uh, my mom and stepdad and my brothers had, come to stay the night because their power went out. They lived on Rainbow at the time. Their power went out. They didn't have a generator. Or maybe they did. I don't remember. But anyway, it was winter, and they came to stay with Grandpa. And they're in the basement, you know, out in the living room. And my room's like, there's a wall, 90 degrees. My room's on the face of that wall. And my brothers were upstairs. Mom and John were downstairs with me. And, like, it was weird because it was, like, super calm night. Moon was bright as fuck. So, like, it felt like daytime. Like, you could see out the windows, and there were shadows mm. in the basement and shit. Well, anyway, I heard something. And this is, like, as I'm trying to sleep. A couple minutes after I shut my light off, I'm just, like, laying there. And I hear something. Like, my door was at the foot of my bed, right? So I kind of sit up, and I'm looking. And I'm like, huh. It's weird. Like, I can hear something. There was a pool table, too. I could hear something kind of fumbling around, like it was moving pool balls or something. And I'm thinking, that's weird. Maybe Greg or Brandon snuck out, and they might have been, like, five and six at the time. Like, maybe they snuck down from upstairs, and they're fucking around or something. So I just kind of laid back down. And then I just got this weird chill. And I slept with a sleeping bag at the time for my comforter. Just how I ran. You I've know done it mean? before, for <laughs> Just sure. how I ran, Too dude. comfy. Yeah, comfy as fuck. Mm-hmm. And, uh... I got this weird chill, like, in my sleeping bag. And, like, I could feel my hairs kind of go up, like, goosebumps, you know? I just kind of shuddered a little bit. I was like, what the fuck? And then, like, as I'm shuddering, I just had this weird urge to sit up and look at my door again. 
And I sit up, and there's this man in a top hat, like shadow person, but with like a Abe Lincoln top hat standing in my doorway. And like, I'm assuming we made eye contact. I couldn't see his eyes. It was just literally a shadow. Hmm. And then he turned, and I could see his side profile of his face, and he walked, and then he was out of my doorway. That's gnarly. And I was like frozen as fuck. And then after, I'm going to guess 30 seconds, I was like, no. And I sat up. And I went out, and my mom and John were sleeping out there. And there were candles and stuff out there, you know. Didn't need them because it was bright as fuck. And they were sleeping. And I shook my mom awake. I'm like, Mom, Mom, I just I just saw somebody in a top hat. And she was, like, coming out of sleep. She's like, what? I'm like, I, I just saw somebody in a top hat. And she was like, hmm, must have been your grandpa. <laughs> I was like, no, grandpa's upstairs. She's like, no. My grandpa, your great grandpa, he always wore a top hat. And like I explained the hat and she was like, well, he didn't wear a hat like that, but he always wore a hat. And she was like kind of annoyed, you know what I mean? And John was kind of awake, but he was listening. He didn't really say anything. And then the next morning he tells me, he's like, you know, the first time I ever stayed here when I was dating your mom, we just started dating. I stayed here with your mom and uh, I had to sleep on the couch upstairs. I was like, yeah. Like, didn't really know where this was going. It's like, okay. I thought he was just going to tell me, like, this house is creepy. Because, like, um, my mom's grandpa had died in there. My great-grandma had died in there. So my grandma's mom. And then, uh, I can't remember, somebody else had died upstairs, too. But anyway, so he was like, the first time I ever stayed here, I was sleeping. And somebody shook me awake. And he's like, I rolled over. And I didn't recognize him. And I was like, who are you? And he was like, who are you? And I was like, I'm, jo- I'm John. I'm Shelly's boyfriend. You know, yada, yada. And he was explaining that he was her grandpa who had been dead. <laughs> He's like, well, I'm Shelly's grandpa. And my stepdad was like, I don't, I don't believe you. Kind of tired, you know, just like, I don't believe you. And then they had a little conversation. Then he, he was like, I'm going to tell you something to tell Shelly. For her to know that, you know, you saw me or whatever. And he, my deceased great-grandpa told John this story about my mom. I don't remember exactly what it was, about her driving or something. And uh, John was like, okay. And then he just kind of, I don't remember how it ended. I think he just kind of disappeared, you know. Well, my mom the next day, he's all scared. He's like, your house is fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) Right, that definitely would be nerve-wracking. And my mom's like, what do you mean? He's like, I I saw your grandpa. She's like, no, you didn't. He's like, I I talked to him. Like, he asked me why I was here and stuff and (laughs) blah, blah, blah. And she's like, no. And then he told her that story and, like, she started tearing up. (laughs) She was like, how do you know that? And John was like, he he told me. Like, he told me to tell you the story so that you knew I saw him. And it's like, fuck, dude. Fuck. <laughs> you know what I mean? Dude, weird stuff like that definitely happens a lot with kids, too. Yeah. Or around kids. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I was going to tell you another one. I'll, t- I'll tell you this one instead. When, um, when the first, when the mother of my first child was pregnant, right, she was sleeping upstairs on the couch, and I still had the same room downstairs, and we were... We were 19 at the time, so I was trying to think if this was, this was in the winter, but it was after both of our birthdays. So she was 19, I was 19. 
And, like, I just had this weird, like, I would have these dreams, dude, where I would, like, okay, what's astral project, right? Where I would, like, I love the fireplace. So I would have these dreams where I would, like, get up, go out, lay by the fireplace, and then just randomly I'd be like, damn, it's almost time to get up. And then I'd go back in the room and I'd see me there. And I'd be like, what the fuck? And the next thing I know, I'd be sitting up, right? That's pretty gnarly. That's a really, like, people work hard to train their mind to see that type of thing. Dude, okay, well, (laughs) I have a theory about what was happening, and I I want your perspective on it. So one night, I'm like, and I know she's upstairs sleeping. And one night, I was just, like, thinking about my daughter a lot, going to sleep, but I really had to pee. And it was, like, maybe 2 or 3 in the morning. Like, I knew everybody was asleep. And the house gets eerily quiet. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And, like... I'm like, okay, I'm going to go pee, but I'm not going to turn any lights on because she needs her sleep. She's growing a fucking baby, yada, yada. But I got to, when I go up the stairs, I got to walk past her because she's on the couch in the living room. And then there's a hallway and there's a couple bathrooms. I'm like, all right. I got my headlamps always, you know. So I turn my headlamp on, red light. And I'm creeping upstairs. And I go in the bathroom and like... Whatever reason, I took my headlamp off and set it on the counter. I take my pee, didn't flush the toilet, just put the lid down all nice and quiet. Well, hopefully you left a pee. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Nah, yeah. I'm kidding. Terrible yeah, yeah, joke. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> hopefully I, I left it. So I urinated and then left it in the toilet. <laughs> and then, uh, so my headlamp's on the counter, right? I put it back on my head, and then I look in the mirror, and I don't see the reflection of the light, but I see me. Like, I'm not wearing a headlamp. But the mirror is illuminated, but I don't see the lamp in the mirror. (laughs) And I immediately was like, what the fuck? And I think I even muttered, like, what the fuck? And then, like, I kind of panicked. And I went back. I was going to go back downstairs, and there was, like, a rocking chair in the living room. And I'm like, I'm just going to sit here and look at her for a minute. So I'm watching her sleep, right? Weird. Creepy. Turned my headlamp off when I got out in the living room. I sit in the rocking chair, and I'm not moving. I'm not rocking it because it creaks a little bit. I'm just, like, kind of watching her, smiling, you know. And, like, her back was facing, like, where your legs would be, right? So she's facing the back of the couch. And then, like, all of a sudden, she just kind of sits up and, like, looks at me in the chair. (laughs) And I just kind of did the whole finger wave, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, like, she pulled the blankets over her head. And I was like... Weird. So I just watched her for like another minute or two. And uh, I was like, maybe I'll get up and kiss her on the forehead. Then I was like, ah, I don't, don't want to, you know what I mean? I don't know what's going on. I don't want to. So I just went back downstairs. Same thing. I get in the room and I see me laying there. And I'm like, what the fuck, hmm. dude? I'm like, what the fuck? And I'm like, I swear to God, I'm looking at me and I'm panicking. I'm like, how do I get, how, how do I get back in there? Like, what is this? Like, my dog is laying next to me and shit, and, like, her ears perk up a little bit, but she's, like, out. But her ears, like, acknowledge that something's there. And I'm like, how do I get back in my body? So I just kind of lift the sleeping bag, and I crawl in, and the next thing I know, I'm getting shook awake, right? (laughs) And I'm talking to her about it. I'm like, I had this weirdest dream. And as I'm telling her, she's like, stop. (laughs) She's like, stop. I'm like, what? She's like, you did not go in that bathroom last night. I was like, yeah, yeah, I did. She's like, stop. She's like, I I promise I sat up and I saw a light in that bathroom. I was like, 
stop. You stop. <laughs> There's no way. I was like, you were sleeping and you were in the same position. She's like, I swear to God. I rolled over. I kind of looked because something felt weird. Something woke me up and I saw a light in that bathroom. Damn, like an orb type thing? She must have saw the headlamp, dude. Damn, I, damn, I didn't think about that. Yeah, and I was like, no, <laughs> because I turned it off when I came out and she was like, I saw it. I'm like, okay. I was like, well, then did you see me in the chair? Because I was, I was watching you. She's like, I didn't see anything in the chair, but I felt something. She's like, hmm. I, I rolled over to look at the chair because I felt <clears> something and I couldn't do it. She's like, I could not do it. She's like, I put the blankets over my head. I was like, I watched you put the blankets over your head. And the only thing we did some research, the only thing that kind of makes sense is like, and this is just going to make me sound crazy, but well, bring it on. <laughs> I, found, I found this article that was talking about like demonic possessions and there's a certain point in gestation, right? Like if a woman's pregnant or whatever, where there's these weird energies or maybe these weird demons or some sort of outside entity that wants a body, a vessel. And it's like, okay, but why would it affect me? And it's like, maybe they were around and because I was in a certain state of mind at that time, maybe they just somehow coaxed me out of my body. So so they had the option to take it, which, again, sounds crazy. But when I tried to get back in that bed, that, that was the only time I've done that where I didn't see myself and then wake up. So it sounds crazy, but there's whole government programs through the CIA about remote viewing, astral projecting, talking about how we live in a four-dimensional hologram and how our brain interprets it into the view, view that we perceive it as. So, like, there's a bunch of money that goes behind research such as that. And, like, what if it's, like, our consciousness is just, like, a fifth-dimensional entity, entity and we're just embodying our physical body made of matter and cells and stuff that we live in, which all it is is your brain controlling, you know, your body through neurological pathways, which is just electricity. So, like, what if that conscience that's normally in your head just traveled outside it? So you still have an energy field and magnetic field to you because you're a conscience, but maybe that's what she sensed. Like for the deer thing, the quantum mechanics, like if you're looking at Bro, something, they can sense it full circle. type thing. For real. Dude, that's deep. Because like when people get possessed and stuff, what if like things that do possess people are just a fifth dimensional being experiencing our dimension and whatever, like the fourth dimension that we're in? Because like say if you have a 3D image or like a 2D image on a piece of paper, right? That's only going to be one line to a three-dimensional being, right? So, like, right. if it's a fifth-dimensional being and we only perceive things in the fourth dimension, how are we going to be able to perceive that and interpret that through our limited amount of vision? Like, we can't see ultraviolet light. Like, what if it's just a being in ultraviolet light that we can't even see? Which would explain why some of these ghost hunters are using some of these fucking technologies, whether it's uh, the Divic box or, right. <clears throat> you know, the frequency, the scanner. I think there's a lot more to frequency and stuff than we know. Like when people do DMT, they say they experience DMT elves, which are, they say that they could be like fifth dimensional beings or higher beings or whatever. They're just in a different frequency in that thing that's naturally in your body. DMT allows you to perceive it, interact with it. There's even going so far to where people are mapping the DMT realm. Yeah. Saying it's like a whole thing that's like organized and there's geometry behind it and a lot more structure to it than what people perceive it as just random colors and shapes and stuff. And like geometry and shapes appear all throughout the universe, like the Fibonacci sequence, like in the um, 
flower of life, which is like when cells start, how mm-hmm. they spread apart. It's the geometry behind that. Like, it goes hard. Well, let me throw this random theory at you because I've I've thought about alien life too. This will kind kind of tie it back to our previous conversation. What if something started around three billion years after the Big Bang? So it's closer to the half court line, right? Mm. And then it's had, it's survived. Everything has been thrown at it as far as a civilization. It's evolved. So now it's seven billion years further in advancement than we are. One, we wouldn't recognize it. But two, what says that one, maybe they didn't create us? Like we're antennas, right? Like a radio antenna. You tune into the frequency, you can listen. But just like this, somehow the RSS feed, or if you have a radio station, you can broadcast at a frequency and then other people can catch it. Who says that they're not doing that with consciousness? Where they say, okay, these beings have an antenna that we can find the frequency, and then maybe we... How do we know that's not how bees communicate? Oh, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Maybe that's how... it's, Or even bigger yet, body snatchers. Yeah. What if that's all a body snatcher is? Is it's on some sort of UFO vessel flying around the earth, but they're in like a... So I got a way to bring it around. So remember that DNA editing? Yeah. So like we as humans are not meant for space and you can tell because we have effects by that. We yeah. go into space. So what if they edit your DNA to make you smaller, be able to take more pressure, your bones are less dense, your eyes are bigger so you can see ultraviolet light, you don't have as much like skin tone to be affected by like the outer rays of the sun and stuff. Solar and you radiation. you have a bigger head to do telecommunication through quantum mechanics. So... That would almost describe a gray alien type thing. So what if it's just humans in the future that have gotten more advanced and able to do that? Dude, I've thought of that's... And they come back and abduct people for the DNA because their DNA structures maybe in the future are getting weak. I need new DNA to redo it. bro, to fucking freshen the pool because of inbreeding or whatever. Right. Dude, I've thought about this too. Like the eyes, that's, that's deep. Like the eyes, the black eyes. Imagine if you lived underground. It's completely dark. Your eyes might turn white here on Earth, or let's say maybe they evolved to pick up, I don't know, some sort of thermal vibrations or whatever so you can see, but they're different, you know, so they turn black. Well, what if you live in deep space where there's no light? Right. And you're picking up literally just the ultraviolet. at at the bottom of the ocean. Yes. That's a no-light environment. Literally. So what happens when your eyes evolve with no light and you're picking up either ultraviolet or you're picking up these certain fucking different spectrums, IR? Or even sound waves, echolocation type stuff. Bro, yes. Yes. Like, goddamn, that's deep. Okay, so (laughs) if you're floating around the earth, right, and you're Mm -hmm. a super advanced being that says, you know what, this Jeff guy. Okay, he's a baby right now, but he's not Jeff yet. You know what I mean? Maybe I could tune into his frequency, and then I could live my life through him and experience Earth as this body. That would be pretty gnarly. That'd be pretty gnarly. So he, they could live a whole life as you, and then they just wake up from a nap, and then bam, that was your whole off the planet. So now they have an experience of what resources are here we're capable of as a planet overall, but then maybe you get a whole couple different civilizations through all time and space 
to do the same thing all over. So they're colonizing, but they're not physically here. Sometimes something happens, like they're like, whoa, whoa, hey. Kind of like right now, China or fucking North Korea sends a nuke up, right? We want to know what the fuck's going on. So what happens if different societies from different sides of space are all here? Like some men in black shit. Yeah, but they're all in us. We are them. And then somebody shoots a fucking nuke up and they're like, all right, I don't know what's going on there. So we're going to fucking take the spacecraft and we're going to go investigate it because we don't know what China Jeff is doing. So we're going to take Ukraine, whoever, take a spaceship and go investigate it as a UFO. See, and that, that's weird you say that because a lot of UFO sightings were around military bases and nuclear facilities. Like, they've had instances where UFOs have flown over nuclear facilities and shut off the nukes. Yeah. And straight just, boop. It's like, all right, let's just see if we can do it real quick just in case these people want to blow each other up. Boop. All right, we can. No problem. No factor. Right. And if you look at it like countries, like countries that are warring, mm-hmm. it would make sense that if a certain demographic of an alien were to take over a certain demographic of people maybe another demographic of alien that has a different intent is like i don't like them there but we can't let them know we're here so if they do do something crazy maybe you have to call in the big guns which isn't a nuke but it's your fucking spaceship so i got a question for you okay if aliens are real Mm -hmm. why not land on the white house lawn do you think like or are they working with the government to where they know no like it's like a contained thing or like is it they only go to rural areas like energy points like out in nevada where it's like where the plates come together and there's Mm -hmm. actual magnetic energy coming out and they see a bunch of sightings around mesas and stuff or the navajo talk about that type of stuff too yeah like um what's that one ranch um skinwalker yes that place it's like one of those type of places that has a lot of paranormal activity okay too Um, connected with it to answer the why Sorry, not land. I got, like, no, no, you're good. Shit. To answer the why not land on the White House lawn. I might sound crazy, dude, but I think it's very nuanced. I think if you let's say you're not a different societies of aliens aren't taking over our minds and our consciousness and we're not them, but you know what I mean, they're not teleporting their minds here and doing, you know, whatever. If we're us and they're them, you may not want to land here because we're not ready, right? You're watching us. You're like, these motherfuckers are still nuking each other. They're still all, they still talk about this guy being fucking Ukrainian, this guy being Saudi. Right. You know what I mean? They're not all one yet. But also, if they are different societies of aliens taking over our bodies, maybe there's an agreement that the second you make it known that we're extraterrestrial, all bets are off, and we have to wipe this fucking planet. Because you can't have, think of it like China. If China was in space as an alien, and the U.S. is in space as an alien, and China and U.S. have an agreement, okay, we're gonna, we're each gonna agree that we're gonna take over these apes, and we're gonna live and explore this planet through these apes. But the fucking second that you decide you're gonna make it known that you're an alien to them, all bets are off. So like, so maybe they have planet-ending technology where they're like, okay, there's an experiment. We're all gonna agree to fucking explore together, but the second that somebody decides to break that and make it known that we're here, planet's done. This is no longer an agreement. This is no longer a biological experiment. 
This is just another fucking planet or just another fucking bunch of rocks drifting through. This is just another asteroid belt in about three billion years, you know? Mm-hmm. So maybe they're just like, well, if we do that, we break contract and we, they're going to end it. Or it'd be like Columbus and the Indians, except we will be the indigenous people in that situation. Exactly. Or they're like, hey, the second you decide you find something you like and you're going to come in and take over this planet, I just happen to have this laser that's going to fucking, you know. Sharks with lasers. I got the lasers. (laughs) You know. So maybe they have planet ending technology. And it might be something like black hole technology where they can just be like, well, this whole area of space is just wiped and it's going to blow out the backside into another dimension and you're never going to piece it together again. The or we could just Americans get along. talk about like the Anunnaki making humans to harvest gold type stuff where that's aliens. Dude, that's another big one. Because if, <laughs> if you, if you, did you listen to the three brothers? Some of them on and off. Okay. The last three brothers, I feel so bad because... Greg and Brandon and I got into an argument over money because Brandon says that money is protection. And I'm like, Greg and I were like, no. You can use money for protection, but in it, it in itself is not protection. If someone tries to come up and harm you and you just throw like quarters at them, I don't think it will be effective. I mean, if you throw them hard enough, maybe. I mean, true. You know what I mean? But in itself, it's not protection, in my opinion. But we got off. We got so far away from our argument, we were arguing stupid shit like... <laughs> Well, the Spaniards went to the Mayan and Aztec, and they weren't looking for money. What were they looking for? Gold. And, oh, and what did the Mayans and Aztecs value? Gold. So there, there's like that currency that's across all fucking civilizations that we all put value in it. We don't know why, but when you look at the properties of it. Humans naturally think, ooh, shiny gold thing. Right. Ooh, pick it up. But when you look at the properties of it, the, dude, it passes electricity extremely well. What do we cover all of our spaceships and send them out into space with? Even the space astronaut, like, face shields. Yes, like literal gold. because Not gold color, actual gold, because it protects against solar radiation. There's only so many particles that can penetrate it so deep. So we literally put gold foil over our fucking landers and shit and send them into space because it's going to protect them against particle bombardment. Whether it's solar, fucking UV, the intensities out there in space are something nothing you or I could understand. And even the physicists that are designing these things, they don't comprehend it. They just understand the effects of it. You can't comprehend, like, a tsunami, the power in a tsunami, dude. But we understand what it does. So if we say, okay, we can build these things that withstand it, that doesn't mean we understand or comprehend the power of it. We just understand what it takes to fucking overcome it. Right. And I think that's kind of what's going on with the gold foil. We're like, all right, it's got value. Well, why does it have value to exist in space? We we shouldn't right. know like, that. What makes people value it so much where they would rather like go to war over it, lose their whole livelihood or country over it? Like, invade another country over it. Naturally. Right. Without being persuaded Throughout that, hey. history with the different cultures, different bringing up, it, it reoccurs. Look at it like fucking oil, bro. If we were in the Middle East for 20 years over oil, that's something that most countries don't appreciate the same we do. I mean, may, they might now crudely, but, dude, we appreciate it in a way that it runs our society. Whether it's transportation or fucking energy, we need oil. Mm-hmm. But... 500 years ago, if you came across a fucking oil field, you dug a hole and oil started coming out of it, you'd be like, what the fuck? You could have all the oil in the world and not know what to do with it. Yeah, dude, you'd be like, what the fuck is this? Now I got to go wash my hands in this (laughs) creek and you're washing your hands and it's not coming off. And you're like, seriously, what the fuck? You might find value in it that it catches fire and holds flame really well, 
But that's it. But gold? Through fucking eternity. Almost all civilizations that we have record of have valued gold extremely. Mm-hmm. Why? Why is that such a universal fucking valuable item? Same Element. with silver. Same with silver. Same with silver, dude. Same with silver. Like, for instance, like, in 1913, when the dollar was backed by silver and first became the centralized bank, a silver dollar used to be worth today's value of $27. Yeah. So, like, that same silver dollar, that like a Morgan dollar, can still buy you the same amount of stuff today. We're like, if you have, like, a, a quarter today, it's not worth the same as a quarter from then because it's not made of silver. Or a quarter from a year ago. For real. Like, inflation fucks all that up. Any quarter past 1964 is not made of silver. Right. Right, literally, yeah. Like, literally. I think, what was it World War II they started getting away from the uh, copper with the pennies? Or World War One? I, I think it was. They started needing... World War II, they have steel pennies in 1944. 44, that's what it was. Yep, mm-hmm. 44. They started going to steel, and then there's only a year where they did that before they went to, like, a zinc alloy with a copper. Any penny after 1982 is made of a zinc copper alloy, and you can tell if you heat up a penny pre-1982 versus a penny now made of, like, the copper and nickel stuff, it'll, like, melt away. Versus the copper penny would just get really red hot and mm-hmm. not melt away. Yeah, you can burn holes. It's like Monopoly it. money. It's wild. <laughs> Literally, bro. It's, it is Monopoly money. It's somebody at the top has all the money and they're like, well, I want to keep playing the game. So we need to print a little more so I can make a little more. And it's not backed by the gold standard or silver. Dude, if you and I were to sit down and play Monopoly for six hours and then let's say you end up winning, you have all the money. If you're having a good time, you might be like, all right, I'll order pizza. I'll go get a couple fucking cases of beer. You want to keep playing? It's like, not really, man. You know, I'm kind of all burned out. I'm out of money. It's like, well, what if I give you 10% of what I have now? Because I have all of it. You can you can, you can, can possibly get back in the game with like $2,000 in Monopoly money. Mm-hmm. And you'd be like, all right, yeah, I have a new strategy. Maybe I'll buy some of these properties. Some of... That's literally what our inflation is they're like let's print a little more Dude, we'll keep people going the last two years 80 percent of our currency in circulation has been printed is, yeah. is it two i thought it was since like 2020 well i guess yeah mainly two years yeah it's pretty wild, wild. And, the, and the fed is talking about switching to a like universal financial currency that's backed by the u.s government and they have like stipulations you can read about it on their website even where they say like it could have expiration dates of the money so if say if your money's in your account it could expire yeah. Like, yeah. that's wild. Yeah, thinking about, like, uh, even stocks. Stock, they have, they're starting to put that into stocks, too, where certain mm-hmm. stocks are going to expire over a certain amount of time, or they're they're going to max out at a certain value, so that, you know, if you invest all your savings or something into, like, a retirement plan, like an IRA, you're only going to be able to get this much maximum value out of it, and that's written deep into the contract, where it's like, yeah, you put in $4 here, but the maximum it's going to be is, like, 27 See, and what would preserve your wealth is something like gold or silver, because that's going to hold its value over time, no matter what currency becomes the number one currency or whatever. No matter it's, what time you live right. in. Gold is still gold. Dude, if you can figure out how to travel back in time to like 3,000, 4,000 BC, you're not going to be taking fucking US dollars or fucking yen. No, you no. take You take gold, dude, and you're good. You're good. You know what I mean? Or silver coins even. Like the Greeks could tell just by like the weight and sound of it. The sound alone lets you know it's real. I was going to say the sound or like even biting them. Wouldn't they bite them? Yeah. Like you can make marks in silver. Not not as easy as gold, but you can like literally use your fucking mouth to check something. Mm. If your ear's not tuned enough, you can be like, well, I watched my daddy bite this coin. And well, you I... know right away you drop it, you hear that pitch sound to it. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Isn't it lower pitch? It's like a high pitch. Oh, I thought it was. Okay. I thought it was a lower pitch. Like a lower pitch thud versus like a higher pitch ring, you know. Mm-hmm. No shit. 
That's intense. Yeah, man. So, uh, well, we're 10 minutes shy of four hours. You want to try to make it to four? Why not? All right. Milestone. All right. I don't know what you got going on tonight. I'm kind of on your. Hey, I don't even believe in sleep. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of on your schedule. It's 10, but I think we can make it another, another 10 minutes, quarter after. That's that's pretty close to our goal we set. For sure. Yeah. So you got any, uh, anything you want to say to the people? Any, any, uh, whether it's, whether it's, uh, motivation, um, awareness, like open your eyes type shit, or just even like, you know, anything. You have anything you want to say to the people? Um, really find your niche of something that you enjoy that can benefit you or something, just anything you enjoy, whether you're looking for it to make you money or not, just to gain knowledge and perspective. For instance, like if you want to start a podcast, like I, I intend to start a podcast myself, actually, where you could interview people. Where how else would you get into that that room with that individual that you want to know more stuff about or learn about, like entrepreneurs or business owners and stuff? Like you could use a podcast as a platform for them to project their name and brand out there and get out there, and then they can showcase their skills and knowledge. And then you can learn from that that other people are probably asking the same questions as you, but it's just like. How do you make that connection type thing? Dude, that's, that's, god damn, kind of speechless there because I don't want to riff on that. But first off, if you create a platform that's um, accessible to everybody, right? Mm-hmm. People that may not have access to the same people, whether it's somebody you just want to talk to or somebody you have an intent of getting out of them in conversation. If somebody doesn't have that access, but they still have that same interest, you're providing a service, right? Which mm-hmm. is huge. Now, if it's something like, like you said, talking to business owners or managers or, you know, leaders, mm-hmm. if you're talking to leaders, dude, there's a lot of leaders out there that would probably want to get, especially if they're a true leader, they're going to want to hear alternate perspectives, um, even experiences that other people have gone through. Because the more you know, right? The more you know, <laughs> there's, you don't like learning. If I can tell you, hey, this is a thing, you can always fact check it or don't do that. You can always do it. But if I'm coming from a place of sincerity and intent and I want the best for you, I'm telling you because I don't want you to make that mistake. Right. Like these are the problems I ran into trying to get to where, I, where I'm at now. And maybe you don't have to make the same mistakes based on learning from that. And that's like gonna they sa- say wise people learn from other people's mistakes. Yes. And that's going to save you so much time. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're going out of your way to provide that service. That's fucking, especially if it's a passion. That's huge. That's a huge accomplishment. But you're also going to give motivation. You might even lift spirits. And there might be somebody out there that you don't even know that you're going to help. That here's one thing that you never thought would be helpful. And they're like, that pertains to me exactly. Or I never would have thought of it this way. Yada, yada. Wow. Or like for, say, someone who doesn't think they can make it because of so whatever circumstance of their upcoming or where they're from or where they're at. And then you hear a success story from someone who came up from, like, out the mud, rock bottom. And then they're like, well, if they can do it, you know what, I could too, type thing. Somebody that was in the ghetto. You know <laughs> right, what I mean? Right, right. Yeah, I had to sell enough crack to fucking <laughs> afford this so I could turn it into that. And then now I'm here running this fucking, yeah, dude, that's huge. And once you do that enough, obviously you're going to gain repu- repu- reputable repu- reputability? Reputation. Reputation. Whichever. There we go. Hopefully that was funny hearing me try to fucking sound that out. You're going to gain some reputability or reputation. Stuff. Yeah, you're going to gain words, experience, you know. 
No, uh, words are hard, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but um, also, let me just spin off that and say, you're also providing a service to your guest who would maybe be able to get a, a, a message out there or convey a thought that they think might help an industry or change an industry, which would be advertising for them. Right. Maybe that's going to bring them personnel. That's going to be like a recruiting tactic. But at the same time as doing that, they're giving you not just um, content, but they're giving you the same thing that everybody else is getting. You're just getting it more condensed. If I start listening to your podcast a year in and I go through your entire backlog, great. But I didn't get the off-mic conversation that you had with that person before and after. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So just by putting yourself in that position, I think it's going to be huge, man. Seriously. For sure. Like getting in that room with that guy. And saying, hey, so what do you really think about this? What would you do in this situation? Do you want to talk about that? No? Great. We won't record it, but at least explain to me what you were going through or what was in your mind when you made this decision, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's going to give you an amount of growth, even though it may help everybody else that listens and hopefully will. It's going to give you an amount of growth that even going forward, like if you do the podcast, going forward in the podcast, it's going to give you some momentum to know, hey, what to ask this guy or how to interact with this person or what not to ask these people. You know what I mean? For sure. And 100%. that's just going to grow you. And if people are growing with it, it's going to naturally sustain itself, I feel like. Mm-hmm. And then there's like an infinite market of people to interview because there's always, each year there's more millionaires being made. So like there's entrepreneurs out there that just come up with that one idea or that one plan that works out and they stick to it and have the dedication and drive to follow through with it. And then it becomes a success story. And it's like, to some people starting off feeling like going from an hourly wage job to the financial freedom outcome that they want to do type thing, make money in your sleep type mindset. Yeah. It's like, how do you get to that level and having like interviewing people that started there or whatever would, I definitely feel like would be a definitely good perspective to get. And just a snowball off that. You might cut 10 years off somebody's life where they're like, dude, I really love this thing and I'm doing this thing that I don't enjoy as much. Or I like welding, for example. I really love welding, but I don't like what I'm doing right now welding, you know. Maybe you give them a little bit of boot in the ass, a little motivation to get from where they're at now. Or maybe you give them motivation to design a plan to get to where they want to get going, you know what I mean? And again, if you hear somebody say that, you know, I never thought I would be able to do this, but I found a passion in it and I had two other jobs or I had another job and I had to take time out of my day that was dedicated to relaxation to actually work on this thing outside of my job that was current at the time. Maybe somebody else will hear that and be like, you know what? I can probably sacrifice two or three hours a day, and then before they know it, they can find a way to make what they want to do work just by the fact that they hear somebody say, hey, I understand, you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. the only reason I'm here is because I put in that work. Or I, like you said, I had this idea, but I pushed it. I didn't just say this is something that <laughs> I thought would be cool. You know, <laughs> right? And I gave to somebody else to do, or I waited for five, ten years, and then now somebody else is doing what I wanted to do. So now I got to figure something else out. Otherwise, I got an exorbitant amount of competition because they're backed by an endless amount of funds or whatever. You know, what I try to think of is like we all have only twenty-four hours in a day, so yes. time is the greatest equalizer. 
Like me and Warren Buffett still have the same 24 hours in a day. Preach. He uses his money a lot more, or his time a lot better to make him money than I do because I don't understand how to yet. But it's just getting to that point of utilizing your time. Preach. And I love what you just said there. Dude, I, I get an average of like five, five and a half hours of sleep a night. If I'm in bed at midnight, I'm happy. Same. I don't Same. usually go to bed. <laughs> I don't usually fall asleep till maybe after 1230, you know, which will give me five hours about my first alarm goes off at 525. So a little less than Generally five and a half. Same. Yeah. So a little less than five, five and a half hours of sleep. So it's like I'm awake for 20, 21 hours. Unless I occasionally take, like, I'll, I'll hold my baby and fall asleep in the chair. And then I'll wake up, like, an hour or two later and be like, fuck, dude, I just lost two hours. You know what I mean? <laughs> but it's, like, it, it's offset because I just love cuddler, you know? Mm. But it's, like, when I was going to school full-time and working full-time, I was literally napping. And I made a decision. I'm, like, the only way that this thing is going to happen is if I do this. And I kind of overestimated my capabilities. I was a little older than when I was 19. I could have just fucking partied all night and then gone to school and gone to work you know but i kind of overestimated so that's the other thing is like getting somebody's perspective on what's realistic and if you have somebody that says look i thought i could do this i fell short and i had to adapt my plan and do this and understand it's going to take a longer amount of time but with actual detail with time anything is possible right because like right now an 18 year old kid straight out of high school thinking about college he might be like i'll dedicate all my time to this for a year which would be huge but somebody that's like my age 30 31 35 40 they want to get away from their career they want to get into something else even if it's just changing jobs they might get perspective from that even though they're not trying to do their own thing they might just get perspective that hey okay I can't be going out. I can't be getting a pizza every other day. I got to save whatever amount of money so that I can afford to live for a month or mm -hmm. six months while I take a pay cut and earn my way back up this pay scale. Or I've got to downsize my home or whatever whatever I need to sacrifice. The biggest thing is change of lifestyle, right? Or change of insurance and stuff. That's what holds a lot of people to jobs because they got families and then they got yes. stuck up by like the, it's like a web. You get stuck in the web of insurance where all your kids obviously need medical care. Dude, and you're in the middle of that web. Right. And, I mean, fuck, what happens when the middle of that web falls out? You know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. like, that's the core of it. Everything is tied to the middle of that web. Because any new job, you got to wait probably at least 90 days. It, yeah. Yeah. And that's, well, I was a direct hire, but, like, most new jobs, yeah, you're 90 days, dude. Like, if you go through, like, a third-party hiring service or, you know, you do an apprenticeship, anything like that, it could take longer. Could take mm -hmm. six months, could take two years, depending on the apprenticeship. Um, and there's no guarantee you're going to have a job after that, you know? Right. So, and again, I don't know if I said it on this podcast, but nobody's going to pay you like you're going to pay you. And that doesn't mean that every dollar that you earn, let's say you make a million dollars the first year, that doesn't mean every dollar that you earn goes into your fucking pocket, right? To quote Rocky, if you know what you're worth, go out and get what you're worth. Nux, dude, <laughs> nux. Well, that's the thing is like, let's say you make a million dollars a year working for yourself. If you put all that million dollars into your account, by the end of that first year, you're not going to have anything because you're not going to be reinvesting into capital. Right. You're not going to be putting money into mm -hmm. materials. You're not going to be resourcing labor to help grow. Or if you just blow it on cars, fancy stuff and partying. Right. Which you see definitely happen with people that win the lottery. You just see people blow the shit. No, that's, that's a hundred percent fucking. And that's the thing, dude. Like. You might have to have somebody on this had that fucking experience and be like, you know what I would do different? 
I owned my own business. I was a multi-million dollar corporation or a multi-million dollar, you know, LLC or whatever. And then I just, I thought I had enough. I looked at my account. I had 8 million in it, but I didn't realize that I was paying three grand a month for fucking electricity, $5,000 a month for my fucking mortgage. Then my wife left me because I wasn't making money. She couldn't go out to dinner and spend two grand like she wanted to do. Takes so, half your money. You're right. So then the <laughs> next thing I know, instead of seven million, I'm down to like three million after fucking lawyer in court. You know, you, mm-hmm. you need somebody with that. I think you need to do it. Dude, I'll help you do it. I'm 100% game with it. For real. Fuck yeah, dude. For real. Mm-hmm. You just let me know what you need to, because. See, and it's like, I, like, and for example, now I have no excuses. Because, like, I could sit there all day, get out of work, be tired, do whatever chores at home and stuff. And instead of like, oh, I don't got enough time, blah, blah, blah. But in reality, you know, you sit there playing your phone for, like, how many hours a day? Like, if your screen time's over five hours a day, it's like, I don't know. You could probably <laughs> utilize that time a little better. Uh, you know, yeah, you right. could probably re reinvest some of that time into right. You know, and it's like seeing you work the same hours I work. It's like, all right, so he's obviously doing it. It's turned out pretty good, good quality and stuff. I listen to podcasts all day, anyways, and it sounds pretty similar to what like normal podcasts sound like. Like you couldn't tell that I work with him type thing. So like, oh no, thank you, yeah. dude. thank you. So like, I feel like that means I can do it too, and why not? And I feel like if I Need is a necessity for invention, and I feel like as a young welder coming up, or just a young person coming into the job force in general, would need something like this to get that inside perspective of the higher management people or the entrepreneurs, or just what's out there that you can do in different careers, and just even like, because like, who do you know, how do you know what your supervisor does? You don't. Or how do you know how he got there? You don't. To kind of bridge that gap between the lower level people and higher level people, (laughs) or like rich people and poor people or whatever, you know? I don't mean to laugh, but when you say, how'd your supervisor get there? You don't know. The first thing I think is like what what you hear all the time. Well, he's just sucking dick. <laughs> right. <laughs> Look at him kissing ass. Oh, he's probably up there sucking dick right now. It's like, it's like I get it because it makes you feel better about where you're at right now. But in all reality, you think he's sucking dick? He might be selling himself or throwing you under the table or saying, hey, I can do this. But the fact that maybe he's selling himself saying, hey, I can do this, is putting urgency on him so that he figures out how to do it, even if he doesn't know how. If he has all the tools and the capability to be able to do what he's selling somebody on being able to do, more power to him. But if he says, if he's selling himself, going out on a limb, stretching resources, selling himself, saying, hey, um, I think we could do this and that, and I have a plan, how are you going to tell him no? And then if he's following through with that plan, how are you going to tell him to stop? Mm-hmm. He's sucking dick. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's like maybe he's just saying that we could do this or that, or if we change this or had one of these, we could get this outcome. Or even to allow a leader to follow through with a plan, and even if it fails, not to just fire the guy, to be like, okay, so that way that when you went about it didn't work, what did you learn from it and how could you go about it differently? Right. Grow with him. Right. Experience, dude. Just because he failed in his first experience doesn't mean he doesn't have experience within your walls and know your processes. That just means his idea failed and he guaranteed learned from it. If he's arrogant as fuck and is blaming everybody else, take that into your decision that, nah, maybe we don't need this specifically. But, I mean, fuck, dude. If he's honest about it, says, you know, I wish I would have done this different. Or her, I wish I'd have done that different. Maybe I didn't see this when I should have actually asked. I didn't ask about this. How are you going to tell them, yeah, you're, you're gone. Get out of here. Because the next person that's going to come in has zero experience in that job. Even if they've worked in that place, you're going to bring them up a level or bring them down a level. They may 
not well more than likely they don't have experience in that specific job so the vision like mm-hmm. on, like we were talking about climbing a tree you're on the ground you can see a lot of shit dude you get up fucking 20 foot you can see a lot more shit mm-hmm. it's like maybe oh maybe there is a pond over there that's surrounded by bushes that i couldn't see unless i pushed through these bushes and fell into it you know <laughs> right exactly it's like maybe i'll grab a machete i'll clear a little lane and then i'll fucking take my fish and pull and see if there's fish in there Otherwise, I wouldn't have that plan. I wouldn't have that perspective. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're thirsty? There's a pond. How do you know that? Because I've been upstairs sucking dick. You know what I mean? <laughs> he told me there's a pond over here. He doesn't want you guys to have any water. It's like, really, you should want the best for everybody in the corporation. And again, like you said, if you work yourself out of a job, you're doing your fucking job. Mm-hmm. You don't want to just build walls and obstacles so that nobody else can get to your position because shit stinks. And so does intent. Sometimes it's, it smells sweet, but it has an odor. Like if you're kissing ass, yeah, there's an intent right. behind it. And that smells sweet. You or can like still if there's tell. a leader that'll throw you underneath the bus or something just to make themselves look better or something or steal an idea. Right. Stuff like that. Yeah, that's exactly. And honestly, dude, I think, uh, I think you've got a pretty solid plan because it, I don't think it just has to be. I think. Okay. I see we're over four hours, so we can wrap. Any time now, but we made our mark next sure. to that. So I see that um, I can see where the initial startup, and this is just me. Don't take this 100%. This is just me giving you some feedback, right? I can see where the initial startup would be. Yeah, get some of these leaders that are successful. Maybe get some of their downfalls, things they'd change different. Maybe get some inside perspective or some view into their business and how they run it. If you want to get that deep, get kind of the details and how they make decisions within. But eventually, dude, I think you should start pulling people in that maybe have fallen. Mm-hmm. You know, not just fallen and then gotten back up and been successful, but people that have been successful, ran their own businesses, and then now they're, they're in a spot where they're making less money. They have less than they did 10 years ago and kind of get their perspective too because, again, you learn from others' mistakes, and that's just right. as valuable as – Hey, how do you start a business? Hey, how did you grow this business from, you know, a mom and pop shop to a fucking somebody that's empl- in it, employing an entire city? Right, right. You know? And I, I mean, I feel like in general, every person you meet, you can learn something from. Whether it be something you admire or something you don't like, whether you like, you can learn an action or whatever. Yeah, 100%. 100%. I mean, I've, I've said it before. I didn't know the words, but like, I enjoy talking to people with alternate perspective and this. I say that I would rather talk to them. If you gave me a choice of somebody that aligns with me 90% or somebody that disagrees with me 90%, I'm going to start talking to the person that disagrees with me 90%. For sure, because they're seeing something I'm not, so I want to know what they're seeing. Right. And if they're talking crazy, I need that crazy person. Like people say Alex Jones. I need him on my radar. I need to know all the crazy shit that's being said because even if it's not proven real, I need to know that it's somebody's reality or somebody's well, thought that could be real. And maybe there's, even though the direct thing they're saying might not be what I interpret as, yeah, that's what's happening. I can take the philosophy behind the thought and apply it to something and be like, ooh, there is a back door and people are probably behind the stage. Mm-hmm. There's probably a hand inside that puppet, you know, whatever. Right. So, or it's just the left hand and then you look over at the right hand doing something different type right, thing. Right. Dude, look, <laughs> look over here at the shiny piece of gold. And that right hand's over there fucking emptying your bank account. (laughs) (laughs) What's your password again? Oh, no, gold. Look at this gold. You know? (laughs) Yeah, man. 
Well, fuck, Jeff. I enjoyed the fuck out of this conversation. Yeah, and, definitely uh, fun. Yeah, dude. Well, when, uh, like I said, when you need any help or if you need any help, let me know, man. I'm here. I think you got a hell of an idea there. To the people out there listening, I've already spoken into action, so. There's pressure. You know, there's, uh, sure. there's, fuck, what did I just say? There's a little bit of added incentive, mm-hmm. you know, but there's also like, fuck, what, how did I just, ADD is so shitty, dude. <laughs> well, how did I just word it? I think I worded it good when I was like, maybe they're putting this, when they're selling themselves, they're putting this fucking whatever. Let's just say pressure. They're putting this pressure on themselves, and that's going to, if you take it positively, what's your positive person? It's going to give growth. Now that this is out there, I mean, first thing I would do, I think I told you, is I would set kind of a timeline mm-hmm. and then just make a baseline plan. Don't try to make it perfect because that's what I did. That's what took me so long. Just get a baseline plan, whether it's gaining capital or getting your account started, whatever. Get the easy shit done. And then have like your six months. In six months, I want to be here. And then allow that to be tweaked. Yeah, I have no problem with failing along the way. That's how you learn. Or tweaking the plan. For sure. Don't just tweak it where you're like, okay, I'm not going to do it anymore. Right. Don't get tunnel vision or a fixed mindset. Adapt and overcome. Yeah. And even if you get (laughs) tunnel vision, have people around you that are going to be pointing out holes, hurdles, fucking trains coming from the side. You know what I mean? (laughs) People that (laughs) are going to get you. Yeah. (laughs) People that are going to be pointing out dangers, hazards, all these things around you that may affect you on your fucking tunnel vision sprint. Right. If you have people around you that are just not going to say anything and they know a train's going to cross your path about the time you're going to be getting to it or you're on a deadline to hit a hole or there's a hurdle coming up but your head's looking up, you know what I mean? Mm. You don't want those people that are just going to let you run into that. And there's definitely people out there watching for people to fail. Yes. There's people that get more out of jealousy. There's people that are are more willing to do work to not support something than to support it. 100%. And, like, for social media stuff or, like, starting music or, like, starting a podcast, it ain't nothing to send a like, share, and comment, you know? No, dude. And I think we were talking about that. Like, if you see something and you enjoy it, like, like, I've had so many people tell me in person, like, dude, I'm glad you're doing this. Dude, that podcast was awesome. But it's like... I know you saw me post it or this or that. It's like, just give me a like or just put on there in the comment, dude, I enjoyed this. That way people that see you comment on that are like, oh, he enjoyed it. Maybe I'll listen. And it helps the algorithm. Right. Help me. Mm. You know, telling me in person does help, but I try to be humble as fuck. Like, thank you. You know, like I'm trying to get better at saying thank you and taking praise, but it's like at the same time, there's always that mind, the thing in the back of my mind, the mindset that's like, not that I wanted more, but it's like I would rather you have told other people that you enjoy what I'm doing, whether it's whether it's work I'm doing, right? Whether it's, hey, dude, he's putting down beautiful welds. Keep him there. Or maybe go ask him what he's doing that's different than what I'm doing. Or 100%. Hey, I enjoyed his podcast. Hey, what's he doing in his garden? His garden looks great. Let me go ask him. And then I'm going to tell other people, this guy's got a beautiful garden. Like I would rather that than telling me, hey, dude, I like that, you know, you I appreciate know it. You ask. <laughs> right. I appreciate it, but again, just like, you know, what's your podcast, man? You need any help? 100%. Just ask me. I'll give you fucking anything I can give you to help you. You know what I, I mean? I mean, this alone allowing me to have the means to step out onto different platforms through the whistling pig, like that alone, you're getting my name out there, starting getting people to hear my vision and stuff, like... Just a screaming. Mm-hmm. That's. I don't know if I've actually gone into the philosophy of Whistlepig. 
I'll try and do this quick. <laughs> so, like, the whole point behind the podcast is, like, you know how prairie dogs live in a colony? Mm-hmm. Well, their nickname is Whistlepig because if they see, like, danger, they kind of scream to communicate that, hey, there's something over here I don't like that might be dangerous. If it's an eagle, you know, they kind of know that, yeah, they're going to swoop down so they may have a different tone. We don't know. Mm. But if they also see something like, I don't know, a truck, they're like, I don't recognize that, or a noise or a smell. They're like, I don't recognize that, but it might be dangerous. So they at least alert the rest of the colony. That's kind of where the motivation for the name came from, because I'm like, not that I'm going to just talk about conspiratorial shit, because it's literally whatever I want to talk about. You Alex know what I mean? Jones in right? here. <laughs> yeah, Alex Jones up in this beach. <laughs> but it's literally whatever I want to talk about. But at some point, if I have a thought, I want to express it. I want to at least tell people, hey, I think you should do this. Hey, watch out for this. They're doing this, or I think they're doing this, or just like the motivational thing. Hey, I think you need to get up. Everybody has the same amount of time in the day. When that first alarm goes off or the second alarm goes off, get out of bed. Because every time you you snooze that motherfucker, and I'm bad at this. I snooze it to like oh, the last too, second. But it's like every time you snooze that motherfucker, you're losing a couple minutes. Right. You know, just be strict. Get up out of bed. And you're taking your first defeat of the day, like immediately Immediate. In immediate, mm-hmm. dude. And that's kind of where the name Whistlepig came from because I'm not going to just be screaming, hey, the government's doing this or hey, this person's doing that or hey, watch out for these things. Dollar's going to collapse, whatever, you know what I mean? But I want to at least broadcast to the colony my thoughts. Right. Whether they think it's dangerous or whether they think it's motivational is up to them, but I at least want to whistle it. I want to scream it out there and let them take their perspective on it. Mm-hmm. If they're like, yeah, that's just a buzzard. He's not going to eat me unless I'm dead. Cool. Hang out. Hang outside of your fucking hole in your colony. But I at least want to let you know that I, I see something or I think something, you know? Mm-hmm. So... Definitely. Hell yeah, man. Well, I appreciate it. And uh, we'll have to do this again. Not a problem. You have anything you want to plug? Instagram, social media, like uh, Snapchat, Facebook, anything like that? Nope. Hell yeah. In the future, more will come. But Yeah, dude. When you get it up and running, let me know and I'll have you back on and you can plug it, talk about, you know, your successes and all that shit that's going on. For sure. Hell yeah. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for listening, guys. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Whistlepig. If you would like to support this podcast, please like and subscribe, rate and review, and follow on social media at Whistlepig Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Rumble. You can email questions or comments to whistlepigpodcast at gmx.com. That's G as in girl, M as in man, X as in x-ray.com. And until you hear from me again, get outside, take a kid with you, and stay free.